Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder, James Boyd came to give them life. The Blackest Wrestling Podcast has come to kick all ass and drop his six feet if they're kicking trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in. That's on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit it, talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation You got to unleash the power of the pyramid This is Mike Semper from WrestlingObserver.com Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio uh, This is Kenny Omega, we're listening to One Nation Radio Check it out guys, these guys know what's up Big Kenny Omega fans, that's all it counts to me Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this special edition of One Nation Radio. We are reviewing WWE slash NXT. I bet you didn't expect us to be doing that this year after this year, right? But we have some positivity with us. We have with us the implications of LOP Radio. What's going on, Imp? Hello. Thank you for having me again. Uh, you said positivity. We'll see how long that goes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll giggle my way through it, even if I'm, if I go down the hill. Yeah, yeah man. And- this 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 year, this company, this is just man. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Um, and by the way, that is Rich. By the way, he didn't give me a chance to introduce him as well. I introduced the guest first, but sorry about that. What's going on, Rich? Not much, man. Just, uh, you know, making some, you know, new music, start new year and getting ready to release some. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got some, got some new stuff coming out. Okay, okay, okay. All right, well, let's get to it. God damn it. I try to, try to avoid it. Can, can, can we talk about rap philosophy real quick? Can, can we talk about the NBA? Can we talk, can we talk about anything else first? No. no okay. No, okay. we must talk about the worldwide leader. In uh, professional wrestling, the the leader of the market uh, share, WWE, the the gigantic uh, Goliath, um, the incompetent Goliath, uh, whatever. I'm not even going to go get just kill it, whatever. But uh, Imp, do you have some uh, some initial thoughts on how you would uh, I guess contextualize 2019 WWE, including all of its tentacles from the UK to uh, Winter Park, Florida, to wherever the hell they banish off those uh, 205 Live guys? <laughs> I'd go with everywhere, but inconsistent as fuck. <laughs> I'll be able to explain it. <laughs> 
They have their year's been so up and down. And if they do something good, like on the end of it or somewhere, there'll be something that wasn't as good. Uh, I stopped watching over the summer. That's me, super positive, happy, giggly imp. I stopped watching over the summer for the second year in a row. It was just too much for me. Uh, and when I did tune in, it was like the I called it the summer of the uncertain two weeks of canon. You had no idea what was going to be sticking two weeks later down the line, or or even a month or whatever. It was just. It was a peak of creative randomness, and it just... I think uh, Plan over on LP Radio, who... Uh, WWE hit him down so hard he's retiring. Yes. <laughs> not doing anything. But, yeah, he called it, like, the year of randomness, where it's just... You do not know what's going to happen next, and that's not, a, in, not in a good way. As in, continuity means nothing, essentially. Right. Uh, especially over the summer. They've gotten better, but by gotten better, I mean they've gotten better at doing the basics of storytelling. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, 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 continuity exists now. Like that's the bar I'm going for. And I like, will get ready for a really optimistic forecast when we get to that bit. <laughs> but I'm like that is kind of the year has been so inconsistent. Whenever there's anything good, again there was a massive low beforehand or somewhere in there. Kofi's a an amazing example of that. Right. The ultimate high followed by the ultimate low, and then what followed after that didn't make sense for why it happened. Like it didn't merit it, so it hurts even more. Did it hurt at the moment, and then it hurts even more to see what followed afterwards. Like it wasn't even necessary to cut it off like that. Which again, it fits that thing of like the wild card rule. That but I would call it the wild card year because it just makes. No sense. <laughs> it's just really weird. It's just all over the place. Uh, like, what are the rules to this world? <laughs> but after the summer, it has gone better. So whatever you call that, it's gotten better, but you got Lesnar as champion again. So it's Yay. back to square one where it was five years ago. Uh, so I can't say it was a good year because it 100% wasn't a good year. There were some fantastic moments, but the lows hit so damn hard that someone like me stops watching you know there's been quite a few problems there. Uh, I do get affected by Saudi Arabia stuff a lot more than some fans do. Mm -hmm. I'm the guy who, to write a column, ends up on like the death penalty database because I'm properly researching. It's like, yeah, I go down into the depths of hell <laughs> for the columns. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, a wild, random year. <laughs> Come as I'll watch shortly. Well, Rich, your turn. <sighs> I feel like it was 2017 part three oh, and it was just like the continuation of the descent of the, you know, the, the decisions that matter in this company to like the, the pay-per-view execution to the title belts. And I just became really frustrated with this show once, you know, we did the, LP review show. I had been watching Raw and SmackDown, you know, for years or whatever. Right. Just like, you know, wow. And then when you're not watching it after, because as soon as the LP show finished, I quit watching Monday Night Raw, like I said I would. Have, mm -hmm. And I think I've watched, I think I watched a four horsewomen match at Madison Square Garden, and I watched Kofi Kingston uh, lose to Brock Lesnar. Those are the two things I saw on Raw and SmackDown. So, so basically, what you saw saying is you saw like the like a September Raw at random, and then you saw you know the big hullabaloo of you know going into that huge week of the first week. Just of that October. segment, yeah, just right. that segment. So, okay. um, and I was like, I can never watch the show weekly again. 
like after like being off like this and seeing you know just hearing all the reviews from everyone from Brian Alvarez to Wade Keller to JD to everyone that you know I listen to that covers all this and it's just like everyone was out of their mind everyone's mad everyone's just like saying how nothing makes sense and I feel so much better about myself for not subjecting myself to trying to a cover for what they were trying to do b break down why it's stupid give them the answers and then it just never really you know play out that way and it was just like uh, a lot of like individual things this year you know pissed me off with wwe with you know the hogan returns plural 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 uh, you know, more Saudi Arabia nonsense, the way they're treating the wrestlers, the weaponizing of NXT, uh, for, you know, against AEW, the general feeling around people wanting to get out of this company. And it's just like, WWE does not make me feel good at all. My turn. Sure thing. Yeah. Um, I think the um, the crystallizing moment for me was hearing about this. I didn't see it. I, I heard about it. Which is probably not fair, but they ain't been fair to me, so fuck them. Um, <laughs> I want to say a couple weeks ago, there was an uh, a Ricochet versus Umberto Carrillo match where there was a top rope her and Ken Rana or a top rope reverse Rana and Ricochet landed on his feet. And they said the crowd barely gave a fuck. Barely even, like, is almost like that kind of woke the, like, it's almost like they startled them. It was like, oh, something happened? Like a noise, like a loud noise is by the side of them. They kind of like, oh, and that's all they got. It wasn't no, <laughs> you know, standing ovation or, or, you know, huge moment or oh my god this dude is depthifying I can't believe this dude landed on his feet from after this amazing maneuver from Umberto Carrillo and that's how I feel that's what most of on the main roster that's what what most of this roster experiences um, these are these crowds these are basically hyper talented hyper athletic mannequins that have no personality or I'm sorry not yeah, have no personality. They have catchphrases, and it's a variety show slash sitcom. And they're put in these situations, um, and they're told to act unbelievable. And depending on whatever side of the bed Vince gets on, or what whatever he decides to do or undo from week to week, it makes everybody look like schmucks that just run around with their, like chickens with their heads cut off, landing. <laughs> reverse runners on their feet to no one giving a fuck because this is a company built on personality and nobody has one aside from the very select few um, and for the main roster that's kind of my synopsis of 2019 um, in between all that stuff there's a lot of people trying hard and everything and then there's a lot of people that are given opportunities that after they keep showing over and over they're not ready for those opportunities at least not yet and they keep doing it anyway, and it keeps alienating the fan base, and we are where we are now. Like, it's just a, it's just nonsense it's a whole, that's on your TV for five hours. It's a whole lot of getting what they deserve, especially, like, when, you know, they run these storylines that turn people off for weeks, and then what 
we turned out into really being our pay-per-view only viewers. So by the time the pay-per-view comes, we see their video packages, we see what they were trying to do as compared to the reviews, and then we watched a long droning silence at the end right. and when nothing's over and these people are wrestling the silence and matches are going anywhere from like terrible to get the fuck off my TV to just okay. And it's just like there were so many things like Seth's title reign just awful. Uh, the return to Brock Lesnar after all this time, the wasting of Kofi Kingston, the cooling of Becky Lynch, the um, over pushing of, of Baron Corbin, the under pushing of Roman Reigns, uh, having not a fucking clue what to do with Daniel Bryan most of this year. Um, no, another <laughs> add on to that: the fact that they brought up all those guys from NXT and from Two Hundred Five Live over this year. Who's most overact amongst them? Uh, between, no, hold on. between <laughs> Heavy Machinery and uh, Lacey Evans and Nikki Cross and EC3 and uh, Ricochet and Alistair Black and Buddy Murphy, uh, Cedric Alexander, Mustafa Ali. Am I missing anybody? Lars? Yeah, Lars. Yeah, well, so, I, I, I'm not the, even going to get into amongst, Lars. Right, but amongst <laughs> the elaborate list I just laid out. Who's the biggest star? I mean, you got to say, I, I think you got to say, uh, like, Ricochet, maybe, but, like... And Ricochet is, what, the bottom of the mid-card guy? What's up? And Ricochet is, what, a bottom of the mid-card guy? Right. Like, they, they put a U.S. title on him just to hand it to AJ Styles, and then, like, he, he was banished, essentially. Sounds like failure to me. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> I don't know. And then, you know, NXT is, is obviously way fucking better, right? Oh, oh, and... oh, 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 I'm glad you brought up NXT. Are you Rich, Imp, are you ready for my game that I or not my game, but more or less my um my results that I've tabulated? Sure thing. James has been building this up, everybody. Like, <laughs> wait till, you know, we record this. There's something that's going to blow your minds. He has not told us what it is. Uh so I'm interested to to hear this. So, I went to Cage Match net went to WWE. WWE does not uh what is when you go to that promotion, you click on it and it has every single match from from all the in, all the uh, tentacles that we talked about earlier. So main roster included plus all the network stuff. All the rec- I went to the recommended matches list. I I went to the cage match rating and clicked uh, ascending. So I went all the way to the top, highest rated at the top, lowest rated at the bottom. So, recommended matches in all of WWE this year. There were 198 of them. How many of them do you think came out of the main roster? Oh. Out of nearly 200, how many do you think were re- recommended from the main roster? Uh, I will like go with... Below. I don't know. I'll go with 40. Oh, I'm way more pessimistic than that. Oh. <laughs> I would say... Maybe half that. Okay, if... you got to keep in mind that's a hundred recommended matches. So recommended matches that comes out to like you can get a two and three quarter star match recommended on there. Oh, that's a little bit. Is it? <laughs> oh, I don't know about the TV. That's why I said four. Again, the... I was like, okay, yeah. well, they did a lot better. Main roster did a lot better. They did ninety five. So they had a so forty eight percent of the recommended matches this year by fans of WWE. Forty eight percent of them were out of the main roster. 
fifty, so which means fifty two percent of them came out of the network behind a pay behind a fucking paywall. So here's the thing, though: as you gradually go up higher from that near two hundred to uh, let's let's say let's go to one hundred and fifty, the top one hundred fifty matches on that list. How many of them do you think were uh, main roster? Surely we're getting closer to our guesses there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fifty. Yeah, I'd go with the third. Drops to forty. Oh, let's okay. So let's go to the top hundred. How many main roster matches were in the top hundred matches of the year in this company? Thirty. Close. Yes, twenty. Thirty-six. You notice that you notice that we've gone from forty-eight percent to forty percent, and now we're at thirty-six. Now, top fifty. How many matches in the top fifty? Twelve. Twenty. Thirteen. Twenty-six percent of the top fifty oh, matches in this company is garbage. Twenty-six percent of the top fifty matches in this company came from the main roster. Now. The crazy part is, I'm a, here's some hope though, because things have changed. Uh, I did, originally did this list and had to retabulate it recently because uh, two weeks ago this list was worse. They were doing worse. They actually tacked main roster actually tacked on some matches thanks to, thanks to Alistair Black and Buddy Murphy on Raw uh, on Monday. But um, their top twenty five matches, eight of them came out of the main roster this year. Hmm. Mm. And, you think about, and you think about how many hours the main roster has, the outsized advantage that they have compared to all the other shows. Um, you've got three hours of Raw, two hours of SmackDown every week consistently. And in then front of larger crowds. Correct. So it's just bad. Like, those are atrocious numbers. Now, before I tabulated this, this would have been even worse, but it's, but it's been changed now. I, as I mentioned, eight matches, main roster out of the top 25, made the top 25 list. Adam Cole had seven by him fucking self. <laughs> that's pretty yeah, awesome. man. Like, that's, 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 Johnny that's not Gargano, shocking. Johnny Gargano had four. Four. So, like, so basically if, like, Cole and Gargano had, like, dropped off the face of the earth before this year, we're talking, like, like, we're already at an all-time kind of inept level, right? But without those two guys, holy shit! The main thing is about the about the Adam about the Johnny Gargano thing. Johnny wrestled fifteen TV matches all year. <laughs> yeah, mm. sounds about right. So, after so like just- like Adam Cole was like like I, I think we had a conversation about this like in. Uh, one of our group chats. It's like it's not that Adam Cole wasn't like like when I look at him and I look at like other guys that have been like wrestler of the year in WWE for right. my record. He's the WWE wrestler of the year, but he was like the best in like a down year kind of. But that's like nothing to really shade him. It's just right. like there was no type of like competition or like support for him really. Even right, right. And you look at his cage match recommended matches. I can and I and if I were to take away like Gargano last year, he probably has one of the greatest in-ring years of anyone in this company aside from like maybe AJ in 2016 or um, that's the only one that really comes to mind but the problem is wrestling's better 
as you can see from the from the fucking network. <laughs> but the main roster is just so exposed. Just, just, like for them to have ninety five matches that were on the main roster that were like two and three quarters. That they, they just top three star matches, quarters. like right, like Rich. So, so all that tells me to think about is like, what about all the matches that aren't that good that are populating these shows? Right. That's right. the the real stat here. Right. And another thing I was gonna get to, you, I was gonna ask you, like, Rich, we talked about this off air before. Like, now that I I laid the numbers out before you, right? We cover Stardom, a women's Japan, a Japanese women's promotion indie. Do you think? Do you think they only have ninety three three star matches, or ninety five three star matches this year, or do if you think they, they have do- way more than that? Like, if they do, like, I mean, that would come down to scale and amount of shows, I would think. But uh, I, I don't think so off the top of my head. Well, let's put it this way. They ran, they ran like, 90 shows this year. Mm-hmm. You almost always get at least two three-star matches on every fucking show. And then you throw in, like, when they do the, uh, the Corgan Hall shows where they start throwing the four and a halves at you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man. Yeah, the main roster is like it's, it's, it's the soul sucking vortex of awful yeah. it, combined with yep. bad booking. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now that I I've laid that out, we talked about this for I don't know how long now, uh, probably twenty thirty minutes already at this point. Uh, I propose that we move the fuck on from the main roster, unless you guys have some like uh, parting shots, and then we can move on to talking about the actual. Good wrestling that happened in this promotion all across this promotion all the goddamn time, except when it's on their TV that's supposed to make them all their money. I hate sound like sound a like good idea? Yeah. I, I, I hate what they did to Kobe Kingston, his title reign, the end of his title reign. I hate what happened with Seth Rollins. Now, a lot of Seth Rollins stuff was self-inflicted, but I wish a Baron Corbin feud with no one, for no one that wins a championship <laughs> coming out of WrestleMania. Um <laughs> This was just a year where nothing mattered. People felt like lower stars. Um, no one was peaking. No one was, you know, doing better for themselves. And, uh, you know, a lot of, like, the fans in WWE were just intolerable just trying to defend this nonsense. That was all over, you know, social media. Like, I mean, just look at the wedding shit that just happened. It's like, it's, yeah. it's WWE's dug in so much. And what it does and who they are and, you know, they're insane, hardcore fans that have decided we're going to we're going to love everything Vince does. Like, you know, it doesn't matter. It's just really like off putting for me, just like looking at this show and what it used to be, especially in 2013, 2016. And, you know, I'm like, this isn't the same company. And anyone that says so is lying to you. They're not using good faith. And this man should probably step down and retire. Yep. But for for me, the uh, 2K20 game bug that's been realized <laughs> is like the perfect Come thing. <laughs> like that is absolutely amazing. <laughs> like a game called 2K20, where if on your PlayStation or whatever it says the that the timestamp is 2020, there's something in the code <laughs> where the game will crash. <laughs> Uh, that is incredible. Just a, a level of incompetency, which is just, oh, it's, it's a marvel. <laughs> it takes some doing to do that. Uh, I guess, like, in terms of, like, in terms of television as well, my part in kind of thing is with the way that Baron Corbin's been done, because I was a fan of his King of the Ring, Ring run, 
I mm-hmm. thought I wanted him to win because I would thought I would absolutely love him doing all the king bollocks. <laughs> I thought he'd be fantastic at that. <laughs> but the way he's been done for me is just immediately turned me off. I've not enjoyed so much of his run after the King of the Ring, where his stuff with Chad Gable, when he was in the mid card, I thought, oh, that's fantastic. I'm getting actually behind him. I like him here. One month later, he's back to me and eventing, just like the exact same point last year, because they need something for Roman Reigns to do until it's like WrestleMania season. So you're killing time with, you're wasting my time, essentially. And you're doing, and the creative for it, it's not even good filler. <laughs> it's irritating filler that, uh, I rate Baron Corbin, but the content that's written for him is like bottom tier awful. It's just, yeah, I can't wait until they move on from this part. And even Fox is saying, oh, we don't really get started with the fun with WWE until it's 2020. <laughs> just like right off the rest of it. <laughs> like even Fox. <laughs> that says something. Yeah. Um, this money has inflated them and it's just the worst thing for fans. But I mean, let's not act like they didn't fuck up before they even ended up on Fox. Like the real, the real issue with them and Fox is the fact that like they didn't try to turn this up before they got to Fox. They just said, you know, fresh coat of paint once you get to Fox and then, you know, it'll be a whole new day and realize, well, and then right, also, this is like, us. It's, it's now we're just getting two hour raw. And we got two raws. And, and yeah. SmackDown's worse because this is the quote unquote casual show. Right. So it's right. like, you know, the charm that SmackDown always kind of had that was, it was not raw and that infect, you know, the, the raw like cesspool is gone. It's like, I don't want, I really don't want to watch the main roster now. Yeah. Like, you would just have thought like, all right, clearly you're going to put Roman on SmackDown. So what we're going to do is like, you know, you kind of thought, you know, you kind of thought like, all right, well, maybe that means, you know, we're going to get more Buddy Murphy matches and Roman Buddy Murphy and Roman matches. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> we're just going to have him in his dopey ass shit in, until you know, until we decide not to. And I'm assuming it has to do with the calendar. And like, it's weird when they book for the calendar this way. I mean, it's always been like this where. After Survivor Series, is always sucks. Look at last uh, November and December last year, right? But you, you, you always thought that, like, or at least I thought, and I was probably just always just being naive and overly optimistic that they have they have a full fucking year, or over a full year, to get themselves to um, SmackDown prime time, more eyes, all that. And it took them just. Weeks to fuck it off. All right. Like, just weeks. This is killing. It's just like, you had a new lease on life. Like, granted, we all know that they had to rock on the first show and they were never going to be able to do bring back 3.8 the second week. But they just immediately just went to this nonsense with Roman Reigns and having, what him, it feels in this, like. having him in this feud, this bullshit. Like, who gives a fuck who's a locker room leader? He's supposed to be trying to kick everybody's ass. Right. Like, it, it feels like you gave someone, like, this second chance on life, like, essentially that they were going down the wrong path, and, you know, you took them out of that environment, you put them up in a new house, you you put some a little bit in their bank account, make sure they're all right, and, you know, it, you, you set them up with a new job, and all of a sudden you find out they're smoking crack again. Like, that's that's what this, this is like. This is, like, just awful. Like... <laughs> 
So, um, I mean, I think we, any other failures, I think that's pretty much all. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm just ready to drop that here and then move on with the rest of this podcast. <laughs> positive. If you'd like more of, of us, like, throwing yeah. WWE in the shitter, listen to the FOA's draft. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's, 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 let's move forward and talk about, like, the actual good shit, the shit that's on the network. Um, I kind of thought that, you know, we talk about AEW and the Wednesday Night War and everything. I thought that, this kind of is what NXT needed to kind of wake itself out of, uh, out of like the mud. It kind of got itself stuck into like, um, probably like when he started doing the breakout tournament stuff. Like, so basically after between, uh, takeover 25 and takeover Toronto two, uh, like once they, once we got past that and we got ourselves into this moment, like Wednesday nights are a blast to watch. I don't actually get to watch them on Wednesdays. I watch them on Thursdays or Fridays, but like it's a blast and they're on par with, uh, with AEW most weeks. Uh, I think what AEW lacks in like consistent ring work, that's what you get out of NXT almost every single week. Uh, usually they have the best match. Uh, a lot of times they have the most consistent wrestling, um, bell to bell action. Um, and I think in a way with Finn Balor coming back down and what they've been doing with, um, all the all of the intricate stuff between and world stuff and interconnections between like DIY and Undisputed and Finn Balor and the two giants and uh, Lee and Dijakovic, like that has kind of carried the day for them in a way that uh, it wasn't really popping for them um, after like Ricochet and Black uh, Ricochet and Black left. Um, so, uh, what were your thoughts on NXT this year? Pretty much the same as you, but I hit a routine where I was only watching it like every now and then, I guess, mm-hmm. for like the first half of the year. Uh, I just, I'd dip into it when I could kind of thing. But mm-hmm. since October, with October, there was a little caveat of I did force myself to write a column every single week. So I kind of like had a job to watch it. Gotcha. <laughs> so it was a little bit different. So I was like, oh no, like this is literally like my part time job now. <laughs> watching <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> Don't worry. So it, so I had that routine kind of built in where I'd force myself to watch it. But like, um, I do, th- I do totally agree that they've really kept up. But NXT and AEW, that is like the Wednesday night is really for the wrestling fans, and it's an absolute dream. Like two shows, I genuinely am excited for every single week. And you totally, I totally agree with you that NXT most weeks would have the better match, uh, which was the better show overall. Was big, it's, big, it's gone back and forth. And yeah. as a fan, there's like, oh, that is the dream, really. Both <laughs> shows are knocking, <laughs> really knocking it out of the park. It's fantastic. And uh, also, get better dream. We need you back on the next day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was, it was, it's that, especially from October to the end, it's been uh, just fantastic to watch NXT. I've really, really enjoyed it. Maybe not so, not so much, but we're being happy. <laughs> NXT, <laughs> I've been really excited to watch. Uh, I guess the only main also thing that really comes into it is Survivor Series. Where they did that invasion stuff, right, and right. it gave energy to the shows, which was needed on the main roster more than it was on NXT. Because like they do that, the thing where like Poppy come out and play a song, so you start with like hardcore metal, where the pace is a little bit quick with <laughs> that kind of music. So there's always energy with those songs, with those songs, with those shows, and uh, that really injected it immediately. Like immediately after that, you got Mauro Ranallo screaming down the microphone, like, "This is NXT!" <laughs> like, really excited. <laughs> Uh, oh, it's just full of energy, and it's such such fun to watch because of that. I also apologise to my family for waking everybody up at half past one. Yeah, I yeah, such a joy to watch it every single week, and 
it's just, yeah, there's like a ball of energy. It, it's so much fun. Rich, I know you don't really, you kind of protesting like a uh, boycott NXT for now, but um, from what you've heard or from what you've um, seen anyway, I have to have like kind of had to tell you, hey man, you need to watch this match. This is Rich Lyle for wrestling, even though you hate it right now. Like, wh- what are your, what were your thoughts on, I guess, um, you know, even when you were watching at the beginning of your NXT, um, like takeover that we went to, that sort of thing this year. Yeah, like, to start the year, it was like, yo, this place is so loaded, it's so, like, like there are eras in NXT, uh, like, all the time, and it felt like we were square in the middle of, like, the best possible one. Mm-hmm. And you had Ricochet, you had Johnny Gargano, you had Ciampa, even though his neck was falling apart, you had Aleister Black, uh, Johnny Gargano in Velveteen Dream, Riddle. and then Riddle, like, circling the wagon, Cole. Get, getting yeah. started, Cole's getting started, uh, Pete Dunn's getting in there, and uh, TakeOver New York was, like, one of the best shows I've ever seen. Um, and TakeOver 25 was just, that was almost a religious experience. Like, it was just like, <laughs> like it was like, yo, like, this is so fucking good. Like, uh, I remember, like, it was like a week or so after Double or Nothing, right? And I was like, uh-huh. wow. I was like, wow, this is not, like, for me, it's not better than Do- Double or Nothing because Double or Nothing, like, just made you feel a way that NXT just never is going to do, right? Because mm-hmm. it's, you know, it, it's a, you know, at that time it was like, yo, this is the pay, they're the third promotion, whatever. Yeah. Like, it's nobody's ever, I get what you're saying. Like, nobody's ever going to have, like, a Moxley, quote unquote, escapes the jail, the prison, yeah. and, and shows up in the quote unquote promised land. Like, NXT's not a promised land. Like, well, it's, uh, the, it's, it's where you are before you lose these people and they go die at the end of the movie. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> of the main roster. Like, this is like the, you know, but, uh, it's, Takeover twenty five, like for me, it was like probably my favorite match uh, of WWE this year with like uh, Cole and Gargano too. And it was just, um, you know, Matt Riddle was was incredible. I th- wish they would have pushed that dude harder this year. Um, some of the stuff that I've heard <clears throat> and some of the stuff I've caught after, um, you know, the when they went live, feels like NXT has a sense of urgency that they're being really coached up right now. Like I don't know what they're telling th- these people, but it's like they'll go. They'll run through a wall for Triple H right now. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, you know, I wouldn't be trying to kill off, you know, whatever, you know, is there because, you know, I wouldn't be trying to fuck up my options in the future. But, um, yeah, maybe, like, maybe he's like, y'all better come out here and work or I'm going to send y'all to the main roster. <laughs> he's like, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Yeah, so um, like one of the bright spots I saw was like obviously Angel Garza and Leo Rush, uh, what they did with yep. that, and I don't think you can really talk too much more without like talking about like how good EO was this year. Yeah, and um, I, I enjoy it. She like for me, there's a couple people I'll like just tune in and watch. She's mm-hmm. one of them. Matt Riddle's another, and it's just like you know I. I see what they're doing. Like, like my my knock against NXT was just like I never knew what it was. I never like you know, I I'm more interested in the big picture with all these people. But it's mm-hmm. like I still have questions about that. It's like, okay, is is this just the destination now? Because we see Shayna Baszler looking like she's about to be on her way out of the promotion. So mm-hmm. I don't know. So it, it's a uh, it's a it's a weird thing for me because you know, as I mentioned on the show before, like I'm not in favor of what they did, but it's a. Um, it's unquestionable that it's given uh, NXT new life because it was even like I had even more to say about it previously. 
like about how I thought it was a scam, but I don't feel that way as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would like to see them, uh, you know, NXT contracts and uh, see these people start getting paid. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're going to see. Like, eventually, Johnny's going to have to get paid. <laughs> I, like, it was funny. You sent that, like, thing with um the uh, match of the year thing, and all I'm looking at is, like, all this means is that you've been in NXT too long, bro. Like, that that's all this means. Like, <laughs> like, 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 go get a check. Like, put a check with a check. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Like, uh, Imp, so what happened is, um, have you seen the Bailey and Johnny Gargano Twitter exchange today? No. Okay, so um, Johnny put up, because, you know, it's the end of the year, so on Wednesday, I guess they did the year-end show uh, on instead of actually doing a live show for NXT. And um, they were handing people, you know, Triple H takes pictures with everybody when they have their trophy for being, like, the, the you know, the breakout star of the year or the future person of the year, match of the year, feud of the year, that sort of thing. And, you know, Johnny's been racking those up lately um, over the last two, three years. So um, what they said... Johnny put up a picture of uh, last year when he won match of the year and feud of the year, and then this year he also won it while, you know, only wrestling 15 matches, but, you know, it is what it is, because he's incredible. So, um, he was like, yeah, you know, may as well, sh-. he's kind of said something along the lines, may as well shoot me in for next year. So then, um, Bailey replies with her picture of her and, um, Sasha winning theirs for 2015, and she was like, some along the lines of like you're just your only reason why you want those because like we weren't there or, or and then uh John, Johnny replies with uh well I didn't get signed until 2016 so shrug he's like but uh if you want to smoke I, I remember when you were doing that 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 Baylor stuff with uh with Finn Balor in 2015 you bring Finn Balor and me and Candice will wrestle you so that was kind of you know, it was this cute little exchange things, but that that's what was that was going on. And Rich is like, in the middle of them having fun, Rich is like, "You've been here for two years, or you've been here for over two years. You need to be doing something else. Like you're having all these incredible matches. They ultimately don't mean anything because they're not on the main roster. And we all know what's going to happen if Johnny ends up on the main roster. Let's not go there." <laughs> <laughs> but, but I used to have this phrase like, "Ultimately, it doesn't matter." Like, and I feel like that's like. That's Johnny Gargano, like, in Personified right now. Uh, do you remember, there was, I think it was last year, where they were comparing him to possibly being Daniel Bryan after the Champa feud, because he was, like, so beloved after the yeah. DIY split. And now it, because Finn Balor hit that same point when he was in NXT, like, originally, that's that point of, there's no point in you being here anymore, you've done it all. Right. So why are you still here when you are ready to move to that main roster? Gargano's at that point for me. Like everybody reaches it in NXT, where he's kind of like, "Why are you here?" And like the revival, the same after they won the titles again, it's kind of like, "Well, what is? Why are you here?" <laughs> You've obviously <laughs> become so good. And they're almost, and now they're working in kind of uncharted territory with all this stuff because it's like, "Wow, I think Riddle should have won the title by now, but he hasn't." So everyone's uh, kind of getting stretched out longer. But I think Johnny's in a weird place where he was there a long ass time already before NAC changed, and now that it's changed again, it's like, "Well." What what's there left? He's already turned heel. He's been a tag champ. He's won the secondary belt. I mean, you could give him the big belt and have him do you know a, a long reign with it, but he gets injured too much. So it's like, come on, man! Like like what are we doing here? Yeah, I think that if not for AEW coming around, I think he's already on the main roster. Like I th- I really believe that. Like if not for uh, the 
the injuries with to Ciampa's neck and also the injuries he sustained during this year to where he only could wrestle 15 TV TV matches, but and they were all at the beginning of the year. Like hey, low management. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you go from, you go from the, uh, New York takeover and like he never wrestled. He only wrestled like one match, um, on TV or in full sale, like for the rest of the year. Like everything else is takeover matches where he, you know, he's killing himself in these matches. It's like, all right, well, you're already beat up and you're doing these matches where like you're taking a fucking Canadian destroyer on the floor. Like, and you, you know, and you're, and you're, you know, you're flying off the top of the state, on top of a uh, sail through the uh, table that's on the on double the table. Like maybe, just maybe, like you need to like go away and relax. And, oh, and you're also getting like, you know, you're getting brain bustered <laughs> legit on, on the fucking ramp like a moron. Like maybe, just maybe, don't do that and try to heal up. But I, I think, I think the the injuries thing, and also the fact that AEW's around, like he's he's just, he's really going to be in NXT or on the network doing UK tours or whatever else, and he's going to be just Johnny Network at this point because like you know what's going to happen. Like if they fuck up Finn Balor, you just know you you already know what they're going to do with Johnny. It don't matter if Johnny's a way better talker than him. It don't matter. What so, about uh? I think we should switch over uh, naturally since we talked about Gargano. We gotta talk about Cole now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, incredible year. Uh, uh, if you had told me a year ago he was gonna be my wrestler of the year in WWE, I would have told you that what the fuck happened to every did everybody did a bunch of like did, he, did the entire like plane flight to one of these takeovers just like crash? What happened? Um, <laughs> he was somebody that I thought was. A second or third tier out of the out of that collection of talent, like between uh, Pete Dunne and um, Ricochet and Alistair Black and Riddle, for example, and, and Johnny and you know even I thought he was somebody that could wrestle as well as Champa, but like Champa has so much heat for for everyone hating his fucking guts for what happened to uh, the Johnny thing that like. You know, he still doesn't even have that kind of heat to this day. He's a cool heel, but I never thought he was going to get these kind of opportunities. Um, I'm glad he did because he showed, like, yeah, I belong um, in that kind of conversation. Like, but as far as the talent act, I didn't see this, but he was incredible this year. Um, and he, he carried the company. Everybody's getting pulled up or is hurt or, you know, Vince doesn't really like that guy that much because, you know, they think he's a stoner or we don't want to push that guy because he's 330 pounds and he's black. It's it's it was, um, it, it was an incredible year. Um, he took on all challengers in as a heel without you know much shenanigans. Like there, I mean, there was undisputed era and there was some of these matches, but like for the most part, it wasn't. Oh my god, they're having a great match. Look to the you know go look at the entrance because Baszler Goon is coming out to, to come fuck stuff up. So <laughs> I, I, I respect the hell out of him after this year. He was incredible, and he did most of this with you know while recovering with the, with the cast on because he fucked up his his wrist or his mm-hmm. uh, hand. That man wrestled like the last quarter of the year, like with a fucked up wrist, and that was the best time of his year as far as like output. I mean. Granted, I'm sure there's, um, I'm sure Kenny comes into discussion, but like, he may have been like wrestler, the best wrestler in the world based on output in, in November. He was that damn good. Um, yeah, Amp, what are your thoughts on Cole this year? 
pretty much everything you two have just said. So <laughs> we're taking all the air. We're taking all the air out of the room. Sorry, my bad. Uh, yeah, don't, don't forget. Uh, no, yeah, with you two discovering me just sat here in silence, it's like I mean, yes, <laughs> everything that they've said. <laughs> uh, so, but um, yeah, what you said about November as well. Uh, not to spoil my top ten later, but he appears on more than one occasion. <laughs> like, he absolutely. Uh, he, he absolutely smashed it this year and stood, uh, I guess, at the end of it as one of those top crop, which makes you think like we're in another pinnacle for NXT. He is one of those like numerous names where he's right up there and uh, is like elevating everybody around him. Like uh, when you look at, uh, I guess, the juniors in New Japan and you talk about Will Ospreay, how it's, uh, what's the phrase, like the uh, rising tide lifts all ships. Right, right, right. Like, mm-hmm. Like, Will Ospreay's done that in the junior division in New Japan. Like, Adam Cole's done the exact same thing in NXT. Like, he has really become that guy. He's the linchpin for them. That's really elevating everything. And they, like, cemented Undisputed Era on, like, that first episode of NXT. Like, these are the guys at the top. They're your champions. And they were... They are the... They're keeping everything together in NXT. And they're doing such a good job at making you want to see them get defeated. Whilst also you watch them and go, oh, they're, they're so cool and they're, they're so good. <laughs> they're so amazing. <laughs> and like even had these match with Pete Dunn at Survivor Series, that kind of cemented it for me as him as like being the most consistent output throughout the entire year. Because every other nominee either had a period injured or were kind of out for a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Like Adam Cole, he was consistent all year long. Like match, match of the month nominee like every single month. And... Uh, even if there's one that I didn't particularly get, I didn't like the two out of three falls match. Wasn't my cup of tea. Same. But, but every other month, the one that was up there for match of the month, that like, truly deserved it. And like Survivor, when he had that match against Pete Dunne at Survivor Series, that cemented it. Where even on the main roster, he had an Adam Cole NXT match, <laughs> <laughs> blew everybody away. And that wasn't even like a top tier Adam Cole NXT match. <laughs> it was. Like just like I guess uh, the, the comfortable three point seven to like three to four stars kind of area, and it still blew everybody away. It was like, oh my god, this is incredible! And with everyone else just sat there, like, yeah, this is what they can do. Even the main roster guys, they can hit this level. They're just not allowed to. Yeah. Just get kind of flattened out and uh, turned into I guess brands and names and things. <laughs> kind of just yeah. they lose a lot of their fizz. And, and Adam Cole, he's not lost his fizz. In, in, insert soda pop comparison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just know Triple H and Shawn Michaels love this guy. Um, right. <laughs> I, I could just tell, like, uh, as James mentioned, like, I would have never seen Cole at this level. Um, he's a interesting case because he doesn't do, like, it's funny, I don't see him like a Cody type wrestler, but I don't see him like a um, like a big move guy either. He's like right. in the middle. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's really weird with him. So, um, yeah, uh, hell of a year though. Like I, I think he's unquestionably been the best guy in WWE. Uh, if you shoot him, you know, I don't know. Like, like they, like they're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, especially when, well, I mean, in theory, you say, all right, well then we just go with riddle next, but like, Look at how they've nerfed Riddle. You're just like, no, nah, they wouldn't have gone with him next. I mean, the answer probably. Would, I mean, the answer is probably Keith Lee after Vince tells Triple H what to do, right? But <laughs> you know, like there's a reason that Triple H didn't want to push Keith Lee for whatever reason. I don't know what it is. It I'm not speculating. Weird. It was weird, but it, it, uh, it made it, no sense. Made like, no sense. It, he, like they were doing a 
bunch of losses with him all year. He gets over. They're still doing losses with him. So it's like, what's going on here? I, I, you know, and and then of course, like, you know, the, you know, he had the big feud with uh, Dijak and had all those matches and then no one won the feud. Like I'm, (laughs) you know, I'm just like, uh, Roger Strong won the feud. So I'm like, (laughs) I I, I don't fucking know. Like, I don't (laughs) Yeah. Like it's definitely has parallels to what they. I mean, it's not as egregious, but like it, uh, it definitely has parallels to like Dan Andrade and, and Ray thing, where it's like, yeah, like who had like the what what two wrestlers got together in this in the in in a WWE ring this year and had two or had like three to four matches this year, and you say who had the four best matches? And some of the names you come up with: Lee Dijakovic, Andrade, Ray. All right, like what was the storyline? What storyline? They just was told go out there and wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, we, we, I mean, uh, I mean, is there any? Because I don't really watch uh, NXT UK aside from like takeovers, so I really have nothing to say about it. Like I, I, I really gave an honest shot at the beginning and I got behind, but it was just. I just saw it, and at the beginning, a lot of it was just like, okay, like I like when Mastiff squashes people. Um, the Joe Coffee thing does not intrigue me in any way, shape, or form. Um, Sorry, Ricky. It, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like Dunn is Dunn comes out here, and all, every title match he has, a title defense he has, is is great because he's great. Um, but I'm not really. I'm not really. I fell behind because it was something that couldn't draw me in. Like, uh, what, what were your thoughts on NXT UK this year? Yeah. So I'm kind of similar in that. So apologies to Vicky and Clive, <laughs> the mega fans. But yeah, I'm in a similar boat where I, I was watching it routinely to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's more when I was in a period when like my podcast was transitioning. So I was trying to find some kind of format, and I went with covering the network stuff. I think that's whilst you were still still on LP Radio, so Raw and SmackDown was getting coverage at the time. And mm. as soon as you guys left, I was like, oh, I guess I can stop this. I might as well change my show as well. So I I just dropped the network stuff, and I've not watched much NXT UK or much 205 Live. I went in and out with NXT after that point. Uh, it wasn't until October where I properly picked it up again. And... Oh, yeah, with and I forced myself to watch them on SmackDown. <laughs> but NXT UK, um, I still watch the takeovers. They're mm-hmm. still really, really good. Yes. Uh, if if Clive bangs on about something enough, <laughs> like Ricky <laughs> Clive won't, won't shut up, I'm like, fine, I'll give it a go. <laughs> I'll check it out. But other than that, I'm not really watching that routinely. Uh, I know how good most of the talent is on there because I've seen them outside of NXT UK. Uh, okay. I don't really get behind a lot of them via NXT UK or kind of the work they're doing on there. Mm-hmm. It's more like I, I either already supported them or I saw something right. like like um, in OTT in Ireland. They're right. still put, pumping out amazing stuff. So but, so basically what you're saying is like Devlin moves you in OTT fighting David Starr, not necessarily like fighting Finn Balor in, in January. Yes, yes. Out of nowhere, right? <laughs> like okay. it was still really, still really good, but it was yeah, nothing compared yeah, to that. They that match for free on YouTube as well recently. The Go Devlin and uh, Star match? Yep. <laughs> okay. Oh, and I think not to make everyone too excited, but Keith Lee versus Tomohiro Ishii from Rev Pro, I think, is also on there for free. <laughs> if you want to watch the, the big lads wrestling. Excuse me. 
Yeah. Oh, you didn't know about this? Five-star match. I, I oh. had no idea such a thing existed. Um, yeah. All right, well, that's the end of the show. Be sure to write us <laughs> <or> whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I can't wait to watch that. That is going to be awesome. Yeah, it's on New Japan World, yeah. too. You can probably find it. Mm. 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 Well, to the internet, so once, I, once I get done with this podcast. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we got to talk about uh, the NAC Women's Division. Um, they Yeah, they deserve it. Yeah, definitely. They're, they're, they're way loaded up, and they finally like gave a couple people different people some chances and of course Shayna held the belt um for a really long time and what what were your overall thoughts on on the NAC women's division and you know them kind of crystallizing themselves uh this year after you know essentially having to rebuild yeah it was one of those where the feeling as in on twitter and everything the feeling felt kind of similar to when uh Naito lost at Wrestle Kingdom and there was one card like, oh my god, it's all falling apart. It's awful. I don't like it. And the <laughs> other half were like, in Gado we trust. <laughs> this may take years, <laughs> but in Gado we trust. His time will come. Uh, and then he could, yeah, just have to repeat the same thing after every Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> Hopefully it's yeah. <laughs> but it's, it was kind of similar to the in Gado we trust thing, where it's like they will rebuild. They will reach a certain status. It's just going to take time. And that's exactly what they've done. It's taken like over the course of this year, they've got more and more solid, and now they're at an absolute like just overflowing with talent. It's kind of like at one point they needed Shayna Baszler to keep everything together. Now it's like there's no point in her even existing in NXT. She's done her work, she's elevated everybody else. What is there left for her to do? She's got the four horsewomen double trouble (laughs) is coming up on the main roster, possibly. What there's just no need for them to really stay in NXT anymore, especially with the amount of talent. And some of them have been like repackaged, like Dakota Kai. Like she's like her new gimmick is like really she's now right up there as one of the top girls. Girls, that feels weird. <laughs> one of the top acts in NXT. Like she's really really up there. Um, obviously, for people like her and Tegan Knox, who I saw in the UK scene, I, I have got my own bias <laughs> towards them. But like everybody else, like Rhea Ripley. Technically counts as another UK bias, but she's absolutely killed it. Uh, for me, the women's war games match was my favorite NXT war games match out of all of them. I loved that match. I thought it was absolutely amazing. And they've, they've really, they've, they became one of the best things about the show every single week. And especially over the course of the year, it's, it's kind of like they're so solid every single week. And the takeovers, like the Shader Basel has been an amazing champion. Like she's not someone you go to for like five star match quality, but in terms of like doing the things that are important, like the person she is up against feels elevated as hell when they fight her. She feels like a big time champion, which she doesn't anymore, but she did. <laughs> she did feel like a big time champion. Uh, I'd call this like a, a, a yeah top notch year for the women. They've rebuilt so damn well. With Shayna Baszler as a linchpin, the where they're so solid, they don't even need her anymore. So I guess I guess you could call it like an A plus year if I have to give it a grade from like start to finish. You can see clear improvement, and they've ended on such a high. Yeah, it's almost like you know all all that shit we used to see on Twitter, James, about the NXT Women's Division was a uh, cap. You know, oh, was- I'm I'm glad that you mentioned it because I damn sure was going to mention it um, <laughs> at some point. I guess a right, maybe like before WrestleMania, around that time. Right after, I think. Right after, yeah. Okay, yeah. around that, around right after. Uh, there were complaints online about the women's division 
had no personality, they weren't doing anything with them, blah, 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 blah. And even got, even to, up to a point where, like, somebody that, like, I enjoy on Twitter asked, like, what is this person's personality? Like, and, or asked, like, what is Kyrie and EO's personality? And, and I explained to her, like, Kyrie is his is his former um, uh, former Youth Olympics yachts person yachtsman that uh, is charismatic and one of the most charming baby faces of a generation, (laughs) and she is the only person that successfully stood up to Shayna and her bullshit since Ember was sent packing out NXT. And I said, EO, um, and this is yeah, you're right. This is after EO uh, after um, Shayna had that final match with uh, with. Kyrie, where if Kyrie uh, lost, she would never uh, be able to, to, to get a title shot ever again. So that's what got her out. And um, I said, I said about EO, EO is the blue chip, is the blue chip five star recruit uh, that best that is like fighting for her friend that just got slain and not took out the division. Sounds like compelling characters to me. I don't know. Um, so you go from that point and. Um, that don't even. That's not even including you know the whatever um, Bianca wants to be whenever she wants to be. If she wants to be a baby face, she's such a great charismatic athlete that she's lovable. Um, especially you go back and look at the Phoenix match. They wanted her to win that belt, um, and she is so good at turning up the things that uh, I know gets people to not like uh, a Bianca Belair on the internet and she turns it up and it's just great. I remember uh, meeting her. I was like, thank you for being you. Well, I said like two things to her. I was like, I appreciate the hell out of you, what you do. Thank you for being you. And she knew exactly what I meant. Right. And it was just like, right. <laughs> it was awesome. So. Right. <laughs> so then on the other end, you also have Mia who is just, you know, also on the Becky Lynch plan of just, and also Shayna playing of being an incredible storyteller in the ring while like having just shot knees. You're not like, you know, can't really do much as far as being a super athlete. Like those days are behind you, but you have that mind and you have that, those hours in the ring rolling and you know how to put a match together regardless of whatever happens. Um, then you throw in Rhea. Rhea has all the potential in the world to do anything she wants to do. Um, you know, she was a heel in NXT UK um, she was a hill during um, the second Mayon Classic, but she came in as a baby face to be the person, to be the badass that knocks off uh, Shayna, and she knocked out the park. Um, I have some concerns it's about so her. Sorry, <laughs> people call her my time Triple H. <laughs> wow, never thought of that. Uh, yeah, you know, I've been talking, I've been calling her, you know, uh, you know the big dog Rhea Ripley for, for a while now, but whatever. Um, so I'll drop you off. <laughs> like I, I got to do that every time we talk about her, <laughs> but she, I mean, she came in immediate rocket strap. It hundred percent success, maybe the best success, um, in NXT this year, um, for someone just to come in and like people knew of her and there was like, yes, she like Shane has basically cleared out this whole fuck, all the challengers, the viable challengers, this is the one. If it's not her, you may as well bury this woman with the belt. Please, please win this fucking belt from this woman, Rhea. And Rhea's like, yes, I'll do that for you. I appreciate that. Yes, uh, don't worry. I got this. 
chill. I got this. Trust me. I, it's not like before. I'm telling you, I got this. And it was great. I watched, <laughs> watched that match. Um, got around to watching that match finally, um, a few hours ago. It was great. Um, I think it's the best match that, uh, Shayna's ever had that didn't involve, uh, a Joshi dead ringer. A, je- a dead ringer. It's like, so, so yeah. Um, congratulations. Uh, I guess that was finishing, like, mission accomplished. Great match without Joshi. <laughs> without Japanese woman. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that, yes. Uh, so, you know, once you throw in, like, Candace, Oh, Candace. She finally was able to, to, to get some shine mm-hmm. instead of just being in the background, playing the background. That match with EO, it's going, it, look, it's making my top 10 favorite matches of the year overall. I, I love that match. I'm so happy. Uh, she's finally get, get herself off the bench and be more than just Johnny's wife and just, you know, play, play as a, you know, a pawn in his game of him being a damn moron and sucker for all of the mind games he fell for with Champa. Uh, so I'm glad, I'm glad for that. Dakota, we gotta work on Dakota. We gotta get Dakota some wins, but she's off to a nice start and I can't wait for the, what happens with Tegan. Um, but yeah, like I thought this year after the beginning of the year, hearing people make these complaints about the division and where it was going, like, and I guess they were making comparisons to the horsewoman era. So I hate to tell y'all this. This division, 2019, was the best women's division in all of WWE history. Pick any, pick any, uh, you know, umbrella of WWE, pick any year, this was the best one. They had multiple feuds. They had more than just the top feud around the belt and the secondary feud, if we even get a secondary feud most years, uh, or most of the time in, um, Raw or SmackDown. They had multiple things going on. Worlds were involved. Everybody was chasing after certain uh, goals, whether it was vengeance or redemption or chasing after the belt. It was a full, fully fleshed out division. Bravo. I think that's a good place to uh, roll into our top tens. Unless there's anything else you guys can think of. Nah. No. Top ten. Uh, yep. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go from... Um, we're going to give our WWE slash NXT top or slash network top 10 matches. Um, we're going to go from 10 to one. And we're going to take turns alternating between 10, 10, 10, nine, nine, nine and so forth. So, uh, imp, your go. All right. 10. We've already mentioned this match, which is quite a nice way to go into it. Uh, the NXT cruiserweight championship, Leo rush versus angel Gaza, Ooh, which one is the, first one or the second one. Yeah, easily makes my list for being the only match where a man went up to another man's wife and got heat by taking off his trousers. <laughs> Just like <laughs> okay, so the first one, okay, <laughs> great match, like, great match. Uh, yeah, that's before any of the wrestling happened. Just like no, that's pop of the year. Yeah, <laughs> no, uh, like yeah, screw Hero Moves Return. That got the biggest reaction out of me. <laughs> Him doing that to another man's wife. Oh, that is, is such a fantastic match. And then of course they wrestled like. Uh, just like the perfect cruiserweight back and forth as well. It was yeah, easily in my top 10. Absolutely loved yeah. it. Great match. I, I love the rematch too. And I also loved uh, Leo's match with, uh, with Tozawa. That like he was great. Like I wish he had held on to it a little longer, but like I, no complaints. The guards was awesome as well. Uh, rich number 10. Number 10, I'm going to go with Io Shirai versus Shayna Baszler in the cage match, uh, where mm. Io did the big moonsault off the top. Uh, I want to say I gave it four and a quarter at the time. Uh, EO eventually snaps, turns heel at the end. Lots of interference, lots of gaga. I normally hate 
cage matches, but I think this is like one of the better ones that has ever happened in WWE. Yeah. Like when she's bashing her head and then she falls through cause she's in cuss. I was, furious. yeah. Amazing finish. Also <laughs> just furious. Like I'm like, I'm sick of her with this fucking belt. Come off the belt. Okay. So, uh, number 10 for and me. that match, like I knew it was taped. I knew the finish ahead of time. Ooh, so. I didn't. I wish you had told me. So I would have not watched that shit. I, I, I was so angry. <laughs> uh, so number 10 for me, Pete Dunn versus Walter NXT UK title match, take over New York. Um, this is the first WWE match I ever saw out of Walter. I had heard of the reputation. I had seen some of his matches or whatever else. And then I knew he was in there with Dunn and I knew that it was takeover. And I was like, I don't know how many, you know, bag and forth you're going to have, but I think the title is about to change. And in the middle of the match, I'm like, this title is definitely changing. Walter's awesome. And, you know, Dunn went out on the sword in like this honorable way. Like he, he was this guy that always had like these incredible defenses and always had this sense of tough motherfucker that, that enjoyed being champion and fought, and fought to defend that belt with, with, with everything he had. And, you know, takes a power bomb and gets splashed on. It's a wrap, but loved the match. Um, you know, loved it. Um, Imp, number nine. Number nine, a match from WWE television. <laughs> Just to shock everybody. <laughs> uh, but you can pick, you can pick one of, one of, I guess, a string of matches, but I guess the one I'll go for is two out of three falls. Uh, Andrade versus Rey Mysterio. The series those okay. two guys had was so, fantastic. Yes, yes, that was the second one. That was the second one. So the second I know, one, I, right. I know that because that one of those are on my list. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, well, but yeah, it was like all the spots you've seen. I guess if you watched Lucha Underground and you saw what Baby Studio was doing there, it's mm-hmm. kind of like he brought that into WWE for his matches with Andrade, who brought his uh, incredible CMML uh, ability with him. And together it was like a perfect mix. It was it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I guess uh, one issue is they did have to TV TVify it a little bit. <laughs> so you go you go from like really low, nothing's happening, into high paced spots because it's about time to go to the advert. So we don't want anyone to tune away. <laughs> but it uh, it still worked for me. I really I really really enjoyed those matches. Made SmackDown watchable. <laughs> like, I was really looking forward to that, those portions every single week when they were doing it. There's no story to it. <laughs> it was just these two guys are really good at doing the wrestling. I'm like, yeah, I could get down with that. Like, we don't see that end up in WWE. Buddy Murphy's versus Aston Black, they're doing that kind of now. Uh, personally, I just preferred Andrade Mysterio. Maybe I'm a bigger fan of the Lucha Libre than the Kicking Hard. <laughs> <laughs> the Kicking Hard. Uh, uh, Rich number nine. I will go with Matt Riddle versus Velveteen Dream from NXT TakeOver New York. Um, Riddle looked like a fucking killer in this match. I remember being in the top row of the Barclays Center and just seeing how much people were cheering for Velveteen Dream in this match, and Riddle kind of got put in, in a weird situation, so he turned it way the fuck up. He was aggressive, uh, and, and Dream caught him slipping at the end because they were still trying to protect Riddle, but this was a hell of a match, and I think... Um, Riddle had another match that's going to be on my list after this, but this was like the mini version of that match. So okay. uh, I love this match. Entrances, the uh, gear that Riddle showed up in. They were in uh, Brooklyn. I think he came out with the pinstripes on, so it was tight, like all all the way around, whole presentation. Yeah. Uh, Dream also came out with the Statue of Liberty thing. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Goofball. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, number nine for me. 
um, Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks Raw Women's Hell in a Cell match from Hell in a Cell. It, it, they've figured out all of these neat, cool ways to in innovative spots in this match. Um, 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 you know, it was the culmination of their feud, which you know, unfortunately, only went two months. I wish it had went longer, um, but. You know, they got their money's worth in that cage. And Sasha, I'm so happy that she got a second chance in the cage. Because, um, you know, you already know if you're a man, you're going to get a bunch of cracks at it. Like Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins, they're going to get hell on a cell matches until, you know, they're probably at like four more for the rest of her career. You know, Sasha, she had the one. All of the stuff she tried with Charlotte the first time just fell apart. This one, she's like, I'm not going to get fucked by the table. Fuck you. I don't care if you are the table. I'm going to do a bunch of spots where I don't have to worry about the table just, you know, screwing up my match. And it was great. Um, number eight, Imp. Number eight, I have got, uh, up for the first appearance, Adam Cole. Baby. Baby. <laughs> I'm going to have to do that pause every time now. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Adam Cole, too quick. Oh, <laughs> my bad. I was going to let you live. My bad. <laughs> I said every time. <laughs> uh, so, uh, versus Pete Dunne at Survivor Series <laughs> for the NXT Championship. Uh, I said earlier, this was the match that cemented his kind of positioning as like the linchpin of NXT and to deliver at this level on a main roster pay-per-view. Like, for me, I... This this match, I think I said earlier, like it wasn't anything more for me than a, like a four star kind of match, mm-hmm. but that didn't matter. It proved a point, and it it really elevated because NXT status on the card. Which if you take anything away from Survivor Series, like NXT came out feeling like a big deal, which is obviously the point of it. And uh, Adam Cole versus Pete Dunne was such a huge factor in that. When they came out, the crowd didn't seem to really care, but when the match went on, like it was almost standing ovation kind of noise. It was incredible. So yeah, easy. Yeah, as soon, as soon as I saw that, that's easily on my top ten for WWE. Uh, overall, we'll wait and see. WWE, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so number eight for me: Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston WWE title match, WrestleMania 35. Yes, I'm breaking the seal. I'm putting it out here at eight. Um, love the match. Love the presentation. Um, I saw it at a point where you know. I don't give it. I'm glad that people love the match so much. Um, it, it's it's has a huge higher. It's a lot higher higher lead. It's not a word. It's it's higher rated on Cage Match than I would have um, initially thought. Um, I think it has to do with the, the amount of um, momentum that that match had. Uh, but like, I I went to WrestleMania weekend that week, and like. I don't know how many matches I saw as good or better than that, but it was a few of them. Uh, but those matches I hold in high regard, and this made my list. Uh, it's it probably would have been higher had not been for like the back end and like like that bittersweetness of them, you know, building to that moment and then immediately undoing it um, over the months and weeks with Dolph Ziggler and ugh. Uh, so. So yeah, but anyway, uh, in the moment it was a great match, presentation, super happy. Kofi got his classic. Daniel Bryan added to the list of classics to let you know, to like you know, regardless of how they treated me in this company, don't let you ever forget that like I was one of the all-time greats in this company's history. And whatever happens after that, that's up for the fans to decide. Um, but the damn shame gonna be up to the company. Um, so number uh, seven, M for the NXT UK Championship. <laughs> 
Walter versus Tyler Bate from mm. NXT, oh, whatever it was called, <laughs> the second UK takeover. Uh, uh, Cardiff. Or third. Cardiff, that was it, yeah. Uh, this one, it was one of those where for some reason on the day I just wasn't feeling it. And mm. I've seen like the card itself had done pretty well and the tag team match had really put loads of energy into it all. But I wasn't yeah. really feeling the main event when it came on. But it just built and built and built and built to such an incredible degree where, again, it's one of those where for like five, final five, ten minutes, it's so back and forth that the crowd are on their feet. It's going crazy for it, for every single near fall. And it, um, I remember some, with the coverage on LP Radio, I can't remember who covered it at all. But some of the Brits covered it, and <laughs> they, they they kind of thought personally that they thought it went ten minutes, maybe a bit too long. Whilst for me, those last ten minutes were like perfect. Right, like that was the that was the thing that took it to that next level for me. Where there's a point where the match normally ends, and for me, this match did manage to take it to that next level, which is Kobe like, system so, over the top. Yeah, it's so difficult to do that, and the fact that they did it, and they were they gone so long at that point. Like I'm talking about, like New Japan of this of this era. Like that's the thing New Japan do. Mm-hmm. They they take it to that what you think is a top level, and then the final ten minutes go above and beyond. And Walter Tyler Bate for me, they did that. And to do that in the WWE system is like even more kudos to you. <laughs> <laughs> like you want to know you want to know a little have a, a little uh, secret about the WWE system. Hmm. They don't do that shit in the on uh, on the network. <laughs> like they just do that shit on the main roster, and then they wonder why. Dot dot dot. Yeah. Uh, um. Number seven for you, Rich. Number seven, the elimination chamber match for the WWE Championship, uh, where Daniel Bryan defended and pinned Kofi Kingston at the end. Uh, I went um, through a big range of emotions watching this match. Uh, I talked about it immediately after, I believe. I don't know if it was a solo show I did or if we did one together, but, um. I think you did. I think you may have done it with, uh, either solo or you did it with Jeremy. I can't remember. Okay. I think I might have did it with Jeremy. I'm not sure, but, um, I really loved the end of this match and it was like, we didn't know if the whole Kobe Kingston, how long it was going to last. Um, but like the last five minutes were like the magic of pro wrestling and, Daniel Bryan being a fucking master, Kobe Kingston being a master at that point, and um, it, it was like it was the black experience. Like it felt like you know, and it was a uh, it was a, it ended up being the first step in the story to get to the title. Um, somebody had to lose, of course. It would have been nice had he just won the belt there, right? But then you don't get WrestleMania, so right. um, you know, I thought like. I, this is like the best elimination chamber match of all time. So, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, number seven for me, Ricochet versus Johnny Gargano for the NXT North American title at TakeOver Phoenix. This was the semi-main event. Um, and the reason why I brought up the fact that it was semi-main event because after that they had to do uh, Ciampa, Versus Aleister Black, right. and I'm sure they had to feel like Triple H and, and Randy Orton at WrestleMania 25. They went out there and they fucking smoked the place out. Um, love the match, love the story. Johnny's teetering between, you know, following or falling for uh, Ciampa's bullshit again, or and wanting to win the titles. Tired of being Johnny loser, 
and he's like, I'm Johnny Wrestling. I'm gonna go out here and I'm gonna, I'm gonna out wrestle this guy, damn it. And then Ricochet proceeds to kick his ass. <laughs> he just out wrestles him left and right. And then he gets the opportunity to, uh, he actually take, he actually ends up outside. He ends up open, or, uh, Taking the uh, the uh, foam roll preventative stuff, off, the the mask off of the floor, and he's like, "Should I DDT this dude? Nah, I'm Johnny Gargano. I got this. I got this." Ricochet whoops his ass some more. He reaches uh, Johnny reaches the point of desperation where he does a top rope Rana, and this fucking guy lands on his feet. The crowd like comes to his feet in round of applause and the standing ovation because he just landed on his feet after catching a top rope Rana. They know how to. They know. They know what to cheer for in, uh, in takeover crowds. I don't know what to tell you. Anyway, match continues. Johnny gets desperate again. He's like, "Fuck! I can't do it my own way. I'm gonna drop this dude in his head with a with a DDT on the floor." Does it? DDTs him through the ropes onto the mat again. Wins. Finally, wins himself an individual belt. Um, later on the night, uh, after uh, Champa retains his title, the the night ends with those two on the ramp holding up belts together, and you're just wondering like. Where is this headed? And it was going to head somewhere magical, but, you know, apparently uh, Ciampa's next said, I'm not doing a job for this fucking guy, Johnny. I'm out of here. So it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> number six, uh, Amp. Uh, number six, uh, I've had my first women's match, and it's on the main roster. Uh, Becky Lynch versus Asuka at the Royal Rumble, mm. right at the start of the year. The very first pay-per-view match of the year yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, and... It easily deserves that high back. I don't think it actually got. I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I just were, read were my own saying? list. Uh, I just read my own list incorrectly. So that's fine. Oh. <laughs> it bodes well with the picture. <laughs> but uh, Becky Lynch and Asuka, uh, they they for some reason I felt like it was kind of like a open and shut case all night as to what was going to happen. That doesn't mean it, that was bad. That, right. That's that's why this is like not in my top five personally, just because. <laughs> Of that, there was not as much emotion because you're kind of like, well, because of what I want to happen, that means Becky Lynch must lose here. And <laughs> they did a really good job of uh, kind of making you forget that a bit. That's something that I praise Okada for, where in his title defense is that he is 100% winning. In the last five, ten minutes, you kind of forget about that and you just enjoy the match as it goes, swings back and forth. This match did the same here. And I was never expecting Asuka to flat out make Becky Lynch tap. That was like a surprise of, oh crap, they put Asuka over. At the time, that seemed like they were going somewhere with it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> In the moment, that felt like, oh crap, they just put Asuka over pretty big here. That is momentous. It's a shame that didn't last past this night, <laughs> but it was <laughs> that in the in the moment it was like not only are the four horsewomen being put over, they've actually put over Asuka as well. And in the moment, she felt like a bigger star as everybody else, and that was awesome. It's such right. a great back and forth match as well. Um, you always get thumbs up in my book when you do crazy spot off the apron <laughs> onto the floor. <laughs> See Koda versus Koto, uh, Cody versus Kota Ibushi, the crazy <laughs> Ibushi. <laughs> but they, um, yeah, I, yeah, they opened Royal Rumble in hell of a fashion, uh, and it's easily my matches of the night on the on that particular night as well. Enjoyed that so much. Yeah, like it's like wow, they are pushing Asuka like. As if she is one of the five greatest like women performers in this company's history. How nice of them. Nope. Psych. <laughs> All right. We uh, only we kid. Yeah. Number number six, uh, Rich. So number six, Matt Riddle versus Roderick Strong from Ooh. NXT Takeover Ooh. twenty five. 
so fast paced, so hard hitting. This was a G1 match, um, <laughs> yes. in fucking May or whenever they had that match. Uh, Roger Strong, Roger Strong being the epitome of can't go back. Matt Riddle being, I'm every bit as tough as you. I'm from the UFC, but like, don't get this shit twisted. I am a wrestler now, but we can come out here and do whatever you want to do. And, and <laughs> this was like, like they were working at the highest possible professional wrestling level while clearly knowing it's not a shoot. Like it's not a shoot, but it feels like it. Like it was just like, yo, we gonna find out who's the best, who's the man. Like that's what this was. And I was like, yo, put every fucking belt there is on Riddle. Like that's why I'm like, you know, but they didn't obviously do that. Uh shame on them. But yeah. uh yeah, that match was fucking incredible. Yeah. No rest holds. Correct. Um, Okay, so uh, number six uh, for me. More can't go back. Roger Strong versus Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic. North American uh, title match from NXT on October 23rd. I couldn't... I w- it was too hard for me to, t- to pick between the first and the second um, Dijak and Lee match. So I was like, huh, let me just pick the best one they had of any matchup. And I ended up with this one. Um incredible three-way it's is those two goliaths or those two kaijus fighting this little puny dude this little puny dude is just made out of iron like uh like how drago said about uh rocky and rocky four and they're just continuing and they're beating the hell out of out this little dude until they can get their they're finally they get their shot to to fight each other to finally get a decisive winner and once they took that little dude out and cleared him on the floor they went proceed to go into that fucking ring and go nuts, and it was great. It was every it was every bit as great as the other stuff they had did earlier in the year. Um, like Keith Lee that, that night, like just solidified himself as like, no, yes, you haven't been pushing me, but you've been making mistakes. I am that guy. Uh, when he did the fucking. Uh, <laughs> for lack of a word, the the old 2015 before the uh, ACL tear, Seth Rollins uh, flipped flipped. Uh, running flip dive over the top rope to the floor. I was like, he's doing this at 330 pounds. Seth ain't even thought of trying this uh, since he blew out his knee. He, he's he's incredible. Dijak's incredible. Roddy, is, his his resume speaks for himself. His framework speaks for himself. Love the match. Um, number five, Imp. I would just say uh, Keith Lee versus Dijakovic. If you want to see the uh, I say early like last year or so, PWG they tore yeah. it up yeah. <laughs> every single time. It was amazing. It was like seeing a PWG match in NXT. Yes, <laughs> that's awesome to say. Uh, number five, uh, second for Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks from Hell in a Cell. Uh, it's already been brought up early as well. Uh, it was like the perfect the like, final match of their feud. It built up for me. The thing that really added to it was they hadn't mucked up the story and it had flowed really well to this match. <laughs> like when they're good, they're good. <laughs> it's just that they are they've been so infrequent with that this over this year. But the Hell in a Cell was like the the peak for me for the in terms of uh, constant good build, that was the peak for the women's division on the main roster for me, uh, in WWE. Uh, it didn't feel like their biggest, but it was the best, most consistent thing about it. And the match itself was so creative. Like, it was one of the most creative Hell in a Cell matches I've seen for ages. Like, especially when we come out where at the start of the decade we're talking about, oh, was it? Oh, it was a, it was a Hell in a Cell match with Seamus, I think, I want to say someone. In and Orton? he did. It might have been. It's the one where he does, like, uh, the 
Irish curse back baker thing where he does it onto the knee or whatever, but he does that on the steel steps. So like, you're doing the move onto your knee. Why is it on the steel steps? <laughs> <laughs> That's you know that's like that's like a WWE brain rot of like yeah do your submission on top of the table because then people will be like oh you did it on top of the table it's the same fucking move. <laughs> but to say we started the decade with that and Look, we Bret Hart wouldn't have, wouldn't have done no fucking sharpshooter on the table I know that. <laughs> What's the point, Vince? <laughs> I'm going to stop coughing myself. <laughs> um, yeah, so with... Uh, it was a very, very, really inventive match, this. There was none of that in this match. <laughs> it was... Uh, like, the most iffy you got was them lining up to do an awesome powerbomb spot onto a table. Like, that's the... Yeah. It, it all went smoothly as well to say how mental some of the stuff they did was and there was anything could have gone wrong. And we kind of did see that with... Someone, I want to say Charlotte versus Sasha in Hell in the Cell. Yes. They are trying out new stuff. It didn't quite go to plan. This match, it did. And you can see like how creative they are and how much that really lends itself to this idea. When you don't get creative, these ha- these matches are boring. <laughs> when you're just <laughs> plodding about <laughs> and stuff. Like if I want to watch a match where they're hitting about hitting each other with chairs, just why is this having a cell match? <laughs> that kind of thing. Oh. But yeah, they they did yeah, they did the um Stipulation justice, cough cough main event. <laughs> they did a stipulation <laughs> justice. Boy, <laughs> yikes! Uh, so my um, number six will be Candice uh, LeRae. Uh, I want to be five. I thought this was six. Uh, I just did five. Yeah. Oh shit! Do I have one too many? Again? Oh Lord. good god! <laughs> All right, <sighs> so I'm all just had to get cut. But um, now we'll now we'll let you we'll, we'll say this is uh we'll say this is five and a half. Okay, um, so, so we'll go twice. Okay, uh, so I will go with Candice LeRae versus Io Shirai at number six, and this was a fast-paced, explosive match. And Io Shirai had recently turned heel, whole new aura, even looked different. Like. <laughs> It's like in the face. Like I don't know what it is. But when she turned, she started wearing black, the new music, everything just came together for her to start showing, yeah, I'm probably the best wrestler uh, around this bitch now. So uh, um, you know, it doesn't matter if she ain't the champion because, you know, they had an agenda with Shayna Baszler and everything like that. But uh it was nice to see Candice Ray show up. You know, she's not the youngest uh wrestler in the world and she's just hanging around NXT forever and ever and ever without really getting a chance to show what she can do and um them rolling out of bed essentially and you know, putting that match on it for me it was like this is incredible. I love this. Why can't all the women wrestle at this level? Um and it's it's easy to sometimes like, you know, like you'll see people you know, take the safe route of just praising the women simply for being there. And I refuse to do that because they're so, I feel like that's a disservice to a lot of the women that are like great, like Io Shirai and like, like they don't need a handout or like pity or, you know, like when I got Carmelo running around the main roster on his bitch, like I'm not about to just praise her, you know, simply because, you know, it's nice. She's on the card. Like, no, like, why are there restrictions? And this is a perfect match to ask those questions. Like, why does it seem like there's, you know, these restrictions? And uh, it's a it's a longer conversation, but I love this match a lot. So 
my other match uh, would be Walter versus Pete Dunn. This was like, yo, you got a homeboy that's like in over his head and he just can't win. But you realize that your homeboy's about to fight his ass off and you get a little bit more respect for him out of what he's about to go through because he's like, I'll fight him. Like, you, y'all ain't got to fight him. I'll go fight him. And, and him was Walter. Like, so, <laughs> so this was just like, oh man, this, this, that was my favorite match of the night. Um, and it was just like, Yo, Pete Dunn's been this excellent, as you mentioned earlier, he's been this excellent champion, and there's no one better for him to lose this title to. Yeah. Like, I don't care if, like, if you ask me, I don't want her to ever lose that belt. <laughs> yeah, I, I look. <laughs> bury him with it. I don't, like, seriously. Like, unless you have Jordan Devlin take it off of him eventually, I, I agree. Yeah. Like, if he loses, it needs to be like, Yokozuna, uh, buried, uh, sorry, casket match versus Undertaker where like 30 people come out to stop him. That's it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so for me, um, my number five is Rey Mysterio versus Andrade on SmackDown Live on January 15th. See, see, uh, yep, I told you I knew which one you was talking about. Uh, this was the first match. Um, we did the replay, uh, I'm sorry, the, um, LOP show where we recounted, you know, covered SmackDown and Raw, you know, segment by segment. And we ended what up were chopping. We I don't know. But <laughs> this is one of the times where it didn't, we didn't feel like complete dumbasses. Uh, we ended up chopping up the segment where we talked about this match and it went seven minutes where, where I recapped the match, move, almost move by move. You know, they wrestled too fast for, for me to recap all of it. But, it was it was so awesome. I remember saying at the end of it, like, for a minute, like I felt like I was watching Ray vs. Eddie as a kid. It was awesome. Um, just loved it. I mean, I don't. Know, I mean, I can't heap enough praise upon this match. It was like the best main roster match I saw. In, like, in my opinion, probably like since 2015 during the John Cena Open Challenge run. It was just great. Um, yeah. Uh, so, imp number four. Uh, the Elimination Chamber WWE Championship match. Uh, Rich is already... Was it Rich or was it... Yeah, yeah. Rich. Oh, yeah, it was Rich. Yeah, talked about it earlier. And for me, it was a, a, such a well-told story. I I absolutely... I just I fell in love. It's like, if you didn't already support the guy, you kind of like fell in love with Kofi Kingston at that moment. Yeah. And it was like the greatest accident of the year. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> Because meant to be Mustafa Ali, I don't know. Apparently, the rumor was that Kofi just got his booking essentially for those two matches. Don't know what uh, the idea for WrestleMania was. Kevin Owens versus Daniel Bryan, right, which right. would have been like a really short build. So that's what they were going to do. <laughs> but then Kofi Kingston did so well in the on SmackDown and the building to this pay per view. It's kind of like they, in terms of like praising WWE this year, I yeah, I have to one hundred percent just praise them so much for going in with Kofi Kingston and for dancing the line of his story so well so that is like there's the story that's being told and then there's the story that you know the story that's being told (laughs) and they dance that line so damn well where if you were too of a certain way to not notice the second story (laughs) that was being told yeah then Why is he stopping this dude from getting his daddy's belt? That's weird. <laughs> yeah. what, what what did Kofi ever do? Dot, yeah. dot, dot. What, is, 
what does he mean by you people? Does he just mean mid-carders? <laughs> like, no, <laughs> Tag team wrestlers? Like, I don't know. Yeah. 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 Like, does the, so, B and, does the B and B plus player stand for black? <laughs> <laughs> what would B plus be? <laughs> but with... Um, yeah, so yeah, so they tell that story so damn well that they dance that line. And yeah, if you if you didn't have to see both stories to follow it and get really into it, and for me that was like the one of the reasons he got so over with so many people, uh, so, with such a wide variety of people as well. That you were you, you so many different stories going on at the same time. There's so many different layers to it. And at Elimination Chamber, it did feel like this is the big moment he'll get. Like obviously, with the way that match went, you kind of had like I think they're going to go WrestleMania with this. But at the time, he didn't really know that. He just he just had a fantastic build, and he's still with WWE in their short term kind of mindset. So kind of like, oh, it's probably just go to the Nation Chamber, and uh, but by the end of it, you're like, oh damn, I think he's going to challenge at WrestleMania. That's amazing. But you also at the same time, they managed to kind of get you to cry with Kofi as well at the end with the uh, the new day kind of patting his back, saying they did a good job, and they didn't go off air, which was like the key point for it, really. If they had gone off air with Daniel Bryan celebrating and you see the shot with Kofi kind of crying on the steps, and that's what they go off with, rather than New Day comforting him, like that really sent the entire match home for me. Uh, it, one of my biggest emotional roller coasters of the year. What <laughs> did that match? No doubt. Um, right, Rich, your number four? Number four, I'm going to go with Johnny Gargano versus Ricochet. Um, this was like, yo, the guy that's run NXT versus the guy who I think is the best guy in NXT. It was like Ricochet, like, yo, these guys have run it in Dragon Gate and other smaller scales. And then here it was like, yo, they're finally here on the same level. Um, this is an all-star game. This is a great, this is a meeting of, of rivals in the NBA finals. It feels like it was like, Yo, this is it's fast as rich lives pro wrestling for sure, one hundred percent. Just short of a five, I would I would give this one. And um, I thought, uh, you know, Ricochet's. I feel like his NAC time kind of like it was it was here and gone and a flash, right? Yeah. It felt like he should have won the NAC title at some point. Maybe they were had their direction, maybe not. But yeah, gotta, uh, gotta gotta move him up after one year. Gotta get him up for the main roster so you can be a lower mid-card yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh, and Ricochet was insanely protected. I believe this was his first match that he lost uh, in NXT. It was. And uh, and Johnny finally like got the stink off of him because, you know, he's a fucking loser. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it was good to see him, like, in, in victory. You know, he had to kind of go outside of himself and, you know, I don't know how that you know, felt for uh, you know people that really got attached to the Johnny Gargano babyface character, but um, they were clear as James mentioned, like they were headed somewhere. We don't know where they were headed, but uh, it seems like you know a lot of stuff was 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 going well uh, for him. And for me, this is just this is the top. This is top tier professional wrestling uh, with these two. Yeah, um, number four. Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole NXT title match takeover 25 great match um bell to bell better match than uh the New York match um it just it just flowed together so much better to just let them go out there without having to beat each other a bunch of times or twice to uh to get to the the final um it just let time 
get the the fans urgency and the escalation of uh the moves i mean you get a you get a freaking panama sunrise um off of the apron onto the floor it just it so much stuff i i think that you know i don't know if this is the best wwe singles match ever but it's got to be in the discussion and like when i say it's in discussion i mean the only thing i mean you got the Andrade match from New Orleans last year. Um, it, those are the two that come to my mind for like best wrestled wrestling matches. And also this bait match from uh, this year as well. Like they're just incredible. Um, I don't know how the hell these guys keep getting better at wrestling every single year, but they managed to do it. Um, and I don't know what the hell wrestling is going to look like five, ten years from now, but. At the rate we're going, like we're going to start just seeing people start having six and a half star matches uh, on the on the Meltzer scale um, in WWE, and then I and we're going to be watching the main roster doing whatever the fuck that's they're doing, and I don't I don't know I don't, going I don't, in reverse, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, imp number three, All right, top three. So these are good, good, good. <laughs> so, I write columns. <laughs> so number three, I've talk- already mentioned this one earlier, uh, Women's War Games. This was my, again, I said it earlier, that this was my favourite War Games match NXT has done by quite a considerable margin. Uh, I was one of those people kind of going crazy. I guess it's when Dakota Kai turned on Tegan Knox because it just injected something. It was already building really nicely, and that from that moment on, the crowd were just crazy for everything like because quite often in these matches you'll have your peak moment whilst you're waiting for everybody to come down like it'll peak and then kind of go down a bit as someone enters and then the heels get a bit on top and they're just stomping about walking about for a bit this match never died down after that like midway point when they did that and it just built and built and built and built and again it had that message at the end which led into Ray Ripley winning the title like she pins Shayna Baszler yeah. uh, in quite devastating fashion and it's the fact that they had to do the two versus four the entire yes. time as well. <laughs> like it was all a handicap. Yeah. yeah, and they came off like absolute badasses. And it was such a well-told story. And the fact that they, the way that they did it as well, it didn't feel corny. Because if you do two versus four, they could just like take out the henchman kind of stuff. Boy. Yeah, but they didn't do that. They avoided that. <laughs> and to be able to dance Imagine that line, if they had Roman Reigns in there doing two versus four, <laughs> this should have backfired, and it didn't. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> just every move going the big dog, <laughs> the big dog. <laughs> it, it does, it does big... help. <laughs> well, it does help when you can start out the match with like, oh yeah, let's just have EO and Candice start the match. Oh, that doesn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I can't forget, Eo did do the moonsault off the cage as yes. well, so automatic yes. five stars. Yes, and, <laughs> as she, and as she, after she lands, you can see her smiling. Like, she's just... <laughs> flipping the nailed best. it. <laughs> if she wasn't going to do a moonsault, why is she here? Right, right, pretty much. <laughs> Not to limit you and simplify you down, Eo, but <laughs> that is what you're doing tonight. Right, it's like, yeah. I think I said to, I think I said to Rich, it's like, she's going to do a moonsault off the, off the top of the thing. Like I've seen her do moonsaults off of higher spots before. Like if you if you've if you've seen Mush Underground, you've seen her do that as well off a of higher mm-hmm. spot. Like it was just inevitable, and they got the spot. It's a great great match. You're right, great match. Yeah. Io Kairi and third person versus Pentagon Junior for an entire oh, episode. Mayu Iwatani. That's the one. Oh, that was a return. Sorry, I didn't realize that was my. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, that match is amazing. Go watch that one. That explains why the match was so good. Didn't realize it was her. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah. um... Women's War, easily the, my favorite War Games match. 
yeah, for me, this easily eclipsed the men's one as well, which that one had the craziest spot of the night, but oh. just of like the overall kind of pacing of this match was so much better because the men's one had what I was talking about earlier where the heels would get on top and just stomp about for a bit, then they'd switch and all oh, baby faces, then it goes back to heel stomping about. Like this match didn't have that. <laughs> and it was the handicap situation that really gave it that oomph. Uh, and, and of course, when you're painting Ray Ripley's a badass, this match did it perfectly. Yeah, like I do, I do enjoy the fact that like they won two to four, but like at the same time, like Bianca and and Eo don't take this pin. Shayna, you <laughs> eat this pin. I loved it. it was like because I was like they're gonna they're gonna pin like Bianca, aren't they? Nope, pin the champion. Set it up. I love it. Um, Rich number three, number three, Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston, uh, WrestleMania thirty five. This is quite possibly the most impactful WWE match that I've ever seen in my life. Like how it, what it meant to me, what it you know felt like watching it. Kobe Kingston had eleven years on his gear. Kobe Kingston's never been one of my favorite wrestlers or anything like that. I'm not gonna come out here and lie, right? But I've always liked what he did. I always thought he was a solid guy that was around. And this match feels like how wrestling kind of used to be. Like you went with what was peaking, you know, at the time in the calendar. You went with something that, you know, you found it'll work and people will accept. It wasn't forced. It was just wrestling like Daniel Bryan landed the plane of Kofi Mania uh, that just kind of, you know, we don't get those those moments and, you know, all the subtext. That I believe it was the last column that I wrote uh, for Lords of Pain. I was like, this is the challenge and story that we've demanded out of WWE. And they kind of backed off on some some of the elements that I raised uh, it, the closer they got to it. But it was there the whole time. There's a reason that MVP and, uh, you know, Shad uh, from Crime Time were crying online. Like, me and Jeremy were hugging each other. Uh, crying, you know, wa- watching the finish of this match. And it was just like, this just made me feel so good. And, you know, the whole time I was waiting for Daniel Bryan to get fucked the whole year. You know, oh, he's in a title match at the Royal Rumble, so he can fucking lose. And then, you know, whatever. And then he fucking keeps the belt. Obviously, and they obviously had no opponent for him, really. Like, and, you know, to see Daniel Bryan add on to the list of like, yo, I'm back inside of a year. I'm in the title match. Should have main evented flat out. Y'all know what it is at this point. Uh, we, 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 we talked about how good it was, how, how the bill was, but this was like, you know, this is perfect pro wrestling as well. Uh, a baby face that everyone loves, the crowd going fucking insane, the heel losing clean, getting the fuck out of there. And this dude, I like, celebrated with his kids and his friends. And it was just like, it's so fucking easy. Do it more. Number three for me, Candice LeRae versus Io Shirai take over Toronto 2. Um, this, I love this match. I love the fact that, like, they let the women, like, they didn't treat them with kids' gloves like they do in a lot of these women's matches, even the good ones in WWE. They let them hit each other and uh, put, you know, and let them fall from spots or whatever else. And they, I, I think that's a credit to the fact that Io is crazy and so is Candice. Um, and they put together a great match. Um, 
uh, I'm going to save this for later because this match is definitely making my uh, my top ten favorite overall, and I'm going to gloat even further on this. So I'm just going to I'm just going to save it. So I'm just going to savor it. Uh, so um, number two for you, Imp. Number two, uh, Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano Takeover New York. Uh, so for me, it was a very different experience I expected to most because I was ill as hell, bedridden mm. for WrestleMania weekend. So. If something was good, well, for this match, I was in and out of it. For the entire show, I was in and out of it. This match woke me up at like 3 or 4 a.m. whenever it aired. I'm in, my, I'm in and out of sleep, ill as hell. Can't concentrate on anything. <laughs> that, but it's WrestleMania weekend, and I'm meant to be podcasting and writing about stuff. So I forced my way through Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan. Honorable mention for this list. <laughs> <laughs> That was arguably the match I had the most fun with this year. <laughs> I absolutely love that one. But um, yeah, this match again at like 3am woke me the hell up and I enjoyed every single minute with it. The crowd were insane. They were so electric for this match. Uh, I didn't have an experience like that for the entire year where I was just gone and then this match happened and I was so awake. <laughs> like... Uh, it's almost religious. <laughs> it's woke me up. <laughs> like the preacher's got to you. You're like, hallelujah. <laughs> this is amazing. Yes. <laughs> this is fantastic. <laughs> and yeah, I was, yeah, I, um, I'm not religious. It <laughs> 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 got that experience out of me, <laughs> which is just amazing. I, um, yeah, I, it was, it's one of those moments where you just like, I'm going to remember this for such a long time, just the way that it made me feel. And uh, I have not gone back and watched it because I fear it's not as good as I remember it on that night. <laughs> I'm just going to stick with it. <laughs> it's one of my favourite experiences of the year watching this match. And it was like, a for me, the arrival of Adam Cole here as well. Like, finally, he's able to put on not just a good match or a great match, just like uh, like cementing as a top in a top performer in NXT kind of level match. Uh, all the stars in the world for this. <laughs> all of them. So number two for me uh, will be Walter versus Tyler Bate from NXT TakeOver Cardiff. Everything that you said about um, that, I excuse me, I said about Pete Dunne and Walter, but like even more because like Tyler Bate just does like physically freaky stuff and he's so explosive and you wanted it a lot. You really wanted him to, to, to beat this big fucker, but it just wasn't meant to be like, Yo, this was like, as Imp mentioned earlier, like the last like 10 minutes, like this match was going on a really long time, but then it got so good that it didn't matter. And you know me, I'll watch a show if it goes long as fuck, if it's great, I don't care. Like, or if it's a, a match, as long as it's fucking great, I don't care. Just don't come out here and suck and then go forever. Like, this was, uh, over five stars. This was like, that last 10 minutes is just like it's just magic um we don't see matches like that all the time this was <laughs> um the, i remember this was the same day as uh AEW all out and i'm like oh whatever it's nice uk like it's not like you know anything to uh, like like it's it's another show that's happening and this was the same day as the new japan show and um you know and this was clearly the best match i saw all day that day so it was like it's a hell of a testament to those guys for that. Number two for me, 
Walter versus Tyler Bate NXT mm-hmm. UK title <laughs> match in uh takeover Cardiff. Everything Rich just said. Um there's a point where watching all that wrestling, those three shows that that on that Saturday and that match happens and it keeps going and you're just enjoying it and you're just like, he's just beating the hell out of this little dude and this little dude keeps getting up and keeps getting up and there's a point where there's a there's a power bomb into the, uh, where Walter power bombs bait into the uh, post and then the match keeps going and then like he, he gets you to believe and he kicks it one and the match is just incredible and you just, it's just incredible. I mean, I think, I don't think there's, you know, I don't think I've ever seen even ten matches in my life to where that that last third of that match just 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 had me just like on the edge of my seat, eyes bugged out, just like you know, just basically melting in the seat. Just just an incredible match, masterful. Um, ultimate, I think is the greatest big man little man match I've ever seen. Um, like I'm sorry, Sean. I'm sorry, Undertaker. Hold this L. You held on the title for a long ass time for, with me, but this this one surpassed it. Love this match; it's making my top ten overall. Um, Imp, number one for you. Right, number one. It's been talked about, I guess, to death already across these top tens. But Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston. It's the st- one story all year where they they hit every single beat perfectly. There was not one thing really wrong with this at all. Uh, especially with the final match as well. Every single beat in that match was the right beat at the right time. And you can tell they've got someone who's so damn smart in Daniel Bryan, who's apparently like in the build-up to WrestleMania, just like, I am not winning this. <laughs> I refuse to win this, is essentially the story <laughs> that's coming out. <laughs> he was pushing it so hard for Kofi to win. And obviously he wouldn't have been the only one. And it was... You could see that in this match, like it was built by somebody. Like with Daniel Bryan, I wouldn't be surprised to hear how involved he was in the structure of this match because this wasn't just, I guess, somebody who's wise enough to. I've got to hit these beats. It was someone like Daniel Bryan who is so wise to wrestling that they know perfectly what you do when to get that that, that exact perfect reaction, and especially with the story of what they were telling as well of Kofi Kingston proving himself on the level against somebody who is a proven champion in Daniel Bryan. It was it was perfection <laughs> in terms of storytelling, in terms of wrestling, uh, in all the all the nerdy stuff in the sidelines as well, execution as well. Like I again, I enjoyed it so much. I don't really remember <laughs> anything too bad, but it was just pulled off flawlessly as well. Uh, you really got to see that Kofi Kingston for me to set the bar so damn high because not only did he look good, it was like he kept up with Daniel Bryan because there were so many fast sequences as well. And these weren't like fast high flying stuff. Like, no, this is fast wrestling as well. Like, Daniel Bryan's doing a wrestling match here. <laughs> this isn't just big story beat, big story beat, or big high spot, high spot. Like, they told a story, and it was again told flawlessly. And it, it's amazing. You can tell a story while still having a great fucking match at the yeah. same time. Yeah. People seem to forget this right. often. Mm. Yeah, like for, if you split it up into all of those different categories, uh, I guess and if you do it like skill or entertainment or whatever, and this for me was fives across the board because they nailed every single one of it. And uh, kudos to both guys as well. And I got taken on the roller coaster ride. It was uh, it's purely because the the thing they played off really well was the past in terms of what's happened in this company before, and they played with that emotion. 
like with well, the famous Booker T incident from 15, 16 years ago. But Daniel Bryan knew that was on our mind. <laughs> Whoever booked this match knew that. <laughs> and they toyed with us. And they were just like, so I know you're all thinking the story should be Kofi Kingston winning, but WWE swerves you. And do you remember that WrestleMania? <laughs> There's a very big chance they're going to do it again. And they've learned nothing. <laughs> that was in the back of your head the entire match. And they played off of that so damn well. Especially, like, uh, and there was one sequence, I can't quite describe it that well, but it was the sequence where Daniel Bryan won this, like that kind of sequence. Uh, Kofi Kingston makes a mistake, Daniel Bryan snaps on it, knocks him out cold, whatever, goes for the kill, and it's like, oh crap, they've bloody done it again, only for Kofi to kick out. It's like, oh, they used it, <laughs> they used <Yeah>. it well. <laughs> so, yeah, like, they had protected, I know what you're talking about, like, they had protected the, um, the, his, bi- his running bicycle knee, like, only person that ever kicked out at that point was like Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. So that's that's Fastlane 2015, and that's uh, Survivor Series 2018. And then like yeah. in the Elimination Chamber, Kofi kicks out of it, and then you know they use it at again, and it worked just as well because you know protected finishers those matter. So he kicks out, and then it's on from there, and it's just yeah, it's just a great match, great mm. match. Yeah, nothing came close to it for me all year. There were amazing matches, but there were the, that pairing of the story told beat for beat perfectly as well as the match itself and the two integrated together so damn well. Like for me, this is like fives across the board. This is what wrestling can be. As Rich said, it's not that difficult. <laughs> Just this, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Rich, you're number one. My number one, uh, Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano 2 from NXT TakeOver 25. For me, there's a good chance that this is the best match in WWE history. This is Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels with no egos imported 20 years later to modern wrestling. (laughs) That's what this match is. This is no bullshit, no no run-ins, no, like, just going 30 minutes of classic wrestling, big moves, dangerous moves, drama, great near falls, RLPW, everything you want, um, and, and a title change at the end. And it was like, yo, this it don't get no better than this. Uh, and I, this was like really sold me on Adam Cole. Uh, they had the great match in, in Brooklyn, but I like this one more because of like, you know, the one fall aspect of it, you don't have the whole two out of three thing, like muddying things up. And it was just like, yo, we didn't like, this was a high level. Uh, this is like a new Japan main event. Like, and it was like, yeah, th- this is where it's at. Like, and this is the one for me, <laughs> like for sure. <laughs> Number one for me, Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole, two out of three falls, NXT title match, TakeOver New York. Um, if you had asked me, you know, which fall of the, of the seven falls they had in their feud was the best, is absolutely the third fall of the first match. Um, that is, that stretch of time, I don't know if it's 10 minutes, I don't know if it's 12 minutes, that might be the best professional wrestling I've seen, the best 12, 15, whatever long it is I saw wrestling all over the year. Um, I don't give a damn if it's Jay White and Ibushi. I don't give a damn if it's Shingo and, and Osprey. It was incredible. Um, I've never seen a crowd that was so staunchly for one 
person and against the booking, the, the predetermined booking everybody knows you're going into getting, leaving after one fall, like completely 180ing, and then you just fall into the emotion of what they've been building towards for almost two years, 20 months, something like that. Um, it was incredible. Um, Johnny, you know, at that point, like, I remember Rich got to a point where he was saying, like, the only way you're going to keep him down for three is with a fucking shotgun. And that was the beginning of it. And that was the first time before they went a little too wonky with the, um, the Toronto two, uh, match, but it it was, it was incredible. And it was a, a moment in time. Like it was, I don't, I can't tell you how many times I, there in the live crowd, I, I pulled out my phone thinking like Johnny's about to win this thing. And then like Cole just like says, Nope. And he, I'm just like, fuck, he's about to lose again. Fuck. And just, turn off my and then like <laughs> stop recording and then like have to put my phone back out and then at the final time like and I'm doing this next to Dave Fanishel and like I'm literally as he finally slaps him in the uh, Gargano escape after ducking the last shot from behind and he you know he get Cole gets to the ropes and he rolls away and you know this is it I you can hear myself I can hear myself recording I'm embarrassed to say it like I'm yelling like a fucking mark I am a mark, whatever. I'm yelling, tap, tap, tap. And he tapped, and it was just great. It was great. Um, had I not been next to Finish L, I probably would have bawled, snot crying, just so, and, and being so happy, but I didn't. Uh, the lesson is let those feelings out, fellas. Toss and masculinity is the worst. Um, uh, tell the people where uh, they should be able to reach you at, uh, M. So you can follow me on Twitter at the Damn Implicat. Uh, I did a, col- a column. I took part in one today that went up with uh, myself, Sir Sam, and the Kiss Boys uh, predicting Wrestle Kingdom fourteen because uh, that's in two days' time. Uh, it's happening. <laughs> Excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will also be live for LAP Radio uh, for AfterShock with both Wrestle Kingdom nights, so not New Year's Dash, but Wrestle Kingdom. 14 for both nights with two Americans who are absolutely crazy for doing that, <laughs> but they, they want, they said they want to do it. And that, for me, that's lunchtime doing a show. Then that's easy. <laughs> for them, it's like 7am after being up all night. So, uh, uh, for me, second day starts at 5am. So it's a tad early, but it's not the end of the world. Right. <laughs> Just don't go out Saturday. You'll be fine. <laughs> do this. Mm. So, uh, Yes, you can catch me there on Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, after we go off the call here, I am going to be editing and uploading the YouTube version of my own show, which I recorded earlier today, uh, talking about Wrestle Kingdom 14 with uh, Vance from Cheshire Radio, who is a mega Tetsuya Naito fan. So this is at a stressor's peak. So I thought I'd uh, talk to him, <laughs> get his emotions, <laughs> do this before the show. <laughs> Generally had fun with it. Uh, the Talking about the main event, it's one of those where... You go for like 40, 45 minutes and the time's absolutely blown by. It's like, oh crap, I'm meant to be keeping to a schedule for a show. <laughs> <I've just been laughs> <talking> for. <laughs> so there's a lot to talk about at Wrestle Kingdom. That's kind of my focus right now. Uh, so just catch me on Laws of Pain. I'm there most weeks talking about wrestling, post normally every Saturday about the American wrestling. But I'm currently in New Japan mode because it's, it's Wrestle Kingdom time, baby. <laughs> I'm right in <laughs> Thanks again, Amp. But anyway, up next... 2019 talk about AEW. Welcome back. Uh, we are now going to talk about AEW All Elite Wrestling. But first, in order for us to do that, we need to bring in our guest, the co-host of All Things Elite, 
Amy O and Floyd Johnson. What's going on? Hey, how are you guys doing? Great to be here. I am doing amazing. This has been a great year. <laughs> AEW forever. I AEW am with AEW. <laughs> Stay vigilant. You know how I work. You've been killing me all year with this. <laughs> yep. My dog Floyd was sending out tweets encouraging people to yes. turn NXT off to make sure, care, you know, yes. to, 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 you know, not artificially add to the number, you know. I was like, I don't care what you watch. Just watch something else. <laughs> I, was, oh, I, told, I told Rich I was watching the Lakers game. It's oh, like, man. I haven't watched basketball like all season. I've been keeping oh, up, man. but I hadn't watched the game. Nope. I'm not watching that. <laughs> what I want to know is, why do you want to tell people not to watch NXT when, because, on a week, no, wait, on a week where there ain't even no AEW? Yes. With, let me tell you. Let me tell you. <laughs> I, it's like, I love NXT. <laughs> I've, I've been there, what, eight takeovers or something like that? I love NXT. But the whole petty shit of them moving their show, like rushing it out to USA to get it out two weeks yeah. again, but that has made me bitter. It has made a very positive person bitter. So, so you I'm would, like, fuck their show. So, and, yes, <laughs> I agree. So, so you are in the, so you're in the rich lot of bitter bitch clubs. Yes. And the problem is, as I've pointed out, if their show gets canceled, they just move it back on the network. Literally no skin. It does not bother them. Right. They just move it back on the network. Right. AEW fails. They fail. They go out of business. Yeah. Yeah. So fuck NXT on Wednesday night. <laughs> so, but, but I guess my thing is like, Thursday, like- hey, Thursday at eight, I'll watch it on the network. I already pay nine ninety nine for that shit. No, I'm not watching it on cable. Floyd in a real form. Yes, it is. This is this is FOH Floyd. Yes, dude. This is hard line. This is great. No, no. It's just like no. And like, and they're like, the shots were fired from the WWE, and I love how they play love to play the victim on that bullshit. No, I'm good. Yeah, I'm watching AEW. Nobody nobody in this conversation, nobody that I talk to with a half a brain, uh, thinks that this is you know they're the victim of any of this. Nah, like they went to Wednesday, they're behind a paywall. There was nothing to do. I mean, they look, and if they really wanted to have the best rating they possibly could, they should have just put NXT on Tuesdays, right? Just where they already had an established night, right? Yep. Anyway, Amy, how do you feel about uh, about Rich in, in Floyd's position on just being anti anti NXT <laughs> at this point now? Well, I always take the diplomatic approach, <laughs> which is that you know <laughs> AEW is the one that I will watch, and I'm really happy for those who enjoy watching NXT, and that's great. And you know, I'm so sad that AEW got buried so hard in the rankings this week during Christmas. I mean, that clearly shows the fall of AEW. <laughs> R.I.P. to an amazing year. It's amazing. Shout out. Yeah, it started at what one point four zero viewers in what twelve thirteen zero viewers. I'm shocked. And like, I didn't even watch it this week and I love them. So if I couldn't even watch it, what does that even say for AEW? Yes. Um, (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, like, I I don't watch NXT as much anymore. And Mm -hmm. that's because I watch AEW. Um, I'm not even going to try and say that I watch NXT. Like I'm, I legitimately am happy for people who do and who are super thrilled with things like Finn Balor and Adam Cole and Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler. Like that's awesome. Um, I still watch takeovers, mm-hmm. but I'm good with, you know, the wrestling that I'm watching, which is AEW New Japan. Like, I'm good. 
Yeah, it, it I mean, for me, I just treat it as it gave me another day of wrestling. So, well, like I said, I watch NXT on Thursday. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and even, you know, maybe Rich doesn't really recognize this or whatever else, but like, but, oh, he recognizes one part. Like, NXT, like, after, um, after, like, after 25, like, midsummer, like, all of the chickens came home to roost with the, ma- the amount of talent they lost, like, with, um, you know, ricochets of the world yeah. on, on main roster. Johnny can't wrestle at, on anything but a takeover match. Uh, Ciampa's out on the shelf. And, and then, like, you get, uh, AEW gets announced for October 2nd. And then they just go right back to being excellent 2018 NXT, except it's two hours long, so you get almost twice as many quality matches. And it's like, this is Wednesday night where we talk about um, every single week when we cover One Asia Radio. Like, AEW is great every single week. NXT is great every single week, or almost every single week. And it's just like, I enjoy being able to tune in on Wednesday, and then whenever I get to which, whichever, or normally NXT on Thursday or Friday, I just enjoy just being able to watch. Like, look at this quality wrestling that I'm watching. That's not like insulting to my intelligence most of the time. That's like, yeah. I, I, I just love it. So, um, just to take on from that point, like, I understand, like, there's, there's obviously people have feelings and attachments are tied to all this stuff, and like, obviously, like, you have, you know, the evil empire, like, trying to stomp out the, I guess, the resistance or the counter-programming. Um, you know, I definitely understand your, your sentiments. But, like, anyway, let's just move on and talk about AEW starting up All Elite Wrestling. Do you think, what do you, what would you have wanted this, this uh, promotion to have been called had it not been All Elite Wrestling? What would you have, what were some of the names you would have thought of? Any chance? Um... I, I really wanted it to have something to do with the elite. Mm-hmm. So to me, it really is the perfect name because mm-hmm. that's, I wanted to have something to do <clears throat> with the elite because that's who it was starting, uh, starting up with. But yeah, like any of the other names I heard they were thinking about, I thought were horrible. Like what, for and, example? Uh, it was man, like, it, oh, I heard something. Total, it was like, uh, best, like totally wrestling. Like best wrestling, wrestling ever or yeah, something yeah, yeah. like, yeah. I, I forgot. Well, there was yeah, also like elite wrestling worldwide or something, and I was like, yeah. dude, that's just Nick WWE Jackson backwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like don't do WWE. It was like backwards. it was like WEW or something yeah. like that. <laughs> exactly, world elite wrestling. Or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah the, the whole thing was it was just like I think they, all I think the good AEW, I agree with Floyd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If those were the choices, yes, those are those are some real like uh, Fang McFrost type names on that list they were coming up with. Uh, Chili McFreeze. Yeah, yes, uh, yeah. So, you know, the announcements. What, what month was the announcement? Was it uh, was it March, February? No, for no, AEW. So, yes. So AEW got announced on Being Elite January first uh, last yep. year. Oh, okay. I'm thinking so, of the 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 not the press conference. Like when they went to Jacksonville outside the Jack Stadium. That, that was, was the, January eighth. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So then from there we get all the announcements. You get you know. Whoa. Um. At that point, Jericho comes out first, you get the Bucks We're waiting on Kenny, to, you know, Kenny is mulling it over, even though we pretty much know he's coming over. Um, I think we get Hangman, then at a later time, when we start promoting for the, um, uh, promoting for Double or Nothing, you get the, you get Sammy Guevara, you get uh, the Lucha Bros, um, there are a few other names, whatever else. You get Brandy, she's, she's gonna be the chief branding officer, and then it all starts coming together. 
Um, and then we get Double or Nothing. Um, their second, I mean, their first pay per view officially is AEW. This is the second go round for the Elite. And I gotta tell you, I feel, I mean, I feel like they're not got the part. That's one of the greatest pay per views in North American history. Um, North American wrestling history. And I mean, it's just, just, just amazing Absolutely. stuff. And that's where I met Amy. For, you yeah. Know, in that's physical where form. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was, the whole idea of doing it on Vegas uh, on Memorial Day weekend, having a wrestling convention with it, I mean, w- basically the same thing they did for All In right. uh, was absolutely genius. It drew people, like people flew, they took buses. I drove 16 hours. Uh, th- you know, everybody found a way to get to Vegas. Oh, plane tickets were stupid expensive, so I, I will let anybody know. It was like seven hundred, uh, seven hundred just for me, and it was like, okay, I'm rolling. And um, but but it was that was the genius part of it. It got like Vegas, you know, WWE had decided Vegas wasn't a wrestling city, and it's just like the whole Cow. idea. <laughs> yeah, the whole idea that um, the whole idea that you could bring in, you could commit to a city that people wanted to go to anyway. Okay, now you can meet wrestlers and and then you get this basically in the weekend with an amazing wrestling show. I mean, yeah, if you if if you can, you were going. Well, and also yeah. it seems like it was kind of betting against the odds because initially even with all in that started with the there's no way they're going to be able to sell out an indie show, right? And so they right. did it, broke right. barriers with that. And if I recall correctly, I don't know if Vince actually said this or if there were rumors about it. I don't remember. But I want to say Vince had said that if Cody would have called me, I would have told him not to book Memorial Day weekend because it's the worst time to book a show. Yeah. Yeah, That was about all in. Uh, It was the Labor Day weekend. was. Oh, okay. So it was the same one. Oh, okay. Regardless, I mean, you've got an expensive travel day in an expensive city, and everybody converged onto this show that ended up being one of the greatest pay-per-views. I mean, I, I, I'd i say of the decade, but I've only been back watching wrestling for like two and a half years, no, so I don't no, know how no, much that you're counts. more than safe. It's at, you're, you're actually understating it, ever, E-V-E-R. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's like the importance of it of taking off in this whole new company, having a killer show, having the Cody and Dustin moment, like... All of this happened to just explosively propel AEW, not only just as a company, but as a legit contender for a dominant force in wrestling in the United States. Yeah. And the, another thing with it is like the, all the road to double or nothings that they started putting out, which was like some of the best wrestling, like, you know, content, uh, just put out there every week. You know, you get 10 or, you know, 15 minute videos on Wednesdays shot in a deadly serious fashion, you know, telling all these stories leading up to it. And then, uh, the night before on TNT, they had the road to double or nothing, uh, TNT exclusive show, uh, where they would just, you know, tie all this stuff together. And, um, you know, there was, uh, I, I remember like, like Kenny was like lunging with the um with the big tree branches. Like I'll never forget that. Yeah, like Rocky um, Four. Yeah, and then the um you know Cody and Dustin doing their their promos ahead of time and uh, the blood and guts. Oh well, that's in the Fallout stuff. But uh, yeah, absolutely one of the greatest shows I've ever felt. I've I, I felt alive watching um you know Double or Nothing. It was just yeah. I, I I can't wait for Double or Nothing too. Me too. <laughs> Another thing that <laughs> uh, be made- Triple or Nothing. <laughs> Another thing that made them like the little company that could, I don't know if you remember this, it was such a small storyline, but StarCast, which was with 
AEW, even though they weren't with AEW, said uh, they were going to have The Undertaker and Kurt Angle. Right. They right, were yeah. like the mm. first two names announced. Yes. And yeah. the WWE pulled them like <laughs> a week later or two weeks later. Yes. And, and, and of course, you, and you know, the defiant, you know, the defiant wrestling fans like, oh, yeah, fuck you, WWE. We definitely still going now. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you got a lot of people that I knew had told me they weren't going. And then the Undertaker and Kurt Angle stuff, and he's like, "Okay, now I have to go <laughs> to support." And, and and let's not like understate like the fact that you know what they actually did business wise in that uh, yeah, Google yeah. search trends, like all this was like the buzz was insane. Yeah, um, and it, when y'all asked me to do the, when I was asked to do the show, I didn't think I would have something to talk about week to week. But they had news coming out every day, if not mm-hmm. every couple of days. Yes, they did. Um, and I, de- I definitely think that is a, a testament to their willingness to actually care about the wrestling media and not, you know, try to treat it like, you know, these are terrible people that are trying to do gotcha journalism or whatever you want to call it. Like, it, it just shows you like the, the differences of, uh, the culture around from, from place to place. It's like, in, I remember, earlier in the year talking to rich about um nxt and how you know we don't we never hear anything about or leaks about what the direction is for nxt or blah 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 blah. but at the same time that wednesday before every takeover triple h does that media call that has Meltzer on it or satin on it or or um or sean ross sap or whoever else from um from wherever else and right and triple h comes out there and he's you know he has to talk in code at times, but he's kind of open and he gives you a feel of like he's actually trying to promote his product and he's actually, you know, he's actually playing ball as opposed to the main roster, which is so just like, nah, top secret. Like it, they treat it as if like they're hiding, you know, as if they're hiding Bill Belichick's like, uh, game, secret game plan to try to contain Lamar Jackson or something. It's like, relax. It's a TV show. <laughs> but, um, but, and yet all the stuff on their end while being so secretive gets out more than NXT. What, go figure. But on the AEW side, nothing ever gets out and they're also open to the media as well. And I think that did them a lot of favor for a lot of people that have questions or whatever else because they're also willing to answer some questions. But, um, you know, just to leave off on the, on the take, the notes on the, on that show, double or nothing, um, that's Cody and that's Dustin, and they have you know, and we have the first, just, the first five star match in AEW history. Just throwing the that only out there. one, right? Yeah, uh, the second one. No, there's, there's two. Okay, yeah. the second one, right? The second one. So, or there's two of them. Sorry. So, um, you have that moment uh, where you know the blood and guts come come from, and then you have the main event um, of what you know the card you know was up in the air or got changed at the end you know it was supposed to be uh, I believe correctly it was supposed to be Hangman versus Pac that got changed because of the Dragon Gate politics um, so as a, as a way to kind of you know um, change that up they ended up going with the their semi-finalists for the eventual title match ended up being whoever won the Battle Royal um, the was well, Casino Battle Royal I forgot what it's called the, the Black Jack yeah. 21 Battle Royal that's it um, yeah, Hangman wins it in average fashion, I guess. Um, and then we get the main event match between Omega and Jericho, a rematch of the Russell Kingdom, uh, 12 match. Um, have a very, have a very, very good match. Jericho comes out on top and then we're off to the races and then we start getting to Fighter Fest. 
Yeah, and I that was, was actually first, I was actually there at Fighter Fest. And, uh, I was going to say about Jericho, that was the first match he really got over the Judas effect, right? Yes, yeah, that's the first. That that's the first, yeah. that's yeah. where he debuted. Hey, yeah, yeah, put it yeah. over in the lead up, Dave. I'm going to start hitting people <laughs> with with spinning yeah. with, with, with yeah. first elbow. It's it's the M- most M- important Jericho. It, it's the most important move in the AEW year because they have protected the shit out of that move. Yes, that is true. <laughs> that is absolutely true. Uh, so, you know, moving on from there, we then start talking about Fighter Fest, and that was when we get the addition of, um, John Moxley. John Moxley, uh. John Moxley came out to end of the door. Oh, nothing, that, yeah, yes. I yeah. forgot about it. That's the biggest, that's the biggest moment on the entire card. Uh, Moxley comes out in much shield fashion. People are like, what the hell is he doing here? He comes out. He, he lays out Jericho like a jabron after he becomes a finalist for the title. And then he brawls all the way to the back with Kenny Omega. And then they're on top of the poker chips. And then he ends up giving a kick to the gut, d- dirty deeds, or sorry, uh, was in the AW a paradigm shift? Yeah, paradigm I was about show. to call it the, the Death Rider because you know everybody's better in New Japan. But sorry, uh, so he gives the Death Rider and then he tosses his ass off the poker ships onto the floor. Kenny Kenny was presumed dead. We just went off air and then, <laughs> then we move on to Fighter Fest. Then we get him versus Janela in the main event. Wild, wild match. Uh, but what what are you, some of your thoughts, Amy, in particular about Fighter Fest from what you remember at the time? Okay, real quick. So two things about Mox at Double or Nothing. Okay. One, he came out f- like five rows in front of me. Oh, yeah. And I was like freaking the hell out because that's freaking John Moxley <laughs> and he's right there and like, holy crap. And like, oh my God, it's, it's, that show is just legendary. But the other thing to that was that him up on the chips is like, one of the most iconic wrestling images ever right up there with Becky Lynch with her broken face. And she's challenging the SmackDown crowd. Like that is an iconic image where you have John Moxley and what it represents leaving, you know, the WWE as Dean Ambrose and going to park carve his new own new path. And then showing up at AEW. Like that's just one of those electrifying things. That's amazing. Um, Also Cody broke the throne too. Oh yeah. Breaker, yeah, yeah, so good. Although I, I didn't go, like the shirt, but that was so good. <laughs> yes, with, with with just a ray enraged all of the like uh, apologists that tie their identity to uh. to Vince McMahon's wrestling carnival. It was hilarious. Yes, uh, yo, man, uh, I'm gonna bring that. I was gonna bring that up later. It's just that the break of the throne. It was like yes. that. That added a star to the match before it even rocked up. <laughs> I agree. Yep. Like, like, <laughs> yep. Yeah, like, like just, just, just classic Cody. Cody yeah. goes out there and does the most baby facing in front of that crowd he could possibly have ever done, aside from like crapping on the throne, right? Defecate, yeah. full on defecation. And then he, what does he do? He proceeds to work heel against his brother. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, Cody, like you always lose the plot of your well, what you doing, bro? Uh, anyway. Amy, you have one more thing you want to yeah, talk about. That's right. Oh, that that was it. That was it. It was just the iconic oh, okay. imagery, and then just you know, just saying that he was right there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, it. so your, so Amy, your thoughts on um, your thoughts on Moxley, Fest at the time? Yes. So, um, I was actually really nervous about this going into it because mm-hmm. as much as I was super on board with AEW because I loved the elite in New Japan, was really excited to follow them to this new company, this new endeavor. Um, I was kind of nervous because I didn't know a lot of the rest of the roster. And the only thing that I knew about Joey Janela was that he was a deathmatch guy. <laughs> and the only thing that I knew about John Moxley, not Dean Ambrose, was mm-hmm. that he too was a deathmatch guy. 
<laughs> I am not a fan of blood in wrestling. Okay. <laughs> so like mm. that image at Double or Nothing where I'm freaking out is legitimate because Dustin Rhodes' face is covered in blood and there's the whole emotional thing. But like I don't really like blood, don't really like glass, don't really like razor blades. Oh. So I wasn't sure of what to expect coming into right. that match. What I found, however, was that it was pleasantly surprising to be a thrilling, rough, rugged, awesome wrestling match. There were some hardcore elements to it, but it wasn't something that I felt uncomfortable watching or like liable for watching. Mm. And that let me know that it was going to be, you know, sure they were going to have deathmatch people. Sure, they might have hardcore elements to it, but they weren't going to make it something that I felt uncomfortable as a fan watching, that it was going to be awesome. I loved that match. Okay. Um... Floyd, is there anything uh, uh, else you want to add as far as also like the, it, it know, started, it, the rest of the card? It started off the unsanctioned match thing, which I hate. <laughs> which is, I just hate it. If it's on your show, it counts. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the the six-man tag match, amazing. Uh, was, was yes. that, that was Rich Lathers yeah. Pro Wrestling, right? Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I was there in the building, and it was like, that match was a religious experience. It was like... Yeah. You just see them diving everywhere. They, uh, they come out there, you know, with the Bucks, with dressed like Ryu and Ken, and then yes. Kenny's well, Akuma. Yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on. And... Just officially announced the mat, the, the, the six first tag. You're talking about uh, Nick Jackson, versus... Matt Jackson, and Kenny Omega versus the Lucha Bros. And I'm sorry, no. Yeah, Lucha Bros. and Laredo Kid. Lucha Bros. and Laredo Kid. I've, okay, I've, okay. Right, that's what so much happened in this match, I couldn't keep up. I had to watch it a second time just to realize <laughs> all the spots. I'm just like, it went. It was seriously fast break, you know, break net speed. I'm like, and then it was like, it was over. And I was like, <laughs> And it, and then someone told me it was a twenty minute match. I was like, no, that was like twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a way, it kind of reminded me of the main event of All In, to where just like they did so much stuff that you almost you almost forget that like, oh, that was you know, you know, it just went rare. It just went like so so much stuff got done, but it you know, time just passes right by so fast you lose lose track of it. Yeah, it was the fastest twenty minute match I've ever seen. <laughs> also, um, on Fighter Fest was the debut of Darby Allen, somebody that would, yes. you know, for, for you know, he would come to define a big piece of AEW. And uh, there was a small vocal pocket of fans that were chanting for Darby Allen because Darby Allen was was not really known. I like to take credit, me, Josh, Jeremy, and a couple people around us, all yelling for Darby Allen to g- try to get this man over. And <laughs> then he has that great match with Cody. And then you know, it, you know, trying to trying to yell, you know, for Cody's opponent. And you know, you're you're outnumbered, but we we were strong and we were small and passionate. And Darby Allen showed you know uh, who who exactly he was and. Uh, He's just only gotten more over since. Absolutely. That was my first full Darby Allen match. I came out super impressed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he definitely, he, he has somehow been one of the smallest humans I've ever met, uh, developed a badass aura. Like the mm-hmm. aura about him is a badass. Whoever he's in there with, I think he has a shot, even though that's not necessarily my normal thinking when it comes to wrestling. For yeah. sure. Absolutely. I was going to say real quick with Fighter Mm -hmm. Fest, though, like, I want to talk about this real quick because their Fighter Fest seems to be their most controversial show because you had 
really great wrestling matches, mm-hmm. but it was countered with this silly Firefest parody, the gaming oh, yeah. convention, um, Jabali and Nakazawa. And I want to talk about that real quick because I know I'm going to be in the minority on this one and that's okay. fine. But I loved Jabali and Nakazawa. I loved <laughs> it so much because <laughs> it was the play on the hardcore match. It made, it made it fun, right. but also it tied back to, to, they had a story that tied back to their CEO thing before. And it didn't matter that wrestling fans didn't know that. What mattered was that the CEO people, the gaming people that the convention was for knew that. And they yeah. were really happy. I'm it, with it, you, it Amy. job. Well, of you're... bringing those people into the AEW wrestling fandom. They went mm-hmm. there as gaming fans and came out excited as wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that they do something like that again because I thought it was fun. It doesn't always have to be super serious, hardcore. Like, sometimes you need to have some fun breaks with it, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, we got these, like, kind of, like, Clash of the Champion-type matches or shows with Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fallen. And, like... I kind of hope they bring those back because, you know, that's, you know, going for three, four months between pay-per-views, like, that's kind of, you know, like, obviously you want to build towards stuff on pay-per-view, but, like, there's only so much building you can up towards a, a TV show you can you can really um get behind as opposed to, like, let's go off to another location and try to do something on a Saturday. Um, but, but, yeah, but yeah just, most of the bitching from the show came because of the pre-show. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, the yeah. regular I mean, show. Yeah, I mean, it was some pre-show. Of, yeah. Uh, you know, like, Leva Bates, I had seen her wrestle before. Mm-hmm. I had never seen her look as bad as she did that night. That's the only match out of the nine they had that night that I was like, I don't know <laughs> how people, how people, I was like, I'm like, cause you know, a lot of people, this was their first, cause this was the free show. Right. So this was their first dipping their toe in the AEW. And then it's like the first women's singles match that you see. It's Allie versus Leva Bates, and Leva Bates doesn't look like she's a professional wrestler, like, at all. She looks like they just picked somebody out the crowd and put them in a library gimmick and said, go out there and do your best. And, I mean, there was, like like I said, in the nine matches, it was the only one I was like, I'm hoping people took the Rio, Yuka Sakazaki, and Nyla Rose, as in that's going to be AEW's women's division instead of that first match. I remember you and I sitting there trying to figure out how to like say spin that it. in the yeah. nicest way possible. Yeah. Didn't even know how to spin it. And I was like, I don't it, it ain't no spin. It ain't good. And it looked yeah, like it wasn't next, good. When we get to when we get to Fight for the Fallen, we're always talking about another woman singles match that wasn't good at all either. Yeah. Uh but but yeah, so um at, you talked about the Yuka Sakazaki and Riho in the uh Nyla Rose match. Um that's I, that's a match I feel like is very underrated in the AEW, uh, I guess, lore of, of recommended matches, if, if you will, like, or a match you would say, hey, point somebody out to, you know, kind of get a feel of what this year, this inaugural year for this company has been. Um, you know, it is classic story of, well, it's a classic story, except like, it's an interesting dynamic because it's, it's, it's Goliath, but it's versus two Davids, right? Um, and there, I, I love the story of, you know, they have no shot together or by themselves but they kind of have to do work together to try to you know keep the keep the monster off off of his feet and i i thought it was a i thought it was a great match and i like the the end of it or a very good match i was a great all the way but um i, th- I really enjoyed the fact that, that riho won riho was somebody that 
while even going back to double or nothing in a match that we probably we should have talked about at least for a split second in that six woman tag match she was somebody that was bumping her ass off like mm-hmm. i mean i think the person that, that that mostly stuck out from a charisma standpoint was yuka sagazaki who i would love to see come back um into doing more AEW stuff and they do have that plot line after what happened um after the triple threat match but Riho, you know, taking that package power driver from from Aja Kong, which is like, yo, how is this woman still walking? Let alone, <laughs> let alone still wrestling at a high level. Um, but back to back to the, the match, you get Riho winning, um, and then at the end, Nyla blows her stack and she starts beating her up, and then um, Yuka makes a, and I'm sorry, Yuka makes a save. Uh, or no, Yuka gets beat up, Rio makes a save, Rio goes to help her up, but Yuka pushes her away. Why? Because, like, just because we're all cute baby-faced Joshis does not mean that we are a monolith, and we are going to get, become a tag team or anything like that. <laughs> like, so, they let that plot thread, or I'm sorry, Riho's the one that pushed uh, off Yuka, and Yuka was sucking the ring, making them saddest face I've ever seen professional wrestling. Like, <laughs> oh, she, yeah, I remember she, that. like an anime doll that was about to cry. Like, it was just, <laughs> it was uh, so sad. Yes, yeah, so, so sad. So, so Rio gets the win, beat up, uh, and then you can make a save, and then Rio says, "Nope, nope, don't even appreciate you trying to save my life." Nope. So I, I thought that's that another match we should have brought up. Um, but Nyla looked great else? in that too, though, because yes. Nyla came out. The first thing I noticed was her gear, and I've since become friends with her wife, and was I've talked to her a few times about the mm-hmm. gear at that show, and I'm just like, that was amazing. And I think it was like the second time she had made gear. For Nyla, it just looked so great. But also that match, you mentioned, you know, the Goliath versus the two Davids. Not only do the two Davids have a job to try to keep the monster off her feet, but the monster has a job to stay on her feet and look believable against two Davids, you know? And I think she did a fantastic job of that. That really put her over as a dominant force for the women's division. And really put her in that place of somebody who would be a formidable opponent for anybody chasing after the women's title. Yeah, and I think I think it's kind of weird because we get to a point that once we start getting on TV, like they kind of almost made a joke of the fact that they had a monster that could work, and by like just you know having the monster get slayed over and over and over to where it's starting to like mean less. But I mean, there's always time for her to finally have the she snaps and says, "I'm I'm done I'm done playing around with you." Pip squeaks. So she still has that up. She still has that up her sleeve. But um, Nyla Nyla was starting at this point. We're starting to like this is like the beginning of when she goes on a, a stretch of like, oh, she lost again. So so yeah. Also, yeah. um, Private Party debuted on this show on That's the right. pre-show and, and immediately got over. Yeah. Um, no, no, and this would, you know, begin the streak of Private Party immediately getting over, uh, <laughs> whenever they wrestled and being awesome. <laughs> yeah. Which would continue. You want to talk about intelligent? You put them in there with four veterans, right. four people with all with 10 yet plus years experience, you know, and they, they made them look good. They, I mean, Private party's good, don't get me wrong, but the other four did everything they could to put the spotlight on them. And that's something you will notice will be a theme of AEW going forward, is more established acts doing everything they can to get less established acts over. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Fighter Fitz. Was that also where where Sean Spears splits open Cody? Yes. 
Ah, yes. So he ends up. <laughs> he ends One up of the big the- controversies that yes. people melted down, and I'm like, wow, we've that never seen the- a, a chair <laughs> shot before. Apparently, I well, yeah. well, he hits him with a he hits him with an unprotected chair shot with a fake chair that happens to still split the back of his head open. He ends up he ends up <laughs> he ends up making Cody's hairline roll back like rubbers, like uh, it just you know. Which set him up as a as a really big bad, and you think like, oh, okay, so this is this is leaning towards like Sean Spears getting something, and I guess from here on, like that's kind of like the through line that takes you over to Fight for the Fallen. Um, fight, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Fight for the Fallen. We, he ends up debuting in his first match in the triple threat, or sorry, the six man six person tag. Yeah. Yes, and it's um, Guevara, Spears, and uh, MJF. MJF. That's right, because yeah, Cody's friend had to, uh, was tagging with him. Uh, and on the other side, you have Darby Allen, you have uh, Jimmy Havoc, and Janela. Joey Janela, yeah. Yes. The faces fresh. of fear. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you have Janela fresh, fresh after getting, <laughs> getting in the fight with the literal scum of the earth <laughs> of Enzo Amore at a Blink-182 contest, which is like... That that just sounds like white trash bingo, but okay. Um, <laughs> that that's I I don't know. It's just just what what is going on? Um, but yeah, I he ends up looking very impressive in that triple threat match. It was actually a really good match. Um, and I think a match kind of getting, getting lost in the shuffle because Dynamite is going full steam ahead with like that's like the standard for multiple multiple person tag matches. Um, yeah, yeah, that was like the first one, and they highlighted him very well. First time Sammy G came out here and uh, looked like a human highlight reel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I this, will... this is the match where I called, started calling him that. Yes, uh, I am a person that hates hates six man tag matches. Mm-hmm. AEW has flipped that on its head for me. Really? Uh, you know, I can't say I love them, but it's I... <laughs> sneeze. Sorry. Uh, at least I'll watch it. You know, at least I'll watch it and pay attention. And they have this ability to get everyone over as opposed to other companies I watch in six-man tags matches. <laughs> it just feels like no one gets over. Yeah, because you got to get the heat on somebody and waste time and, a, and slap a chin lock on somebody in the middle of a multiple-person tag yeah. match. Like, they make the baby faces like dummies because they don't come in and break up the, the submission hold. Yeah. Anyway... Let's move on to other parts of this of this card. Uh, you have the triple threat tag match between the Dark Order, uh, Jurassic Express, and on Helico and Evans, and they all. It was another spectacular match of just spots galore and and you know highlighting people as well. Yeah, that was a great match. So when uh, when the Dark Order debuted at Double or Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was so confused because who I didn't you? know who they what were. Are you doing? Yeah. And it, it was such a, like, it was an uncomfortable feeling as a fan to be at a show <laughs> chanting, who are you? That's like, cringe. oh, that's so bad. But that, <laughs> that match where, you know, you've got Luchasaurus and you've got Jungle Boy. I don't remember. I don't think Marco Stunt was there yet, but, he, um, he the manager in this. Yeah. Okay. So you've got got them out there and they're super over and I'm super excited about Angelico and Jack Evans just because they look so cool and their moves are so cool. Mm -hmm. And Dark Order, I'm just like indifferent about, which is like the worst thing for me to feel. But by the end of that match, they succeeded in getting over as heels because they went after Jurassic Express and they did it in a really cool way. I don't even remember what the moves were, Mm -hmm. but they were just so good 
and so bad in character that suddenly <laughs> I was like, okay, you guys have a thing now. I'm no longer indifferent. And that was like a cool thing. And I, I, that feels like it's coming across poorly, <laughs> but, but it was nice to be able to finally feel something like antagonizing towards them mm-hmm. as a heel team. And I loved that match because of it. And it was just a great match. Right, right, right. Um, any guys, anything you want to add to that match? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. This established a storytelling, uh, a way they're going to tell stories is sometimes they're going to just put somebody out there and you're not going to know who the hell they were. And then they're going to put the responsibility or the onus on them to get over, you know? Yeah. And, and it yep. was like, okay, dark order, here you are. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, you know, introduce you in a cool way. But when it, now it's time to get over. Here's a match. And I think they did a really good job. People learned that they could perform, but I still don't think they cared about the gimmick after that match. Right, right. Yep. Yeah. Um, and yep. just in case you thought we were going to skip over, no, we're going back because I'm looking at the card on Cage Match right now. We're going to skip to what we were talking about earlier as far as a bad, another bad singles women's match. Brandy Rose with Awesome Kong uh, at ringside versus Alley Cat or Alley. This yep. thing stunk. Even the build up to it was confusing because remember, uh, Brandy cut that baby face. Promo. Yeah, that baby face, uh, promo. I have to prove this to myself. Right. And then she went like evil immediately right. the immediately. next week. Yes. And Doing- it was like very confusing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Comes out the video package at the beginning. You're supposed to feel, you know, feel for her. And then she immediately goes out there and does cheating with all, with the help of Awesome Kong. And I'm just like, boy, you are, or, or girl, you are just like your husband as far as looking for stories in your matches. So, uh, yeah, another, and just because we, we skipped it, but we're going, coming right back. We're also going to talk about, uh, the semi finalists that needed a rub going into, uh, all out for the, that's going to be in the main event going 19 minutes to defeat Kip Sabian. Whoo! Adam Page versus Kip Sabian. I, that was one of those like, what are they? Uh, what? Like this show is so good. Why would you, why would this be a lone mistake to be, to be made on this card? <clears throat> So, I'm favorite I, part I don't, about I, that I match. Think, oh. Okay, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. Go. <laughs> Sorry, I, I Amy. Gonna say, I was going to say, like, hold yeah, on, you're the guest. Hold on, Rich. One second. In future reference, Amy, you're you always go first. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I didn't mean to talk over you. Okay, I'll say this really quickly then, because it's just very quick. My favorite part about that match was when Kip Sabian kissed that really angry wrestling fan in the front row. <laughs> that was I my favorite that. part of that whole match. <laughs> <laughs> we know him. Well, I mean, we don't know him, but like we see him at shows we go to all the yeah, time like, in Florida. That NXT yeah, guy. He was so Oh yeah, he was yeah. such a jerk. <laughs> he was so aggressive. Oh, that was great. My favorite yeah. part. Wow. Uh so the the Heyman Kip Sabian thing, like, if they have a better nineteen minute match, I think all is forgiven pretty much but it just wasn't that good and you know what we've talked about on one nation radio if you do a 20 minute match that's like a three-star match that's a long fucking match and, and they don't have no business going that long but if it was yeah. like a four and a half star match i don't think people would have had half the problem with it and it would have helped uh hangman a lot yeah it just didn't happen right Sa- sabian wasn't over enough to have that long of a match well, eh, no, no one these guys aren't over, but they were still going no, to kill it. No, I'm just saying, as far as the guy that you're building your pay per view next pay per view off of, 
uh, he wasn't Sabian wasn't over right. enough to have that long of a match with Hangman. Right. Hangman right. needed to win definitively in that particular case, and it was just like even even like hindsight being twenty twenty. Look over the next few months, they really went away from Kip Sabian until right. they reintroduced him because no one cared about him. It was like you know I loved his finisher name and I kind of dug his gimmick, but it was kind of like. When you listen to the crowd, I even said, watch that match. I always tell people to watch that match on mute. It was actually a pretty decent match. The crowd was just not into it. They just wanted Hangman to come out, buckshot Larry at him, drop him on the head, and walk out the ring as the badass he's supposed to be. And he came off as very much not a badass in that match. Yeah, because he had to go 19 <laughs> minutes. He had to go 19 minutes with a 20-minute time limit against a prelimer. Yeah, so someone no one knew, right. you know. That was uh, the big part. Yeah, and uh, I believe post match there's also a Jericho attack, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think it was later in the night, if I'm not mistaken. Ah, okay. So Jericho comes out and does a promo later on, but this show also was marked by there was a lot of um like heat. They, held, they were tired. Yep, the the crowd was, was tired because it's an outdoor stadium, and they're in, and they're in the yeah. middle of the summer, and they're in and they're in Jacksonville, Jacksonville, so it was like 80 degrees even when it was pitch black. Correct. So, like, and that's 80, where that eighty over eighty five when it was pitch black. The heat index started picking up during this Hangman match. Like, so, like, everything <laughs> after this felt like it kind of like, like, well, everything except the Kenny match, like, kind of suffered. Yeah, like as you can see progressively, like if you go back and rewatch the uh, the, the match we're about to get to, but the Lucha Bros versus because uh, so Scorpio, you can see you can see <laughs> Pentagon like just. While he's out of match, while he's out the match, he's just grabbing water and he's just he's just you know burning up, right? So especially he's in that he's in that bodysuit. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but you know, I don't really think we got as much time to spend on uh, Lucha Bros versus uh, SEU, other than it was a very good match and like it was funny. Like that's the beginning of Pentagon versus Dangles. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, we get to it. Uh, the, I mean, for, in my opinion, in that match, the match I was most interested, most intrigued by on the card at the time, with Kenny Omega versus Sima, or I'm sorry, I might say Sima, Shima. Uh, it, yeah. And it delivered. It was like, okay, so you know, we kind of had the 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 match that wasn't as good as the match we've seen before between Jericho and and Kenny. Um, you know, King's been off for a long time. He only had that one match. Let's see this match against this, this guy, this legend that hasn't been really seen around the world, but is an innovator. And they went out there and they, they put on a great match. It was just, yeah, just so it fun. Was it was just so fun. This is like the closest thing, in my opinion, the closest thing to a new Japan match we've got out of Kenny this entire year. Um, I mean, I mean, thoughts. Yeah, I, I loved it. I, I gave this four and three quarters at a time and it was like, all the chops, like all the knees, and not from Kenny. It was like right. <laughs> from from Shima uh, with the knees using the V trigger against Kenny. Uh, or, death. Yes, uh, super physical, super fast, right up my alley. Loved it. Yeah, I was uh, definitely a Shima guy. After this, I just was like, Kenny, Kenny, you kind of knew what to expect. I didn't from Shima. I was not very familiar with him, and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I see the legend. You see all the moves kind of the moves and his movements mm-hmm. that people had stole over the years. It <laughs> yeah. was like, it was like watching 
It was like watching Animal House in like 2000. You saw, oh wow, every movie has stolen from this or movie like, over the last. Or like watching years. the action. Oh, sorry. <laughs> or like watching the action movie like from I don't know, like the last 20, 25 years. You're like, oh, and you've never seen Die Hard before. You're like, oh, yeah. okay, that's where that's from. That's where all these. That's where all these like trope type things are from. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I think for me, it was just really cool to see like when you talked about the shima thing another example of that is like this year with shima getting the aw shine um between even up, up to this point between that 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 strong hearts match with seu the match beast daniels and then this and then you also see like in the super j cup with amazing red with his run mm-hmm. after retiring coming back it's like it's cool to see like these innovators and guys that like you know because of either distance and the, and the lack of internet or because the dude was super small, like they're getting their due as being innovators and legends that they always were. And, and it's really cool to see like the, the guys that were inspired by them, like going Reach crazy to try to get them over. It's like when Ray was on the Indies and you saw like Ricochet or, or Osprey or all the other flyers, like try to go crazy to try to, you know, have a great match with Ray because of the respect they had. I, and this was, I feel like this was part of it. Yeah, definitely. And and uh, with uh, Shima being in Dragon Gate for that long, Kenny didn't wrestle in Dragon Gate, Dragon Gate in Japan, so they were always over on the same island, but never you know really got to interact. So that, that was like important New Japan versus Dragon Gate here. So um, it, it was incredible. So yeah. So the main event, the the I need my older brother feud between <laughs> the Young Bucks and <laughs> Cody and Dustin. Um, very, I thought it was a, I thought it was a, I thought it was a very good match that went too long. I um, thought it was, I thought it was a very average match that went too long. Agreed. I, the, the Kenny Shima match was so good. Right. Cause it was so good to see Kenny be Kenny again. Mm-hmm. Um, and for newer fans, I think it helped get Kenny and Shima both over. So like you just had that energy from this mm-hmm. and the ending match felt a little confusing. Yes. Like be- because be- they were, you know, they're a new company. This is like <laughs> their third show. Um, there were just a few hiccups throughout yes. the show. And by the time this one happened, you got the feeling that like it could have been a great match if they had the story to build it up. Right. But because they were trying to build it up in bits and pieces between pay-per-views, it wasn't quite landing. So you just had like a match between them, which was fun, but confusing. And then the yeah. end was yeah. confusing. And then the Jericho thing was confusing. And then them going off the air, but not was confusing. Like it just was confusing. Yeah. But it was yeah, fun. Yeah. yeah. I think I, if they do this match on TV, it would be way better because it would yes. force them to like not try as much shit. And also like this was that weird thing the young bucks do. Like I call this passive young bucks. How, you know, there's a such thing as like passive LeBron that just infuriates me. Um, the bucks get this thing where they're like, yo, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna do what's like not our natural thing just to show we can do it. And then it's like, okay, I get it. But like, Nah, like, like, okay. like, I want, the, I want the young bucks. Like, I didn't feel like this was the young bucks match at all. Yeah, yeah this match should have went about fifteen minutes. Either, if either go straight Southern tag team wrestling style, which is the roads, or go high speed tag team style, which is the bucks. It, trying to kind of put, trying to fuse them, uh, did not work. Yeah. It's, they're just too extremely different to fuse. Yeah, and I think, I think the thing that also hurt it was the fact that like. 
they, they were the the young bucks were clearly being the antagonist in the uh, in the build up of the whole thing, right? And then, like throughout the match, because it went so long, it's like they seemingly took turns on deciding when they when which team was going to work heel for sections of the match, which is like. Why? Like, why? you know, and, and it, this did turn into the part where, uh, where Rich was talking about as far as they were not doing what they, where it was a possibly a, a styles clash with them. Um, and they just couldn't mesh in a way and trying to figure out, all right, we need, it's, we, we're very, we're great at doing this. We're great at doing this. How can we find a common ground? And I felt like it's almost like, no, nah, we're just going to come out here and we'll figure it out, like, and call it in the ring. And I think, uh, it, it, it felt disjointed. Yes. Oh, that's the perfect yep. word. Perfect word. It felt disjointed. This is also it, the beginning of WWE counter programming uh, AW with that putting that uh, Evolve show on there. So that oh, yeah. unleashed a, a yes. round of interesting. Seriously, uh, I didn't watch the Evolve show until a month later. I, I was so pissed. Yeah, I never. <laughs> I, I don't even I never watch watched it. So. Yeah. I don't, I've never watched Evolve. So it didn't, <laughs> it, it, yeah, I've never it seen like, it. It was like a month later, and it was like to me the most boring show ever. I was like. <laughs> Okay. So you're so nice. You could be mad at them and then still watch it. Whereas I'm like, I, I never even saw it. Screw you! I'm gonna watch you next month. You're on timeout. So what? So what happened is someone someone came to me and like swore to me that I needed to watch that show, and I was like, you know what? No more recommendations from you after that. And I was like, it was it was just boring. You were at all. Yes, I was like, because I was never going to watch the show. It was out of my mind. But somebody's like, you haven't watched that Evolve show yet? You really need to watch it. I was like, you need to have your, your unbiased <laughs> nature watch this Evolve show. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'll watch the show. And I was like, yep, your card's revoked. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, then from there, oh, wow. we, we, Kenny comes out and he talks about, uh, he actually, you know, passive aggressively, you know, subliminally talks about the fact that, you know, they were, they were being counter programmed. Yeah. Um, he does his goofball thing where, you know, which just leads to more of the, like, he, he wants to be, he wants to be DDT Kenny so badly. I um, loved that though, because dude, it was a charity for victims of gun violence. No, 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 I, no, 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 no. <laughs> I agree on that. Just say I would normally, all I'm saying is like, just say I would normally have a catchphrase, but it's not appropriate for what the reason we're out here for. But I just want to wish you all good night and I have a good night. Bye. No, good night and boing, you goofball. I'm sorry. You <laughs> know, adorable. And it, was, and it was very, very on the. You know, he didn't realize that it, he shouldn't say it until he got out there. Exactly. And then he was like, like yeah, he was like, it, and then it's like, oh, oh my god. Oh yeah, we shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, "Okay, I have to, I have to pivot at some point." And it's like, "Yeah, it was, it was a horrible right. pivot." And, and like, but... I want to say, like, Matt Jazz was whispering to him, like, "Don't say bang!" Like, it, like yes, it was. Yes. If you watch, no, closely, I, I right. love it. It was so bad, it was good. And I wish that I had a shirt that said "Goodbye, Good Night, Boing." And if I had one, I would wear it to meet you just to watch your face go. Like, dude, seriously, what the hell? Oh, you wearing a shirt that says boing is not going to upset me. I'm just going to think that you're a mark just like everybody else. Yeah. Like, oh, well, you, whatever, sucker. You just want to spend your right? money on that? That's, that you spend your money on whatever you want to. I, but, but I'm, but I'm just, I, I'm like, I'm not going to hold it against you, but you will be judged. Uh, so, uh, so, so moving on from, from that night, uh, that hot, hot night, Rich, right? 
very hot. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't go. Like I was. Oh yeah, that's right. You didn't go. I, yeah, I everybody didn't go. else went. Yeah, yeah. they're sweating yeah. the storm. Yeah, they got they got to rethink outside shows in Florida in the middle. Of the, you know, in the summer. Also, if you guys come to Phoenix AEW, do not come here in the summer because it's like 120. Yeah, so don't yeah. do that. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's like I already knew what it was. Saying like you're going to do outside, like dude, like you know how many times like. Bro, that's why I said I'm not going to WrestleMania. Like, yeah. bro, hell yeah. no. Like, well, it'll intense. be cooler. It'll be cooler. Oh. And also, like, you know, we had 33 here just a couple years ago, and 33 in you know, Central Florida, so Central Florida. But like, you know, <laughs> you rained it out there, getting, being was, zapped out there by the sun. No, thank you. Yes, Somebody yeah. gonna die out there. Uh, WrestleMania. Um, if, if they keep playing with these Florida WrestleManias. Um, but yeah. The move on from there, we're going to go to talk about All Out, you know, their their second pay-per-view underneath the AEW banner. And I thought this was, like, right back to, right back to snuff of being, like, okay, people kind of were, like, oh, these matches, they were very good or whatever else, but these weren't, like, classics, that sort of thing. And kind of, like, you know, with with these kind of um, Clash of Champion type you know, minor pay-per-view shows, whatever you want to call them, the, 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 uh, the Bleacher Report shows. But then they come out and they give you a second pay per view and just like, nope, that's this is what they do on their quarterly pay per view. They come out here and they kill it. Uh, yeah, yes. Uh, you, you had a friend in the first row for the show. Oh, that's right, that's right. First row. I was on TV all night. Yes, you were handsome. <laughs> I was, I was there, but not first row, and I'm jealous. <laughs> oh God, yeah, yeah. Oh man, Tiffany hooked it up. I, I honestly could say there ain't too many presents. There ain't too many gifts that you can get better than that. I had never, I had literally never been first row for a major show, like ever. So yeah. this was crazy. Was that the one you were wearing the Cody shirt or was, or yeah, you were definitely. Okay. definitely. Okay. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, all of them is the all one. All of them one. is the all one. Right? That's why I was going to ask you because I remember <laughs> in particular where you had a Cody shirt was like, but is that, but is that just that one show or is that like every show and I'm just forgetting? Yeah. Every show I wear the most recent Cody shirt. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'm I mean, a mark. I'm a Mark. <laughs> Call me Marky Mark. Uh, Cody, I mean, we might as well just set up direct deposit to Cody's account. Oh, it'll work. <laughs> okay. It just cut out the middleman. Okay. So the main thing, uh, the, the first thing off the gate, like there is a very good match, uh, six person tag match between, uh, Jurassic Express and SEU. Um, but the, the, the first stop that we must talk about is Pac versus Kenny Omega. Um, a match that was supposed to originally be the, you know, it was originally supposed to be Kenny versus Moxley in a match that is funny because it would it was clearly like the mo- it was, it, to me anyway felt like the most anticipated match in the world in 2019, and then it got this it got uh, put off, and then we throw in Pac, um, which hey, kind of avoided so which. It was so big that Kenny Omega actually cut a promo for it, and it was fucking <laughs> great. Yeah, uh, but but my point was that like it's funny because they avoided the cause ta- the, the 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 funny side eye type of uh, deal of oh, so we're putting in the we're having the inaugural championship match, but. <laughs> It's not going to make an event because it's clearly not the not the most anticipated match on the card. That would have been funny, but they they luckily avoided that, and they still end up with the same issue of having Lucha Bros and uh and uh Young Buzz just completely like leave take all the air out of the building. But uh, thoughts on uh Pac versus Omega? Uh, jaw dropped. Jaw dropped when the finish happened. Mm. Like, no, I'm watching the match, and I'm like, you know, you know, as 
as the hardcore wrestling audience, you decide what's going to happen. And there was no doubt in my mind Kenny Omega was winning this match. Mm. I was a little annoyed that they brought Pac in for his first match just to lose to Kenny Omega. Mm. And I was like, oh. And then they started happening. And then every time Kenny Omega went for his signature, Pac was one step ahead. And I was like, they're not, you know, your head, you start having that thought. They're not telling the story like Kenny Omega's about to win this match. But right. then he gets in a move, and I'm like, oh, okay, he's going to get to the ropes and kicks out. And then a the ref stops it. Boom, immediately face drop. Like, what yeah. the fuck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I see, Omega, I, I see Omega losing to Jericho. That makes sense. But this is their basically their top guy. You know, it's Jericho and Omega. Jericho, Omega, Moxley are their top guys, and they have him lose the pock. And I was like... Shit. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. This was the first time that AEW showed that the formula of storylines and matches and bookings that we're so accustomed to, even, you know, with WWE or New Japan or especially WWE. Ever, that's completely out the window. Oh, Amy, so like Amy, you're gonna have to yeah. restart what you were saying because you, you get blacked out for a second. Oh, sorry about that. Um so I was just saying that that was the first time that it AEW showed that what our expectations were, the formula of booking, of storyline, whatever, what we were accustomed to with WWE and New Japan, et cetera, is out the window. Mm-hmm. That like anything could happen. Because I remember sitting there totally expecting Kenny Omega was going to win, especially because he had just been supposed to be fighting Mox. And now he's got Pac instead. And then you've suddenly got Kenny Omega losing. And like we are completely shocked by this result and it was the first time i felt legitimately shocked in wrestling in a while it was cool yeah i w- i looked at uh the match when um they were wrestling and they were like they had a couple of miscommunications in the match and you know they were doing a lot of dives to the outside of the ring and uh you know all that stuff and then they got to that uh, closing sequence and i was just like huh what are they doing here but um you know, if you want to put someone over very strong, this is how you do it. So, um, it didn't really like, uh, I don't think it did anything to hurt Kenny. And, you know, it launched Pac like, hey, Pac's serious. Like, he's been serious all around the world for all this time and bringing him in just to, you know, beat him. I don't know if that would have been smart either. Yeah. Same here. I, uh, I honestly thought that I was like, Kenny should lose to Moxley. Um, going in, and then when it changed, I was like, "Why should Pac? Why should Pac in his first match lose?" Um, I like, I thought he was gonna lose, but I was like, "Why should he?" And then he ended up winning, and I was like, "Hmm, that okay? I'm, I'm with it. I'm absolutely with it." And then Kenny can come back and get his win eventually in the rematch and whatever else. So I, I thought it was, I thought you know, um, it, it was just, it was just fun to see Pac back wrestling in America on a major and be his normal awesome self and then uh see him with Kenny and like I still believe like there's lots of room for improvement uh in when they wrestle again. In fact, I think I personally like their match on Dynamite better than this match. Um yeah. but yeah, uh you know, got a I mean, Cracker Barrel clash just 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 oh, all man. the shenanigans. So uh, good. One of my favorite yeah. matches one of my favorite AEW matches of the year is actually going to be on here even though it's it's a, it's you know it's all the ridiculous uh multi-person hardcore stuff but yeah it was a great match. Yeah, and I ask why did this match count and the unsanctioned match didn't count? 
Oh, because the one word says because of the one word unsanctioned. Yeah, I was just yeah. saying. Like ones, like, like, ones, like the, both of these matches were right. hardcore, just right. as hardcore. Right. He pulls out a skateboard with like text at the oh bottom. Oh my god, that was it. so cool! <laughs> that text at the bottom of it, but somehow, <laughs> yep, this one counts. This like maybe, fine. maybe the thing is like lights out matches in AW could actually be sanctioned, but only if they get a sponsor. Yeah. yeah. So oh. if like, that's, that's the same thing so I was like. Thinking. Right, so was willing to pay for it. Right, so yes. if like Jiffy Lube wants to sponsor like a Janela <laughs> match, then then it will be just like this other Janela match. But the All other right. ones like you know you need like Janela will not have any matches be sponsored be uh, count unless they are sponsored. Apparently, uh, by yes. White Claw. We we need the social suplex. <laughs> yes. We look need the social suplex smash now. You know, let's get that. <laughs> let's let, let's uh, take donations. Let's get this done. <laughs> I, I hope they do the Cracker Barrel Clash every year. Yes, yes same out. here. Same here. Every single yep. year. It needs to be annual tradition. Like, if you're going to do the uh, the ring, uh, the 42-carat ring, whatever they're called, or ring bowl knockoff thing they're doing, or if they're going to do every, every year, they're going to do a men and women's uh, uh, battle royal thing, then they need to also do the Cracker Barrel Clash because that's just, that's just so easy and just a layup. Um, so... Um, next two matches, you end up getting uh, the AEW buy match for the uh, for the tag team tournament between Dark Order and um, Best Friends. Uh, Dark Order goes over, of course, because they're the evil guys and they're trying to set them up his heels, and they've just beat them anyway. But uh, <laughs> later, so uh, then you have Riho versus Karoshita, which is kind of similar to. Um, no, I'm sorry, I'm just wrong on that. Uh, it was basically a play, uh, semifinal match because we knew that uh, the winner of the battle royal was going to face. Uh, the winner, we pretty much assumed the winner of Akarashita versus Riho. Riho ends up winning. I thought it was a good match. People aren't into that match as much as I was. I, maybe it's because I'm, well, we know why for the wrestling, but I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, and, and that was the whole thing. I, I remember people not caring about this match and they were kind of quiet. And I was like, this was a really good match to me. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I gave it three and three quarters at the time. Yeah, it's not even recommended on on Cage Match. That's why it's surprising to me. Uh, but, yeah, but but Cody versus Sean Spears is, which is like what? You oh, tell me yeah, which is like better. the greatest moment of my life. So I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, this <laughs> this this match was six and a half stars. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what? Uh, the man, the myth, the legend. Oh, you don't understand. I'm I'm first row. I'm talking about the seven-year-old child in me comes out when literally my hero from childhood, Arn Anderson, comes out and five feet in front of me does a fucking spine buster, something I never thought I would see live in my fucking life. This was 19 stars. Throw it all the stars. This was my moment <laughs> of the year. This was everything to me. Cody, I mean, the match was, the match was Cody, a Cody match, like, you know, a bunch Boy. of but, yeah, like it sure bunch, was a Cody match. It yeah, sure it, was. It, it was a bunch of interference. It was the show. It was the emotion. It was everything I love. This is the reason I love the way Cody presents wrestling. Like Cody's professional wrestling and Floyd's professional wrestling, pretty much the same thing. This was awesome. I got Arn, dude. I, like I mean. I mean, there's a picture out there showing my expression the moment he hits the spine buster. It, yes. The, oh my God. Yes. 22 stars. <laughs> it's going to keep going up if you keep asking. <laughs> 64 stars right now. Amy, what'd you think about this match? 
I loved listening to Floyd talk about that. That was so great because as for the match itself, like I remember Cody's entrance. I remember seeing Sean Spears. I still wasn't really fully into Sean Spears and Cody Rhodes is like the rivalry thing because I'm so used to like longer storyline things. Mm-hmm. And I think if that were to have happened after Dynamite now where we would get those builds, that would have meant more to mm-hmm. me. It was a good match. Nothing wrong with it, but it wasn't necessarily something particularly memorable for me. But so I'm going to just defer to Floyd's amazing rundown of his experience with Art Anderson right there because that was the coolest thing. That's great. <laughs> Rich, man, the emotional side of wrestling. I told you, yep. tell you about that, Rich. Look, man, this match fucking sucked. <laughs> okay, um, I watch these Cody matches, and I wonder what the hell's there's so. All right, I'm a person that enjoys when it comes to the wrestling. I love a million things happening, right? I love to see great moves, sequences, uh, reversals, counters, big moves, kickouts, all that. That's right up my alley. But Cody Rose is the real, um, you know, I, I forgot where the, um, where the expression comes from, but you never know what you're going to get. Like yeah. you can literally get like an old woman hopping out of the crowd, like, and you know, something happening, but I, I was into very into the oh, build. Um, I, mean, I thought you were about to say that Cody is like uh, is like um, Forrest Gump with the boxes of chocolates. Chocolate. You never know what you're going to yes. get. Yeah. Yes, correct. And um, but it's still it was- chocolate every time. You know what I mean? Thank mm-hmm. you. And chocolate, <laughs> fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, I, I don't think this guy like the, the the critical reception. Like you know his uh, like he tried to kind of like do another like. Uh, personal story, like, right. you know, instead of my brother, now I'm going to fight my ex-friend, and I'm concerned Cody's eventually going to run out of people, but... Um... <laughs> But hey, look, look, what? look! Wait, wait till like Darby turns him in like four months. Oh <laughs> my god! No, yeah. this is like an assembly line. This is an assembly line. No. They're gonna turn uh, Darby no. Hill for Cody. What? No, I think, I, I think, I think if it goes down with Darby, Cody is the one that's gonna turn Hill. Look, man, I, I would I've hope. Already, yeah. I've already gotten as mad about Cody as I'll ever get. Um, from when you know Kenny was feuding with him. So the rest of these are just like that was this is best, what he though. does. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, you know, not not my kind of match, but you know, some like Floyd like it, so I'll yes. let you take it home, James. Look, I'm I don't think the match sucked. I just thought that all the stuff that were that was there at play with the uh with the Dustin match was not at play here with the Sean Spears thing. Like for one, Gold Dust is a goddamn legend. Uh Gold Dust, Dustin Rhodes, Dustin Reynolds, whatever you want to call him, he is a wrestling legend from a from a prestigious wrestling family, and Cody's adding on to the legacy every single day, right? Um, of that family, Sean Spears is a jag. He, we he, look, he tries hard. He he shows up in great shape. Presentation, uh, his, his presentation is very good. Yes, his entrance with with um with the music and the uh, and the uh, contacts and when he had Tully with him pull off the scarf, yeah. I thought that was I thought that was a star making entrance. And then the bell rang and they decided to wrestle um a average match, a WWE style match. Unfortunately, yeah, 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 yeah. a yeah. WWE style match. But the thing that was most impressive in the entire match was Tully still being able to do some stuff. Mm-hmm. And doing all the cheating stuff and getting heat, which led to how are we going to get 
you know, because while they're wrestling, Cody's out wrestling and shining like the babyface he is against this guy that we now, you know, seeing where he is now. Like, what leads you to believe, like, that was a plan all along to end up not actually having him be a, a top of, a, of the mid-card heel, but to actually be a bottom of the mid-card heel. So, they have that match. And then Tully's just awesome with doing all the cheating. Not cheating, I have not cheating this world that I have not I have not seen since in uh, American professional wrestling since probably Shawn Michaels in that match uh, with with Undertaker and Triple H in Saudi oh Arabia, uh, where he just like he was just basically like outclassing Kane's right there. He just like embarrassing Kane. Oh, you're talking about Australian match? Yeah, yeah, Australia. I'm sorry, Australia, not Saudi Arabia. So anyway, then the way to get. Tully off the table, you would assume, be like, alright, well, Cody needs to just deck this old dude. Mm, that's not what really happens. Arn comes out, and he hits, he ends up taking out Tully's guy, and the crowd goes wild, but then Tully just leaves in shock or whatever, and then it's a fair match, and then Cody beats him, and I'm just like, okay, why is it that I'm watching these Cody matches, and like, they do stuff to pop the crowd, but then, like, once you think for one split second after the initial pop, what happened? You're just like, wait, what? So, <laughs> I, that that's one of my issues with the Cody matches, but we can move on from there. That's all. That's what I had to say. And honestly, that, I didn't expect to spend this much time talking whoa. about this match. I, I, um, about a three-star, two-and-three-quarter-ass match. A 75-star match. Cool. Uh, I just want to say... You can call it whatever you want to. It is what it is. <laughs> yes. The one valid criticism I will take is that uh that's I heard someone say is that all they talked about how they weren't gonna bring up old washed WWE guys and try to make their company and then they have Sean Spears in a significant match. But but who but they but they was never beat. in a significant match. Right. And also WWE. you know I don't but know I, I push back on that on that criticism because like all right WWE's been the company that's been you know on top for twenty years with no real you know yeah, competition yeah. and they signed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of wrestlers so many wrestlers they don't know have room for them or know what to do with so at some point somebody's worked somewhere before like uh yeah it was sean spears right. placement in wwe yeah. is i think that was the biggest argument is that he was a guy that was never anything in the wwe and i mean you had him in the no, yeah, well, match. Well, yeah, and you didn't build him up until that match you just kind of like he hit somebody with the chair, and I'm like, if that's the thing, I'm just gonna come out and hit Jericho in the head with the chair and get a title shot. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. So that was um, <laughs> but it was a legitimate criticism. Of, but the legitimate criticism is based off worried about being about other promotions past, and we weren't about like the the pitfalls of following down the TNA road of oh my god, what is Tyler Rex doing here, or the person that or got his name in um in WWE, but like, what is, you know, that person doing in the impact zone? Like that was, that was a concern, but they, like I said, the whole match is if Tully's not there, he would just beat him in like eight minutes. So you know, to the end of the line, you go enjoy, you know, the scraps that you have for the rest of your life, getting a check to be, I guess, a, a whatever he's doing behind the stage. Cody's he friend. Be having two jobs. Cody's you know, friend. Friend. Yeah, friend. Cody's yes. friend. Yes. Cody's so, friend. Uh, so then from there, we end up getting, uh, we end up getting, let's you know, get it. The best. Mate, the best, the, the best, best, the best, the best. <laughs> just, just, we end up getting the rematch of, uh, Lucha Rose versus the Unbox, and this match is just insane. It's, it's, yeah. 
Like if there for me personally, like if there is a AEW match that that makes my top ten for favorite matches of the 2019 in the entire world uh, that I've seen of all the wrestling I saw this year, this would be the absolutely the one. Um, they their psychology of them doing the doing the standoff uh, when on the ladders of like you do something if you do if you make one move, with my brother in this position, I'm gonna I'm going to kill your brother too. And they went ahead and they tried to kill each other's brothers. It, it was just amazing. Amy, um, what were some of the thoughts going your, through your head when they were going out here doing stuff like, oh, I don't know, Canadian destroyers off lattice two tables? <laughs> <laughs> my thoughts while watching this at the the arena was, oh my god, this is amazing, and please don't die. Like those were just the <laughs> two thoughts that were running through my head constantly. It was the most stressful, amazing match that I've ever seen, and I never want to see it again because, like. <laughs> It was so good. It was so good. It was the best ladder match I've ever seen ever. It was incredible. But like, it was so stressful. And then they were talking about it afterwards about how like, they had to call their families after the match to let them know they were okay. That like, their wives were in the front row, like horrified. Like, that was a legit match. And I'm shocked that they didn't injure themselves in it. But it was such a thrill ride. And for me, it cemented them both as the best tag teams in the world. Absolutely. Hands down. And of course they were having this sort of like friendly rivalry and competition build up leading into their tag team championship thing that they would start, mm-hmm. um, as to who would be the best in the world. But to me, that solidified it as just they both are and that we are so lucky to have these two teams be able to go at it like this on these kinds of shows and that we just get to sit here and be thrilled and awed and kind of terrified by the whole thing. <laughs> I, 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 to be honest with you, I was terrified to see Floyd that close to those ladders when they were setting up when they were doing the ladder bridge. I was like, yo, Floyd, you need to get yeah. out of here. Obviously, I couldn't talk to him, but I was like, I hope he gets the, gets the hell out of the way. Yes, uh, that, was, <laughs> that was like one of the, again, one of the better moments of my wrestling life. I get moved out of the way. Basically, you know, Sam, uh, from the security moves us as far right. Like, I don't, uh, Rick Knox is yelling, I don't know what they're about to do, but you need to move out the way. <laughs> see, see, oh, over his head, Rick Knox, not knowing what to do. I don't he's know like, what they're going to do, but he's you like, need to I, move. Yeah, he's like, but you need to move. And then I, like, Nick is, I think it was Nick right in front of me. And all I said, please don't die. That was it. And that was all I could work out. Cause I was so emotionally into this match. Like I was like, they are trying to kill each other. I think it was one spot where he tried to leap over the ladder and he's like barely clipped the table. Like the, <sighs> he clipped the rope and went through the table. And I'm like, yeah. shit. I'm like, I didn't think he was going to uh, finish the match. And oh, was, yeah. Yeah. And it this, was just one table. There wasn't two tables stacked yeah. on each other. It was one table. I was like, these are idiots. Like, what are they doing? <laughs> yes. No, yeah. yeah let me like, flashbacks to final battle where Nick Jackson yeah. had that ladder match and then like clips his head on the table and you're just like oh my god and he's like I'm never doing that again and then he goes and does it again yeah. that's, <laughs> that's actually what I was going to bring up I was like the Bucks have like been in crazy ladder matches all throughout their careers uh, especially in Ring Honor that final battle one especially and then the this final battle one the Super Connor Honor yeah okay that's no. both, both of those two they, they did ladder matches on both shows oh, okay yeah okay. yeah yeah so yeah. then when they get to this one, it's like, well, Pentagon and Phoenix are over. The Bucks, like, or I, for me, it's it's the craziest ladder match I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know what more to say. It's probably my AEW match of the year. It's like, 
you know, four yeah. or five stars for sure. <laughs> and it was a story, like, man. That yo, was man. crazy. Like, <laughs> like, you know, it, it's not nothing I'm shocked by. It's like, of course, like, why wouldn't this be the result? You have Pentagon and Phoenix and Matt and Nick Jackson. This is the result. Take your yeah. victory lap, y'all. Yeah. Yes. Did yeah. you? Did y'all have the, just just a general question? Did y'all have the thought that you were watching one of these two teams were going to be your first AEW Tag Team Champions? Oh yeah, uh-huh. I thought, for I, sure. Yes, I thought Lucha Bros for sure, and I still to this day I'm still like looking looking where they've done the tag division mm-hmm. since full gear, and you tell me. So like I, I I still think that they were wrong by not making Lucha Bros after this match. Uh, getting their win back, not making them the uh the the champions, the inaugural yeah. champions. Like, yeah. do what you want to do after that, but these should be the inaugural champions. Yeah, and my whole thought process is like, if they're not the inaugural champions, why did you bring them in? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and if your whole thing is well, you know, they're not signed to us exclusively. It's like, if that's the way you want to play it, why even bring them in? Nope. Yeah, I'm like, put your best tag team up front, or. Or if this is what you're gonna do, why do you even let them beat the young bucks? Yeah. Uh yeah, yeah so uh I mean we can we can breeze by this one. The main event for the inaugural uh championship the inaugural AEW championship match, Chris Jericho and Adam Page. They had a match, it went twenty six minutes, and it went probably like mm, sixteen not sixteen, probably like ten minutes too long. I you know what? I was it's into great. I was in uh, being in the building and I'm I don't know if Amy felt I I never felt while I was there that it was too long. I was into the anticipation mm. of who was going to win. I mm-hmm. felt like it was going to be Jericho, but I thought they might do the bold move and put it on page. <sighs> I, 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 I didn't really, I like, I saw the end when he hit that first buck shot and I was like, oh, okay. I know how this is going to end. Like a hundred percent. This is going to end with him going for this move again and Jericho, you know, hitting him with. Uh, the Judas effect because the reason being it's just the way they play Jericho is that he was smarter than his all his opponents right he would use their move against them and it, it just seemed appropriate but I was like at that point where I thought I knew how it was going to end I was kind of waiting on that to happen so it never felt long being in the building to me mm. yeah well and first Hangman Page came out on a horse yeah, yes came out on fucking horse <laughs> So, I mean, that just sets the whole mood right there. You got his badass music. You've got him coming out on a horse. And, you know, I got to say this about Hangman Page. Like, when we were talking about Fight for the Fallen earlier with the match against Kip Sabian, Hangman Page was still being – we were still being convinced that Hangman Page is a guy. He's one of the guys. And, like, at least for me, like, I had watched him in ROH in New Japan, and last year's G1 was great with him. He was kind of, like, breaking out of the mold a bit. But I wasn't sure that he was up there yet in championship level. And the Mm -hmm. match at All Out finally felt like, all right, dude, Hangman Page, hell yeah. Like, this dude is a star. This dude's got a story. Okay, he doesn't win now, but I'm on board with seeing how this is going to play out. And I'm with it as far as seeing Hangman Page being up there as one of the guys of AEW. So I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought this was actually like, I thought this was like a Jericho masterpiece um, as far as like leading a young guy through that. You know, he had that look uh, when he came out where it was like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here, but I'm about to, you know, give him my all. Like that's what, that's why I got from hangman. And, you know, I loved his entrance and uh, I, you know, was 
for weeks begging him to ride a horse out there. Um, to, to, to all out because, you know, the presentation is everything. Yes. But, uh, yeah, like Jericho, he was a, like, if it's Chris Jericho in it, I'm going to trust he's going to find a may, way to make it work. I love this match. I think I gave it like four and a quarter. And it was like, yo, Jericho's the right choice. He's the right guy. And he's about to lead this young dude through. And, you know, I, I like the match. So. Okay. So that leads us to dynamite. I'm not going to go through all the dynamites. It's a lot of stuff, <laughs> but uh, the main, the main takeaways from the first night is, um, we end up getting the opener of Cody and Guevara. They have a very good match and leads to the beginning of oh, Guevara turns, uh, or I guess fully lets the world know that he's a heel, uh, with the against some dick kicking, uh, Cody. And then we move on, uh, uh, to later in the show. Uh, we get MJF. He cuts a promo and then he ends up embarrassing the shit out of Jake, out of Brandon Cutler. Brandon Cutler may seem to have blind a knee, but he did not. Uh, we ended up getting Pop versus Page in the first of what I think is the the maybe the best mid card feud of the year around the world. Uh, very good match. Um, and it leads to uh, their full gear match eventually, and also that tag match a couple weeks later from this point between um, Kenny and Hangman versus Moxley and uh, Pac. Uh, Riho Nala Rolls inaugural championship. Uh, an, an, another Riho does it again. Riho Mania starts on that. Riho Mania starts on that very uh, night. Um, I, I wish there was more of her on on uh, on AEW. I wish we were able to get some TV stuff with her, but that remains to be seen. Uh, and then the main event: um, Ortiz and Santana. After we get the craziest ladder match we've ever seen, come on and attack these two teams. So uh, they show up and they're tagging with Chris Jericho versus the Elite that night. And then Big Hurt, uh, <laughs> Jake Hager comes out, uh, along with Guevara, who was ties the whole, this whole show together from the beginning to the end. And they come out, out on top after beating the hell out of the elite. And we end the show with Jericho with his, really his first main event hill faction in his career. Um, then we're gonna go to two. We're actually gonna yeah. talk about two because two was uh, two was a, was very very uh, very very good. Um, we start off with the opening of the tag team tournament between the Private Party and the Young Bucks, and they go out there and they have a classic on television. Uh, do you guys have any uh, Amy? Do you have any thoughts well, particular yeah. from that moment? That is on my list for yeah. <laughs> one of the best matches of this year. Right. Um, you know, I know we're not going to talk about all of the Dynamite. Yes. So I think I'm just going to summarize my feelings of Dynamite as a whole, okay. which are basically yeah. that from the first two episodes, we had this like explosive feeling of just balls to the wall action with, you know, just starting right into it, starting right in with Private Party and the Young Bucks, starting mm-hmm. right in with Cody and Sammy. And that to me felt very different. Like we didn't have a soft open where it's like introducing the show and here's all the people. It's just like, all right, here's action. Here's action, 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 action. And as the show has gone, it started to add in a bit more background, a bit more promos, a bit more storytelling. But I love the fact that we're starting to just have a show where it's, it feels like a pay-per-view 
each week for the most part. There have been mm-hmm. a few like softer ones, mm-hmm. but when you're comparing softer shows to like some of the best weekly wrestling shows I've ever seen, right. like that's a pretty good mark to hit. So for me, it's, it's great that we have a show that's just focused on high action wrestling, high action storytelling, whatever. That's basically been the format of Dynamite and that's been awesome. Yeah. Uh, so then, um, then from there, uh, then from there, like we have the we have a good Darby uh, Jimmy having match. We have a we have a okay ma- a tag match between B and and Emmy versus Britt and Riho. Then we get Mox in the first match on television against Sean Spears, and he crushes him like he steps on him like a damn jelly bean. He crushes. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was a, so good. <laughs> yeah, like full, like they even go on further with the uh, with the the LL Cool J lyrics. Like he took a muscle bound man and put his face in the sand because he's bad. Like he he beat the hell out of that dude. Yeah, <laughs> oh man, let's say he put. Sean Spears in his uh, in his place in the roster. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. that was that established. Sean yeah. Spears, you're not a guy. Yeah, well, you are a lore. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, full on lore. Uh, Adam Page in the main event is Adam Page and Dustin versus the Inner Circle, which is Jericho and Guevara. Uh, you know, all the cheating. Hey, we're doing all the cheating, and then it leads to a huge brawl amongst everybody. Uh, Jericho gets the hell out of there amongst all the idiots that are wrestling. He, he thinks he's unscathed or he's out of dodge and then lo and behold you have <laughs> you yeah, have Jimmy Havoc you have <laughs> uh, sorry not Jimmy Havoc you have Darby Allen skateboarding down the ramp and <laughs> and, and leap attacking this man off the skateboard so <laughs> and good it is it while and then gets on the in the mount like he basically fez pressed him it gets in the mount and throws the weakest lamest punches you ever seen to someone that's on top it full, with, actually full guard. no <laughs> There no. have been worse punches. Uh, yeah, yeah, the dark, the, the, the dark order. The dark order. Oh <laughs> my god! Aw, <laughs> uh, we we suck at full mount. <laughs> we suck from full mount. Okay, only full gear. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay, so the, uh, I mean, other other points. You also have the the young, but the next week after the huge upset between Pirate Party and the Young Bucks, you have. Uh, Private Party versus Lucha Bros, another great match. I, I mean, I feel like you can almost go either or with them, but like I think the initial shock of the fact that they had the upset victory is what uh, most people will remember. So I think most people will go with that match instead. Um, but God, Ray Phoenix is, is just a god of wrestling; <laughs> just incredible. Uh, you, um, let's see what else you have. Uh, you have the. I think that's also the third week. That's also when you get the Cody promo, right? Or no? The Cody promo where he no. ends up doing the brawl in the concourse with Jericho. Uh, I think that is like our tickets. Yeah, I think that is yeah. like our tickets. Yeah, there's also that. Um, I mean, that pretty much sets the stage for what we are going to get at, uh, on on full gear. So I guess it's like, let's just go to full gear. I mean, there's we could talk about that tag match uh, uh, between Kenny and Omega, and I'm just Kenny and Omega, Kenny yeah. and Hangman versus. Uh, Moxley and Pack, which led to the the little. Well, before you do that. They, they they did also establish their secondary show with AEW Dark Destination okay. Viewing. Yes, yeah, it's so Destination Viewing. They didn't know they've only like promoted one time on Dynamite. So can we move on? I'm not insane. <laughs> Let me tell you, their secondary YouTube show is killing pretty it's much. Great, it's a yeah, great show. It's a it's great show. Amazing, and like they got 300. Like half of their TV audience is watching Dark. If you, it's a fantastic going, show. Yeah, if you're just going straight numbers. So, I mean, Dark's an amazing show. It's just 
Like, I suggest everybody watches it. And I always say it makes AEW more accessible. I know some people don't want to watch anything but Dynamite. But when you're talking to a guy in the street about AEW and they don't have cable, which a lot of people don't have cable, you can, but you, ha- you have a phone. You have YouTube on your phone, right? Pull up dark. It's a great way to introduce people to AEW. Yeah. Also, Kenny true. Omega's on that fucking show. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, Cody Rhodes is on that show. The Bucks are on that show. It's just like, you know, it's a secondary show, but they put their main stars on it. Yes, that's true. Um, that is very much true. And they also have kick ass matches on, on their, on their version of WWE main event in a way that like does not happen, um, on WWE main event aside from like when they decide, yeah, I think we're done with Cedric Alexander and Ricochet. So let, yeah, let them go out there and be on main event. Ugh. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh boy. So, uh, as I was saying, like that tag match between, um, Moxley in pack versus hangman in, um, Kenny Omega. That's a great tag match. Um, it's very different from a Young Bucks match or any of the other matches that were on, uh, the, the tag team tournament. It ends up leading to Pac, who's undefeated, like telling Moxley, knock it off with the shenanigans and the, and the hardcore stuff and you being just a, you know, caring about wanting to destroy Kenny Omega after he's ta- shit talked him. Um, and Moxie in return says, screw you. I'm hitting you with my finish and you get to get your first L. So you, you see that they had the, they had, uh, they were heading in a direction with those two in the meantime, um, before going off to, uh, full gear. So, um, so Kenny ends up getting one of his, probably his biggest win of, of, or his biggest win on NAW at the time. And then he ended up going to full gear and because, uh, I don't know. They just wanted to go over the top with it. They decide uh, <laughs> that can, let's go have ourselves a a lights out match. And the setup of the story between Kenny and uh, Moxley is that they both have fought death match guys. And um, it, it, I I mean they had those were great matches with Janela, but. Uh, we ended up getting to it, and I thought they had a match that, you know, it, very divisive. I, I, I really, I thought it was a great match. It's not a match I necessarily would want to go back and watch again. Uh, what were your thoughts, Amy? Uh, well, the story for this match was that you both had two guys who were at the top of their respective companies coming into this new company. So you have Kenny Omega, who's at the top of New Japan, and you have John, you know, John Moxley, who's in the Shield, you know, WWE, and that they mm-hmm. both have this really great experience behind them coming into AEW. You also had John Moxley going to New Japan for the G1 with some of the best G1 matches ever um, in this year's G1, and that's that's a really intense heavyweight tournament where they're wrestling like four to six insane matches a week. So you have him going through this grueling setup. He's getting injured. He's sort of actually elevating New Japan's next generation of top talent while being in there. And it's kind of following in Kenny Omega's footsteps. He doesn't quite make it because he doesn't win the G1. But the story of it is that they're both trying to sort of prove to the other person that they are, if not equal, one of them is better than the other. And Moxley has an advantage of being, you know, a deathmatch wrestler, hardcore guy, also being in the G1. Kenny Omega has been kind of fallen down a bit with the ranks and with his matches. So I really loved the story in setting up this match. And I actually really loved the match itself. 
the end of it where they just ripped off the apron of the ring and then he does a phoenix splash with his face on the board was insane i loved the spider web i i loved this match i thought it was crazy and for a person who doesn't even like hardcore matches or blood i think it's because i have a bias for kenny matches i just loved it it was fantastic i loved it i was i was the odd person i was one of the people that I had no emotional attachment or anything towards this match. This wasn't the match. This wasn't my Moxley versus Omega Dream match. My Moxley versus Omega Dream match is a G1 match. It was G1 Moxley versus Kenny Omega. That was the dream match. That's what I thought I was like paying for. Right. And then they said, hey, it's going to be an unsanctioned match. And it was just like, so it's not going to count. You're going to have your... (laughs) Two of your <laughs> highest record never people. happened, and this match is just a match, and that bothered me. And so, literally, I felt like there was nothing to this match. I was like, "Why isn't this on dark?" Because it doesn't count. Yeah, it's like why? Why? And and if it doesn't count, why is it going on after your world title match? I I just well, like there was. I mean, because they're doing the lights out gimmick. I get right, it. right, 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 right. Yeah, it's just it's just like. This match means nothing. Why am I watching it? And also, you got at a point after you you've been devastated because the you know no no like the whole Cody <laughs> not winning thing. I was I was I was okay with and how they did it. I was okay with I, it. It was one of my favorite matches. <gasps> that was when MJF turned, huh? Yeah, yeah that was yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I was gonna say I, we were talking about the type of wrestling I grew up on. Oh, that was straight up. A WCW 1989 pay per view and Sting getting kicked in the balls by Lex Luger or somebody but, like. But that. they never would have yeah. made it. But they never made a step with with Sting that like, oh yeah, like you're, 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 you're the face. Of, you're the face yeah. of the company. Let's make you sure think, you never you can where you can never win again, and then go actually execute it to where he can never be champion again. If they ever cha- if they ever changes, I'm killing them. I'm killing yeah. them. Man, I'll be right there with you. But it's I see it coming, so I'm kind of accepting it because these kind of things happen. I mean, but, they're Mike, going they're going to change it. This this yeah. is an old. Old territory type yeah. thing. I, I remember talking to Josh about this That's one time. Dumb. And by the time they do it, thing. people are going to love it. People are going to accept it. It's going to fly. I yeah, promise. It's going to be amazing because right. MJF is going to be the biggest prick about it. And he's going to be a slime ball betrayal snake guy about it. And then he's going to be so arrogant that he would challenge Cody. And he's, you know, maybe he has the title, right? And so maybe he challenges Cody. I don't know how he does it, but it's going to suck because it's going to be MJF and he's going to be the worst. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) I've said the best way that I've seen doing it is Cody turning heel and he says, I'm the MVP. I'm the EVP. I can just fucking do what I want to do. And I would, and I, I think that would be a perfect way to. Get rid of the stipulation. That might be the only way. The only way that I would not like absolutely hate it. But anything else, I'm absolutely hating it. Because it's just like you're telling long form stories in this company and they're pretty good with the duration they have so far. I don't mean the Chris Statlander Reho thing that's happening right now. That's, but I just, I. You you gave me fake stakes knowing you were uh, or knowing that you were going to eventually take it away. So you clearly were just fucking with me. Uh, I, that, no, so for me, I'm just I'm just going to hate it. Let me tell you, the only one that I thought was really it was I was like, man, Shawn Michaels 
never going to wrestle again. Once yeah. Shawn Michaels wrestled again, I've given up on wrestling stipulations. They just, <laughs> right. They just, why you got, I can't. Well, Shawn yeah, Michaels, I, well, at least. At least Shawn Michaels had to pay dearly for it. He went and did a moonsault, and Undertaker and Kane didn't catch him. So hey, that, that's, that's the price hey, you pay when you when you hey, go back in your step. You see what hey, happens when you go back in your step? You don't get caught. Hey, Cody will do the, it, and then the floorboard will catch his face again. There you go. Yeah, the Saudi check still cash. That's all I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, are we sure? <laughs> Look, this is check will cash, but where's this getting the money? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, uh, other parts of that man, of that card, you end up having uh, you end up having Hangman Page versus Pack. End up like I thought that was a great. Uh, I really enjoyed start, that start, or at the beginning of that card. I thought it was great, and then I, I just love watching them together. I mean, then you had the uh, the Brain Buster on the t- on the chair that was open. That was just, like wild. Um, I'm trying to think what else you had. Yeah, you had um. Yeah, the opener actually. You had uh, San- Santana and Ortiz versus the Young Bucks, and they promptly whooped their asses throughout the whole match. It yeah. was like, you know, it was funny because you saw. I ended up seeing catching the um, the twenty. What's it called? The twenty four seven stuff they do. The countdown stuff was very similar to the twenty four seven stuff, and it was this clear uh, juxtaposition of. Growing up and you having to scrap and claw and, and, and make your own way as opposed to being in this area where you had these, uh, resources that, you know, you got just by being born, right? And then, you know, we had, you know, I had my dad make my ring for us or make the ring for us or whatever when we did backyard wrestling. Meanwhile, like these dudes were like, had to get on the trains, right? We always talk about with our New York guys having to get on trains and do anything. And, it comes to the, they, they basically go have a match and the whole thing is like Ortiz and Santana are t- just straight up tougher than them dudes and they just beat yeah. their ass the whole match and then pinned them. Loved it. Loved they it. it. They turned it into a street fight. You yes. know, they turned it into a fight and that's not the Bucks match and, and it was just wrestling. It was pro wrestling at its finest. Like you wrestled our style. We beat you in it. Yes. Um, and also on the match these be brought up was uh, Riho versus Amy Sakara in a match for uh, the AEW Women's title. This is a match that literally got uh, announced before Emmy actually won her way into it in th- uh, on screen, and then Emmy had to go on Twitter and tell the story of pupil versus uh, uh, versus master uh, and all the run up and all this stuff. It's just a shame that like. AEW decided, like, yep, all women segments, they get pretty much 20 minutes, uh, for a whole entire two hour ass show. So, um, now that we're on the back end, we talk about, like, where we went up from, um, November through this year, and also, like, the lead up, um, what we assume is the collision course of Jericho versus Moxley, um, and, you know, the teasing of Hangman, is he gonna turn heel, is he gonna join the Dark Order, Dark Order's over, you know, uh, I guess, you know, where they're the top stars in the in the in the entire uh pro- promotion now. Uh where do you want to take this, Amy? Um let's review maybe let's look at our favorite matches for ah. yeah, our top ten matches for the year with AEW and then we'd look to the next year because okay. I mean there's been a there's been so much happening with Dynamite. There's been a lot of um i guess we should, we could do that we could look at what the major storylines have been from dynamite because they've been what doing is it 12 shows that they've done so far yeah 12. something like something that. like 12 
Yeah, so they're a brand new company. They had what, like four or five paper, five pay-per-views this year. They've had 12 shows. And, you know, there's been a lot that they've put in place. There's been a lot of excitement that they've had. And there have been some, you know, kind of hits and misses with what they've been trying to do and that they're learning from. Um, let's look at the women's division. Where do you guys see the women's division at right now with AEW Dynamite, um, positives and what they can improve on next year? Uh, right now, it's a very mid division. Just like that's the best way I could say it. It's just, it's just kind of there, and I think it's going to get more of a focus. But I think they really are establishing the singles and tag divisions first as big things, and then they're going to get more into the women's division because with a two-hour show, it's hard to do it all at the same time. Uh, it's ever improving. Uh, addition of Chris Statlander, Big Swole, Shanna. Uh, that that is adding to the roster. Uh, also addition by subtraction, uh, taking Brandy and Allie out of wrestling and you know, less Leva out of wrestling and putting the people that are, that people want to see bringing in B. Hopefully we can get Yuka Sakazaki back. Uh, I think, I think it's, you know, it's looking, the future is looking good, but the present, you know, the beginning and to the middle was not great. Yeah, I think they utilized AEW Dark really well for that as like a place for the women's division to sort of get footwork, practice, chemistry, dynamics, just kind of get some ring time in. Um, and I feel like, yeah, with Chris Statlander, with Big Swole, that there's been a lot of improvement just with those two that have been added to the division. Um, I'm really glad that they didn't go with Britt Baker getting the title um, because it felt like she was in that position from the Jacksonville rally announcing her and that, you know, she looks like the star. She looks like a WWE women's division star. She's got the look and everything, but I'm, I'm glad that they've sort of started following a different approach. And I'm really glad that they started following like the organic reception to Chris Statlander and, kind of reacting off of that and, and pushing her. I'm not sure if they were doing that as an organic reaction or if they were had that w- as an idea when they signed her, but I'm loving that that's the direction that they're putting in with her. And I think that that's sort of bringing up the rest of the women's division and letting them shine in a bright light instead of just having tunnel vision on like Britt Baker, for instance. Rich? So the AEW women's division got a lot of big promises uh, to begin with, but you start looking around, you're almost like, well, how are you going to actually make this happen? Because there is no Kenny Omega of women uh, to start your division with. There is no Chris Jericho of women to start your division with. So I think they've t- taken a very like you know slow burn kind of approach to it. Uh, of course, they've been having to work around people's schedules all through up and down the, vi- the division, including the champion. Um, and I think they're locked in this this ratings war. So uh, the women were a casualty, um, you know, as far as like screen time and you know er- and everything like that. Um, but I've always contended that this would be a strength in time. Floyd mentioning them taking you know the people out of the the matches that were stinking to join out and putting capable people in their place uh, that can only you know make things better. And then you know people like Shanna showing up, who's like you know we looked at her cage match and it was like, well, she has a great reputation about her. So uh, it's like anything else; it needs more reps, needs more time. And I you know 
<laughs> I think people forget like having a great women's division it isn't something that happens overnight. You know, mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta cultivate that thing. You gotta like like NXT didn't show up. You know, rolling out of bed where it was like, yo, this is what it is. And there have been rough periods in every company. And to think about it, like there's not, you know, we, we've also gone over the U.S. women's scene, unless you want to turn this just into hiring, you know, every Joshi under the sun, which I don't think they want to do. Um, the main, the amount of main event matches and, you know, veteran experience, like it's just not there on that side. So, um, They've got a they've got an uphill climb, and you know they got someone like Statlander, I think, who's going to be huge for them. So uh, if you can get that rolling, and you know they've got that big match to start with, it it begins there because like the eyes are on it right now. Totally agreed. <sighs> it stunk. Like there's no way around it. It stunk. Um, Riho, like aside from Riho. Sheeta and Statlander, who's been here for what three matches, four matches, and so like a month. The, the thing is, just I don't know how you're supposed to get over. It. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the other division. I'm looking at the, the other division in the tag division, and I see them constantly um, finding different ways to try to get other people over. Uh, I see them getting mic time to present what they're going to do to try to build up what they're going to do in the week and the weeks coming. I see their, in their men's division, they're, they're brawling over the time and they're doing all this universe sharing type stuff where they interact with each other. And then I see like slapdash, hastily thrown together stuff for the woman's side. And I see no other than, you know, Oh, she's an alien or she is a human that running an alien gimmick, whichever one you want to call it. Or, Oh, she looks or she's a cute petite Japanese woman, or this woman looks like a gigantic megastar who decided to come over here instead of wait, instead of, uh, you know, uh, fighting Aja Kong for the 59th time, um, or, uh, um, Ozaki goon. So, um, I just, I, I, we, you know, it's funny because Floyd was talking about like what his wrestling is, is, you know, promos and character work and that sort of thing or whatever to a point and getting the emotion involved in. Um, I don't know where you begin to do this when you don't give any other woman promo time. Like you, um, it's funny because you look at when they did the countdown thing at full gear to set up the, uh, to, Try to promote Britt Baker versus B Priestley, and you see B Priestley have one of the better promos uh, this year when she she says that Britt Baker, you are a fucking dentist, but like <laughs> there's nothing else there but aside from that, and that's and they also play with me where like I see the the um the full gear main card match where Emmy's on Twitter having to promote this thing. I'm just like, put this on the show. I don't I, like look. <laughs> No, no, no disrespect. I need to know why I need to care about your women's title match or whatever else instead of the third or fourth tag match. I'm sorry, Trent Beretta, kick rocks right now. I, 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 that's that's so I like. So for me, it, it's it's been it's been seriously lacking, and I'm not ready to just completely just write them off. Uh, but the, we're gonna see over the next six months because if shit doesn't really change in the next six months, then like. I don't know how it's just unavoidable at this at that point. Um, I mean, I mean, I I mean, I agree to a point, but it's like if you think about the time, what they're putting their time into, 
what draws. It's like they're trying to focus on they're trying to focus on building other parts of the company before building the women's division. The great thing about the thing about the WWE, which I actually said their name, is that they had 30 years of basically no women's wrestling, and then they could focus <laughs> on the women's division. You know, and, and, uh, right. then they could focus. I mean, their men singles, the men's were established. Their tag team division was what it is, what it was, and it's like, okay, well, now we got a bunch of time. We can put a women's in. Uh, the main event of WrestleMania because WrestleMania is the established brand. It doesn't really matter who's in the main event of WrestleMania. We can do what we want there, but it's like AEW is like they've only been around a year and everyone's expecting them to, well, I want you to focus on the single division to build stars. I want you to focus on the tag team division to build stars. I want you to focus on the women's division and build stars. You can't do it all at the same time. It's impossible. Um, um, the thing that I disagree with you on is <laughs> us, if you take out the women's division, right? And you look at their tag division, you look at their mid card, you look at their, uh, you look at their main event, uh, division. All of those are, are firing on all cylinders. Why is this one not? There's not a, just not enough time in two hours. I would say, I, I would say if that's the case, carve out some time out of the tag matches. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I could agree because my, my, I my thing is this: if we're trying, if we're trying to draw audience, we we have seen through Total Divas, we have seen through um, you know the addition of Ronda Rousey, we have seen through the rise of Becky Lynch that women viewers will watch if you present if you present them a product that's worthy of being watched, and they ain't done it yet. Yeah. Um, there are elements there, place we talked about it between the top three um, so far. Um, and I, and, but who you gotta, but you can't just give them just wrestling match, get, move on, get wrestling match, move on. And that's the, that the storytelling is just done in the matches. I can deal with that because I, because I watch Joshi. Not everybody's the type of person that could just watch Joshi feds. So you need to have the elements of progression of storyline in a direction to get people intrigued. Like, Oh my God, Nala, Nala Rose. I mean, they, they did a little bit of that with the Shayna beatdown or whatever else. You see, you see a, a program forming here, but that's what, that was week 11 out of, yes. that's week 11 out of 11 weeks. That's the first time you really did anything like that. You're going to have to, I guess you're going to have to let them get better. Cause I would ask, I would venture the question, who can really cut a promo? Like, I think most people would agree that kind of Brandy is the best promo. As far as the women, and she's not. And, and a you good. know, people. And, and you know, people. Anytime she comes on the screen, it's just something. They hate that, her. They, they, they hate, hate her. her. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my, but my <laughs> thing is this: you don't have to do promos in front of a live crowd. Pre-take the damn thing. Okay. I mean, I see valid points, but I just still think that the other divisions are still being established. I'm happy with watching them build the division because they've done promos. They had. B Priestley, they had Britsburg. Um, but I think that there are, like, the reality is, is that there's a lot of, it's like a microcosm. There's a lot of variety in the women's division. So you have experienced veterans, you have Joshi wrestlers, you have relatively new wrestlers who are wrestling on, on the American Indies. And there's a lot of different experiences that need to learn to work together and learn to communicate in the ring and just, you know, kind of develop i think and i think that giving them time to develop is going to pay off in six months i think in six months we're going to see a really great women's division it may not be 
you know, evolution type, you know, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair kind of thing. But it might. But I think that we have time for it to grow as long as we see if there's potential there. And I think with Chris Statlander, I think with Big Swole, I think honestly with Allie, I love Allie. I think that, you know, there's potential there with Riho, with Hikaru Shida, with Emi Sakura. I think that there's a lot to look at there as long as they can figure out a way to make it gel together. I think that's been the biggest issue so far is just making it gel together in the ring. And the biggest thing is they're going to have to steal a headliner from some company. Yeah. They need a headliner. They don't have one. And and Chad Chad had that um, that analogy, like they're working with a lot of low draft picks, essentially. Yeah. So... I mean, I think I, I think Statlander is going to be eventually be your cornerstone and your ace. So, okay, it's so, going to take time for it to get there. Okay, so um, I get what they mean by that, as far as uh, it's a low draft pick, but it's like, all right, well, the number one leader in women's world wrestling, as far as most wrestling stars, they 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 put fucking Lacey Evans in in a, in a title program, so it's like. Look, and you, and you and you see how well that went over. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, I, I'm just saying a lot of those. My point is, is is the depth of talent is not that disparate amongst once you split uh, WWE on the main roster down the middle between Raw and SmackDown. Like for example, who's the who's the sixth best uh, woman in dub in uh, on Raw right now? No idea. There's only four of them to care about. Yeah. Well, yeah. Natty's five. So yeah. that, that's my point. Like they're they're like there's no like huge pool of depth there, and then you look at SmackDown, and it's what, right? It's like Sasha so, Bailey and a ham sandwich, right? So, but the like, NXT the about, division, which is what they're really competing on, kicks ass. Well, yeah, that's a. I mean, that's. I mean, that, and, I'm, I'm just saying that's a, that's where you're comparing, yeah, and I, there's a there's a Grand Canyon between the NXT women's division and AEW's women's division. I agree. It's, it, it, I mean, they're it, like speaking of aliens, they are in two different galaxies. I agree, but what? what, what <laughs> right, but I'm not. But I'm not trying to compare them in NXT. I'm trying to compare them in like, the main roster. It also has a struggle and lacks of depth, yeah. but they still figure out like we got to find a way to get the mic into Becky's mouth or into Becky's hands. So she can cut a promo. We got to find a way to get uh, people to dislike Charlotte Flair or or whatever we're doing. We got to find a time to have the Boogie Boogie Warriors kick some ass to get themselves over a little bit to try to build towards TLC. I don't, I don't really see that kind of, yeah. you know, on, on, a, on, that's a three hour show. Right. But yeah. I mean, obviously there's less, there's, they have more time to offer that, but like, I don't even see that even with the time allotted to, to even try to move forward or whatever. Like I, like I said, the steps between Shanna or the rebuild of, of, uh, of Nyla by beating Shanna, I'm cool. I, like I see a positive step in that direction, but I need to see uh, maybe one or two more for the uh, for the rest of it. Like when Rio comes back, like whenever they, like B actually decides to you know be on or not decides to, but like actually gets on um, Dynamite instead of being on Dark all the time. Uh, you know what happens like with Statlander after like Rio basically dispatches her. Like that's that's what I'm worried about. And I'm like I mean I see the the Nightmare Collection on the horizon, but I'm just like. Yeah, I, don't, I, I wish yeah. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, like I like I like I don't know. I I truly will be like I dig it. I I dig the whole thing they're going for, but I don't. Who's gonna wrestle? Wait, you actually dig, dig the Nightmare Collection? Well, I mean, I mean, it's Brandy. It's 
Dude, oh, yes, I do yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and give, I mean, me, give me the coven of witches all day. It, 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 yeah, day. give me. I was gonna say, give me the coven of witches all day. It is like <laughs> she literally had to wear a hat and take a picture on Twitter that said "witch," so people would understand the character that she's playing. Dude, because so, I was calling her a vampire this whole freaking time. <laughs> yes, yeah, so she's a witch, and oh no, I dig it. Is I mean, it's pro wrestling to me. You know, it's like. It's trying to give the women's division something other than just going for the title. It is actually trying to give them the depth that you want. That's what Nightmare Collective is an attempt to do. And I get that it's not everybody's thing, but I love the fact that it's so absurd that there's a voodoo witchcraft situation happening. I love Brandy Rhodes being in the position that she's in. Um, it's interesting watching her play actress because usually it's been her as a manager, which feels more like her playing herself, you know, as Cody's wife, Cody's manager, kind of playing the villainous um, character there. And she's always been really good at it. So seeing her break out into this version of it, I think will get better with time. And uh, I'm, I'm willing to operate on faith with that. But uh, I really do like the idea of Awesome Kong coming in and sort of collecting trophies from the women's division and then figuring out who in the world is going to be able to come up against Awesome Kong. Like, what to do with that? How are they going to use that? What happens when they do finally induct somebody in there? How do they use them? Do they tear through the women's division? Do they tear through the roster? Do you have Awesome Kong just bulldozing through everyone and putting herself in a championship position? Who stops her? Is it Nyla Rose? Like, I'm super intrigued by that whole thing, and I'm totally for it. I get that it's got its hiccups, and I get that there are reasons why people, it's not their favorite, but I love it. Yeah, um, as far as Nightmare Collective goes, like, I think it's, um, it has the potential to, like, get in the way of things I really care about. So I'm kind of operating with, like, uh, caution on it. I'm interested to see what happens with, uh, old girl that cut her hair, uh, Melanie Cruz, and see if she's actually going to be the one to, you know, give this some credibility in the ring because Kong is, you know, past her prime she's not you know what she once was and um i think they got to get melanie cruz rolling before i can really you know just throw it six feet under so <laughs> but sure. and, 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 I, and i mentioned this on the show um maybe like a month ago like when the first thing came out you know brandy gets a lot of what she gets because of two things she's cody's wife and she's a black woman in charge and you know a major you know, professional thing. And, you know, she's inexperienced in the ring. You you can give her that too. Yeah. And part of me just wants to see her succeed with something. So it's like, all right, I'm going to give you every opportunity. Just don't fuck this up. Like, like, like that's, that's where I'm at with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard, you know, I've heard that on your show and I never even thought of it that way. I just thought, you know, she married into greatness. You know what I mean? So <laughs> they didn't, uh, that's why they hate her. That's what I like. And, you know? and she was the one using the name Rhodes when he couldn't. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I, there's a lot of stuff even there. though even though the reason was it's so they could announce them as Cody and Brandy Rhodes, so he could effectively use the name anyway. And it's just people just ignore that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So. Um. I guess. I mean. I think. I think the 
the directions are, are, are from the, the other outside of the women's divisions are like all headed in nice, all headed in nice directions. It's, I mean, I'm kind of worried about, uh, you know, what they're going to do with the dark order and whatever. But I mean, outside of that, do you guys have any, any, any other concerns that you think it's like easy peasy and it's kind of smooth sailing? My, the way? my biggest concern is one of those things. I'd rather you under, under promise and over deliver. Then, you know, then vice versa. Mm-hmm. And I think with the women's division talking about how it was going to be equal to the men's division was shit at this point. That's all you can say. Two and a half months into TV, they're not on the equal level. Yeah, I think that's fair, but I think that I I'm, mean, it could get there, but it's just not there yet. I'm willing to wait to see if it gets there. And I think it will. I think that's where I'm at. It's not there right now. But I'm excited to see it come to that point, and I'm excited to watch it grow to that point. Yeah. And Statlander, we trust. Yeah, <laughs> Statlander, like, we trust. Yeah, yeah but that, first, <laughs> that first show, like, experience, had, had me, it was like the first thing I really didn't agree with AEW, and I'm like, you have the show, right? And I know that you're trying to get to establish your eye Chris Jericho in the main event, but I'm like, you have the women's title being decided. How is that not the main event? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, to that, what's to me was like their first like Floyd's questioning you know, something you did. Well, <laughs> it's like, you know, like when they go the ver- uh, what a, what a week or two later after that. No, I'm sorry. Uh, they go to the go home show for full gear, and they only give SEU versus Lucha Bros like ten damn minutes. I was like, oh, well, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I guess they just bungling both these ancillary uh, divisions. Uh, yeah, you you uh, got to make your titles matter. Yeah. You gotta make your titles matter. When they are the only title being defended, they have to be your main event. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, things you're most looking forward to in 2020 with AEW, Amy. Oh my goodness, um, the villain. <laughs> I want to see Marty's girl come okay. in. I'm not sure he's gonna come in for real. Like I think he is. I'm like 95 percent sure. But he always seems kind of like a wild card that's looking to check out other things and see what he wants to do. So, so we'll see. I'm excited for a West Coast tour. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I want to see Moxley become champ and build a long term feud with Kenny Omega. Mm. I think that would be awesome. Um, I would love to see Hikaru Shida in a uh, contendership position, if not champion. And, um, I want to, I want to see Nyla Rose come back from her kayfabe suspension and be a person who starts chasing after the nightmare collective. If they start building themselves up as something to be intimidated by. So you want so, to come back as a, you want to come back off of that after off of that as a baby face. Well, so it'll be interesting. Cause I, the thing is, is that like Nyla Rose won single handedly, right? The casino mm-hmm. battle Royale. And like, she went through the division and she's not in a title position. So she has legitimate gripe with not being in that title position. And she also has a legitimate gripe with kind of being second guess. Like the last match I think that she had was, I think it was on dark where she was tag teaming with Leva Bates and she wanted to do a handicap match to show that she could pummel through everyone. So she never tagged Leva Bates into this match. Leva Bates actually she sat on the turnbuckle. <laughs> Man, it was book. amazing. She's like reading a book and like sipping coffee or whatever. It was awesome. But she went and powered through on that and she was furious. 
So I would love to see this kind of like, who the hell do you think you are coming through the women's division? It's my turn. I have gripes and I have gripes with you, Brandy. And, you know, not necessarily coming in as obvious as that, but I would like to see it work towards something like that. I think that both of them working together would be great. So those are the things that I'm looking forward to the most. And uh, I'm curious to see if the revival comes in. Mm. That would be interesting. Floyd? Oh, actually, uh, Rich, predictions for 2020 AEW? Um, I want to see, like, Kenny, like, kind of find himself as a character because it seems like he's afraid to, like, speak or they're just not letting him cut promos in front of the crowd. Um, you know, he's still having great matches. I think he's, you know, easily the, you know, in-ring performer of the year in AEW, but it's, uh, there, there's something that's missing. Like, um, and I, I watch his entrance video. And this is me just overly looking at whatever being a huge Kenny Omega fan. They show him where he's walking through Japan and he has like this blank look on his face. I'm like, how is this supposed to inspire people? And it's like just weird. And I think, I think there's like a way longer play with him. So, uh, it- it's one of Kenny Omega's beautiful professional wrestling stories that it'll all pay off and, and work in the end, but it's just, through the, the intermediate time, it's like, well, where is it at? So I think the Hangman thing is going to be interesting, you know, how they play it with being the elite. Um, I'm looking forward to watching more being the elite because I love being the elite and everything like that. But um, I'm looking forward to see, like, Jericho, too. Like, uh, how long can this this um, this renaissance really, like, go? Like, how does the inner circle, you know, what what changes about the inner circle over the next year? Um, does is, is there any, like, power struggle or, you know, does someone get kicked out of the group? Do they bring people in the group? Um, how does the Cody and MJF thing go? Because, for me, I think they did that turn way too fast. Cody and MJF never teamed up at all in in AEW. Like, they never even did a tag team match together, so we were just kind of told they were friends. Those of us that know the story know the story. But for, you know, them being on TV, I thought you could have gone and you could have had him turn at, like, double or nothing or at least or... I've done that for a year, really build it up. But maybe, you know, they they felt like they were in a situation where there is no tomorrow. So that's like the only thing that I can really say there. And I love the tag team division, AEW. It's the best one I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I hope that the elite, you know, treat themselves like fucking stars next year because this is called all elite wrestling. And I was a huge fan of the elite. I understand that they're trying to book to keep heat off of them by, you know, people that approach them in bad faith. And you can scan every comment section, uh, you know, to find that type of stuff. But we know these dudes are stars. There's a reason this promotion exists and eventually it's going to come back around. So that's what, what I'm looking forward to. Okay. Um, and uh, Floyd, what are you looking to most uh, uh, in twenty twenty for AEW? I want to see Ray more Ray Phoenix singles matches. I just, yeah, I just think yeah. I think he's a star that they're not that people that easily translates, and I think he should be pushed more as a single star. I do love the Lucha Bros. Don't get me wrong, but he's just amazing. Um, the battle for the soul of the Hangman. I think uh, I, I brought that up on. Um, our show, I think there it is going to be a pull from both sides between the elite and the dark order. And I would love to see this play out on TV. And, um, let's see, Cody, more Cody, all the Cody. 
Um, just, just so much Cody. Um, and then, uh, the women's division, I would like to see how it develops. I am one of those people that I have, I live an optimistic lifestyle. And so I, I'm always going to look that it's going to be built. And since, uh, they signed Big Swole, who is like one of my favorite wrestlers, I'd like to see what, how she's going to develop in her role in the, on the show. Okay. Um, I guess my, you know, my, my hopes and my predictions for 2020 is that, um, the, the elite, the elite in all elite wrestling are, you know, per, treat themselves like the stars that they are. Um, stop fucking off and wasting time or not, not wasting time, but like stop doing goofy stuff and cut promos and put, put yourselves over in, um, in, into having, uh, big wins against, uh, different people. Uh, I, I would like to see what happens with the MJF Cody thing because, like, I think that match is not going to be good, but we'll see. Um, I would like for Cody to dispatch of him and, and move on, and maybe he becomes the the mid card champion if they have a mid card belt, that sort of thing, or be or figure out a way to, um, I guess in a way be like the John Cena 2015 of uh, of AEW, where it's like, look, I'm never going to be, I'm not the champion, but I'm going to make use of. Um, you know, cutting promos and doing interesting things or whatever else throughout that year, throughout next year. Um, I'm okay with 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 um, Moxley or Jericho being the champion for most 2020. Um, I don't really have a preference. I don't really care. Um, Kenny, I, I I mean, he's got to cut promos. Period. Like he can't hide. You got to stop that. Uh, but. And, and definitely, uh, I, I need, I need the women's division to actually, like, be a, be a wrestling division that has people that are trying to turn into stars as opposed to match, 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 angle after match, 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 match. Uh, so, um, I guess from, I guess from there, uh, we can talk about our, you know, more positive after, like, I've been a drag the last, like, I guess half hour. Um, uh, we can talk about our top 10 favorite matches in AEW this year. Um, do you guys have your lists ready? Yep, yep, yep. We do. Okay, so, so I'm going a we're circle. Gonna go, we're gonna go. We're gonna go. Amy, Floyd, Rich, and then me. Uh, uh, and we're gonna go basically ten, nine, eight, seven, six. You, you get the picture. So, uh, Amy, do you want to tell us uh, your your number ten? Ten is QT Marshall and Cody versus Butcher and Blade. I loved the storytelling of it. My uh, my things are gonna be based on storytelling, compelling nature of the matches, and athleticism. Okay. Uh, Floyd, number 10. Kenny Omega, Matt, the elite versus, uh, Lucha Bros and Laredo Kid from Fighter Fest. Rich? Um, so I've got Cody versus Darby Allen from Fighter Fest. Um, uh, just, uh, I loved it. It was a, um, a draw that felt like a young guy coming up and Cody being a great veteran. He now is Randy Orton, which is like, <laughs> hilarious but i think he's better but um i think you know this was just like uh it's such a great match i just i just can't recommend it enough okay uh and for me i'm gonna go with uh hmm i'm doing this top of my head sorry y'all uh i'm gonna go with kenny omega and anna page versus john mossley and Pac on dynamite from uh i think that's october 16th uh just just that exchange in the match between Kenny and um, Moxley is like that's what I wanted 
their match to be, and we didn't get it, but like it's still there, and eventually we're going to get it, and I'm just going to love it. Uh, Amy, number nine. Number nine is Lucha Bros versus Jurassic Express because it was the first time we saw Marco Stunt in something that wasn't just a comedy filler for Jurassic Express. And we actually had to see him do something. And I feel like because of Luchasaurus's injury, we got to see both Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt get over in a different kind of way and have to adapt in a completely different style of match. And that was really fun. So for what it set out to accomplish, they totally knocked it out of the park. And that was great. I remember in that match, Marco Stunt like did three moves and the internet just was like, he could never do these moves ever and went fucking nuts. <laughs> nuts. I, yeah, like he could never do those Lucha, he could never do those Lucha moves in a, in a real fight. Well, no shit. <laughs> uh, my number nine is Hangman versus Pac from, uh, Hangman versus Pac from Full Gear. It was one of the few moments that I felt like Hangman has felt like a star. And I felt like that the people actually got behind him in that match. So my number nine, I've got Kenny Omega versus Pac at All Out. Um, one of the most shocking matches of the year. Um, lots of uh, good work between them in the match. Kind of like a round one. Uh, Kenny kind of not preparing for this guy, preparing for someone else. Gets caught by this dude who has a long uh, legacy elsewhere. And, um, you know, I, I, I thought it was a great match. Okay, my number nine. I'm going to go with Hikaru Shida, Riho, Rio Mizunami versus, in Rio Mizunami versus Aja Kong, Yuga Sakazaki, Amy Sakura from Double or Nothing. Um, this is probably the most watched, uh, probably the most watched Joshi match on this side of the pond, possibly ever. Um, it, and it was just so fun to watch them fly around and have a, a typical Joshi six woman tag match. I mean, you could see a bunch of them. Every, like, I don't see, there's nothing particularly special about this as opposed to seeing like, oh yeah, there's a bunch of women. And they're really good at wrestling and they move around and they fly around and they all are, and they all are different and they all dress different and they all have different things they bring to the table. And I thought it was awesome. Uh, number eight, Amy. Cracker Barrel Clash. We already talked about this. That was an awesome match. Totally loved it. It was an absolute blast. So yeah, that's definitely on my list of top matches for this year. Floyd. Number eight, Nyla versus Rio, Dynamite episode one. Uh, it was a match that kind of no one was into for the first five to eight minutes. And then they went through their storytelling. By the end of the uh, match, everybody was on their feet and everybody cared who won that match. I just thought it was uh, well, well done telling a story in a match. So my number eight, uh, I'm going to go with Kenny Omega versus Joey Janela on AEW Dark, a match that put AEW Dark on the map. Essentially, um, Joey Janela and Kenny was a match that I always kind of wanted to see once, you know, AEW had the rosters in place. I was like, that would be a really cool match. And it was. And <laughs> both times they did it, it was, it was a really good match. So, uh, it, just taking all types of crazy bumps and, you know, doing a main event level, you know, length match, uh, you know, th this match set up AEW Dark as a destination. Okay. Uh, number eight for me, I'm going to go with 
John Moxley versus Darby Allen from the November twentieth uh, Dynamite main event. Um, I I I enjoyed the hell out of this match, and it's a match that one I think Darby Allen lost absolutely nothing from getting his ass whooped forever by by Moxley, and I think Moxley um, earns earns some stripes as a person that is a thinking man's wrestler, and as opposed to the the goofball that he was in AEW or WWE for so long. Um, I, I I mean, and the finish is just one of the more dangerous, outrageous finishes you'll see um, in professional wrestling. I hope they never do that again, but for the purpose it served, I guess it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, Amy number seven. Emi Sakura versus Riho. I loved the teacher versus student dynamic. I loved the match. I loved how uh, brutal they got because they knew each other so well. And I loved how respectful they were at the end with the tearful bows and Emi Sakura raising Riho's arms um, at the end of the match and sort of passing the torch of greatness onto her in Japanese women's wrestling. Uh, Nick. Uh, Nick Jackson versus Ray Phoenix episode eight. I'll just say Rich Lattice pro wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Um, so I will go with Cody versus Dustin from double or nothing. Um, these guys, they bled, they fought and the whole presentation, the before the match and after the match, uh, everyone was looking around the room. Like we had just saw something special. <laughs> Uh, for me, I am going to go with, ooh, 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 I forgot about a match and I, uh, all right, we're just, put, we're just going to, we're just going to scrap it. Um, we're going to go with hangman page versus Pac from full gear. I love this match. Uh, if this was, um, this is what I want my, my serious make harders to main event errors and up, uh, like matches to resemble for the most part um just just guys busting their ass because they, they you know could, because they want to shine just loved it and and pack is just incredible and always has been just more validation um amy number six number six um this is going to be another strange outlier but i loved jericho and jungle boy because of the story that they told, the goal that they had set out to put Jungle Boy over, it was supposed to be 10 minutes, and Jungle Boy did, he hit a lion salt on Jericho! Like, that's insane! <laughs> that was great! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's Like, awesome. the whole thing was great, how Jericho reacted was great, that was just a lot of fun, and it really cemented Jungle Boy as someone that isn't just the mid-dude in a trio team. Agreed. <laughs> My number six, uh, showing up for the first time, but not the last time on my list, Cody Rhodes versus Chris Jericho at full gear. Uh, the story that it told, the MJF screwing of Cody to end the match, it was a great heel turn, great heel turn, great professional wrestling. Up next, I've got Private Party versus, or excuse me, yeah, Private Party versus the, ooh, I think I fucked up too. Um, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Live radio, ladies and gentlemen. Live radio. So, hmm, okay, I'm just going to have to pick between them. So, um, I'll, I'll do this. I, this was a tie. So, <laughs> Private Party versus the Lucha Bros and Private Party versus the Young Bucks are going to share this spot uh, for me. Um, they, you know, flip a coin. It, it just it, super fast lightning tag team wrestling in a bottle 
it doesn't get much better than either of those. So what you're saying is you ha- slapdashedly uh, put together a list and had no idea for what you were really trying to do, and then a moment came you remembered something last minute and decided to come up with a weird finish. Rich a lot is out here doing his list like WWE books. So, um, for me, I'm going to go with Darby Allen versus Joey Janela versus Jimmy Havoc, the Cracker Bro Clash All Out. These genius, these ingenious idiots decided to go out there and put their bodies on the line, especially Darby. Um, I mean, it was just, it was so creative. It was so fun. It wasn't overly dangerous or freaked you out um, in a similar fashion to like watching Moxley like try to crawl through glass like he's McLean in um, in um, oh my god I'm blanking name Die Hard Die Hard yes 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 uh, so it was just fun like and then you get the chair flip that'll I mean that's that's on the resume forever for Virginia. Um Amy number five. Number five is Kenny Omega and Joey Janela AEW Dark. As you said earlier, it put AEW Dark on the map, but that was the single greatest sell of the V-Trigger I have ever seen in my life from Joey Janela <laughs> going limp on the ropes looking like he literally just died. That was a great match. I never knew that I needed to see a match like that as much as I did. It was one of the best matches and certainly the best matches on AEW Dark. Amy? Amy? Um, remind me to send you a a match of B Priestley versus Mayu Watani from October, so you can see the actual greatest V Tick of all <laughs> Sounds time. Sounds good. Sounds Mayu good. Watani is a, is a god of selling. So, uh, Floyd, Young Bucks versus Private Party Dynamite episode two. At that time, I thought it was the greatest first match I'd ever seen on any television show ever. I had seriously watched that match like ten times. It that week I was just like, it, it it had me completely captivated the whole time. Yo, um, my number five would be Kenny Omega versus Shima from Fight for the Fallen. Um, just lightning. There, there's a theme here: lightning fast, a stiff, um, explosive matches. That's that's you know what I like, what I enjoy, and um, you know as I mentioned earlier, it was like New Japan versus Dragon Gate converging in AEW and. This was a this was a great victory for Kenny. Like probably like you know his single best wrestling uh, performance on a big show. Yeah, uh, number five for me is going to be Dustin versus Cody at Double or Nothing. Um, just just the dynamics of watching two guys that are very good at wrestling actually wrestle and mostly you know once the addition of the blood and you have Dustin you know selling buckets and you, you actually have concern for him in a way um, I, I thought it was I, I think this is Cody's best match I think with the, you could do all the storytelling as wackiness he does I felt like this is the one he finally like knocked it out the park um, and I was very happy for both of them um, Amy number four Number four is Private Party versus the Young Bucks. That was a great way to kick off the tag team tournament. Great way to put Private Party over. Uh, great way for underdog victory and was one of my favorite matches in AEW this year. And I went Omega versus Pac all out. We've talked about it, but the shock of the finish and how the story that was told during the match made it very compelling to me. 
Number four, I'm gonna go with uh, uh, Phoenix versus, or excuse me, um, I'm gonna go with the Elite versus the Lucha Bros uh, and Laredo Kid from Fighter Fest uh, in the building. This was like a religious experience, as I mentioned. Uh, you know, the Elite in their six mans, and of course, guys that can match them. So they wrestled a bunch of Japanese guys before, and now they're gonna show you how to how they go against Mexican guys. So <laughs> we're gonna do Lucha Libre now. So um, <laughs> hell of a match here. Yeah, uh, for me, uh, number number four, Private Party versus Lucha Bros uh, from the um, was it the twenty? I'm sorry, the October twenty third Dynamite. I, I mean, this is uh, this was a great match. It was just a hair, you know, not as good as um, the next match we're gonna get to because of um, the finish as well. But this is this is more of the the list of like Ray Phoenix is just like incredible. Um, there aren't that many wrestlers in the world better than him, and in just incredible wrestling, like, incredible wrestling with guys that are called being called green, just lighting it up. So, uh, Amy, number three, number three is Cody Rhodes versus Darby Allen at Fighter Fest because that put Darby Allen on the map. It was a badass match. And it was really impressive because it wasn't two people that I knew a lot of about. It was one guy that I really liked and then some other dude that I didn't know anything about. And suddenly after that match, I was all in on Darby Allen and that totally sold me on him. So it was just a great match. Floyd. All right. My number three, Lucha Bros versus Young Bucks from Double or Nothing. I just thought it was a great match. Awesome. <laughs> awesome match. <laughs> awesome match. I was picking between children, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to that feud. Yes. It was, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah, it was everything. It was just, I love tag team wrestling. That was tag team wrestling, and I loved it. So my number three, I'm going to go with Phoenix versus Nick Jackson, uh, AW Dynamite, totally unique match. Uh, guys that have been, you know, like tag team guys, you throw them out there, and there's no, like, you know, Nick Jackson hadn't had a singles match in four years and got to show y'all exactly who the fuck he is. Uh, Ray Phoenix was Ray fucking Phoenix. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you don't see, like, a four and three quarter match on TV most weeks. So, um, <laughs> you know, kind of kind of hard to, uh, you know, go, go back on that. So, uh, and, you know, we... And this was also uh shouts out to AW for listening to their fans as they always do. Every time I would scan these comment sections early on when AEW would start, they're like, What matches do you guys want to see? Maybe on AEW Dark, uh, one that would always get requests, Phoenix versus Nick Jackson. And we got it on Dynamite. So shouts out to them for actually just booking that. Yeah. Um for me, number three, the Young Bucks versus Private Party, AEW Dynamite, October 9th. Whoo! Um, I mean, it was just an incredible match, and it, you're on the edge of your seat. Um, and you know, I I thought that going into it, this is going to be the setup spot for Private Party to get themselves further over after what they did in the ring with um with SEU. But uh, it, it was a, it was a further uh, taken off point from there. And I mean, uh, I I can't wait to see them every time they come out now at this point. And Mark Quinn's a star, uh, a star, just flat out. Uh, number two, Amy. Number two would be Young Bucks versus versus Lucha Bros. The all out ladder match, the greatest ladder match I've ever seen in my life that I never want to see again. It was the best, the best. <laughs> The best. <laughs> hey, this will be. I can say this same. 
the exact same match as my number two. Uh, yeah, moving out the way. The, uh, I know I watch, I don't watch as much international wrestling, but I'd never seen that Canadian destroyer off the ladder through the table ever before. It's right now probably the greatest spot I've ever seen because I just don't I still like watching it a few times. I don't know how they pulled it off. And there was at least three times where I actually thought the other person was seriously injured and they got up and continued the match. It was like all my emotions. My heart was beating out of my chest. So, yeah. Number two, uh, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley from Full Gear. I worship at the feet of this match. Um, the, <laughs> you know, it was just like, you know, beating the hell out of each other. They had thought about everything so much and just put it together so well. The, the glass coming back, you know, originally as you're supposed to think that Kenny Omega saved after, you know, he got put through it, you know, week one of, of AW Dynamite, the chains, the, you know, <laughs> illusions to Kota Bushi, them going through the, um, you know, the bed of barbed wire. It just, it was so much shit. And it was just like, great. Like, it was like, yo, if you're going to pull out all the stops, this is how you do it. Okay, uh, another note, like, it's funny because Kenny talked all that mess about, like, what were you gonna do? Were you gonna chain wrestle me? And then there you go. At that, in the match, he goes out there and he chain wrestles the hell out of Kenny Omega with an actual chain, almost killing that fucker. Loved it. Uh, so, number, number two for me, uh, Nick Jackson versus Ray Phoenix Dynamite, November 20th. I don't think I've ever seen a crowd at the beginning of a, of a show be that freaking hot. I mean, it, they they were all into that match in the town. I think it was in Indianapolis, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was a town that was like not a, a, a normally uh, hugely loud crowd, uh, and they were just incredibly hot. And the action was incredible. Um, it was it was basically like they were like let's let's just do like Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros, except like we have the two best wrestlers of each individual group going out there and like. We're, no hot tags, no building up towards anything. We're just going to rustle our asses off. And uh, I thought it was incredible. Um, Amy, your number one match? Number one match is Cody versus Dustin at Double or Nothing because it set the stage for the storytelling of AEW. It was also just this huge match of family lineage, family strife, struggle, and just the inner conflict of, you know, the brother relationship of Cody Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes and Gold Dust and Stardust and all of these things sort of converging into this new company and then putting that all to bed at the end of it and saying that they needed each other. Like that was just like the most amazing thing that I have or probably will ever see. It's like the Golden Lovers reuniting. It's just like that emotional impact. So that's that has to be the number one for me. This match started at the entrance with the hammer to the throne and it ended with two brothers hugging. Uh, you had the Brandy spear. Uh, you had, you know, everything. I just continued talking about it because everyone knows that was my number one match. Cody versus Dustin double to nothing. I don't think anyone. Oh, doubted Chuck, that. Would. Yeah. As I say, I don't think anyone doubted it that, uh, but I mean, uh, I mean it could have been Cody versus, uh, versus, uh, um, spears. You know, I, I that was my. I will honestly <laughs> say, us at the last minute. You're right. Yeah, yeah, as I say, that was my favorite moment of the year. And if we doing uh, moments, that was great. 
But, uh, you know, when you talk about full match, like I said, from the time they come out from the entrance to the moment they hugged and went back, it was my favorite wrestling match ever. So definitely number one. My number one match will be uh, Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers ladder match at All Out. You know, what more can we say that we haven't already said? These guys, you know, we're like, yo, we're going to show you who the fuck the best are. Um, I don't think there anyone should ever do another tag team ladder match. <laughs> like for, you know, it, unfortunately it's already happened, right? Someone's done one since then, right? I, th- I didn't think people should have touched that gimmick for like a year after those guys did that. So, um, unquestionably it's to me the greatest match in AW history so far. And I think whenever they get together for round three, it's going to be on and it's going to be for the belts. Yeah, um, same segment here. Number one for me, the Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros for the AAA Tag uh, Team titles in a ladder match at All Out. It was incredible. It is death-defying, literally death-defying. As Floyd would attest to it, he thought people were going to die. Uh, I mean, for me personally, like um, we're going to do the the um, ten. We're going to all record our ten favorite matches in all of 2019. This is the only match that I like when uh, I was thinking of AEW that I thought of like I, I thought of with AEW. So like I I, I just incredible incredible work um, from four incredible performers. Um, and you know as you see like my number two match was uh, Nick versus Phoenix. So I was just like I mean I'm not I'm not a rich ladder pro wrestling type of guy, but with well, this why not. But with this promotion, but with this promotion, like when I thought it was going to be like New Japan America, when it's turned out to be like nah, it's more or less like the best in the Indies, not after outside of NXT, and it's like okay, if that's what you're gonna give me, I'll take it. And what they gave me was a huge dose of all the indie, and it was incredible. Um, so uh, I, at this point, is as I end of the show, uh, I want to thank. Uh, Floyd and Emmy for spending their uh, time doing this. Uh, originally, we set out to do this for um, to have the show only be uh, sixty nine minutes. We are now uh, oh, sixty nine no. minutes plus another hour onto that. So I definitely want to thank you. So I definitely want Amy for you to um, you, you give out your plugs, and then I uh, will get to Floyd. Oh, thank you so much. It's been lovely to be here. Um, yeah, you can check me hanging out with Floyd on All Things Elite podcast at ATE pod on Twitter. Um, I also have a New Japan Center podcast. We'll be uh, touching on Wrestle Kingdom with my co-host Jen um, at Dragon's Den at Den Wrestling. And then my husband and I just do a fun podcast every once in a while at AAEW podcast. I. Well, uh, well, hold on one second, Floyd. Yeah, Amy, uh, thank you so much. And you know, if you ever have any free time, we would love to have you back on um, One Nation Radio uh, for whenever, whenever. Um, uh, so, Floyd, Floyd, who you know is just the best. Uh, we want you to get more plugs. No, uh, my Twitter is at Floyd Johnson Jr. It is pretty simple and it's at AT Elite Pod. That's our group that we do. Uh, it's Amy one week, Tiffany the next. Uh, I am also in the, uh, AEW Discord. Me and Amy are both on the AEW Discord. And so that's, that's pretty cool. And yeah, you know, you Rich and James, y'all know I'm a big fan of your show, so. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm like, it's one of my first listens every week. <laughs> yeah. And then, you wanna, and then you want to call us and say, and be upset with us when, like, uh, how come you uh, didn't say that Cody is perfect? 
Oh, oh yeah. I, I'm telling. Okay, so a lot of people don't know this. I work overnights, and I work by myself, so I get bored. So I started some shit because I was bored. Yeah, yeah. Every performer of the year. Okay. Uh, so, so anyway, uh, that's, yeah. Wow, wow. Like I said, y'all know my y'all know it. Now. I just started some shit, and it wasted a few hours. It worked for me. Dude, you know I have problems. With, you know I have problems with insomnia, or maybe you may have heard that. I don't know, but I have problems with insomnia. When you sent that, I was like. This dude really finna, and then you kept going. I was like, this dude really kept me up for two, like an hour or two more because he wants to dude. send me this nonsense back and forth. How did you like the one where I said only the reason Joshi Revenge is rated higher is because less people voted on it? Oh god, that was full of shit. But that was hilarious was like, to me. I thought you were serious at that point. I was like, yo, dude, are you serious right dude. now? Dude, I was not serious. Oh, I, okay. I, I, okay. I, I, I under, if anyone in this world understands what Cody is, it is me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let me make sure. All right. So, uh, but anyway, that's it in the show. Uh, be sure to read us on whatever app you're using to listen to this. Uh, tell the folks about the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Be sure to check out the, our friends at powerslam.tv, the sponsor for the show. If you're a fan of independent pro wrestling, they have over 5,000 hours of footage from all over the world. You can use the code Social Suplex to get your free month's trial. Um, and don't forget to check out and visit ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex and pick up some official Social Suplex Podcast Network merchandise. Be sure to check out the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. On Sundays, we have One Nation Radio, this show. On Tuesdays, we have Keeping a Strong Style. On Wednesdays, we have the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Podcast. Every other Wednesday, we have Grown Men Watch This Shit. On Thursdays, we have... <clears throat> sorry. On Thursdays, we have Get in the Ring. And on Saturdays, we have... All things elite with Floyd and Amy and Tiffany. Thanks for listening. Shout out to Later. Tiffany who wasn't on this show but loves AEW. Yes, yes, we need to try to get Tiffany on here eventually as well. She loves Cody more than I do, which is hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would, I would, I would love, love, love to talk to her then. <laughs> not, not, I don't mean that like there's going to be something contentious because I like Cody as well. Uh, but like, I just want to see like. Like, if you love Cody, I want to see if, like, if, if, like, where do people, like, see the, the pitfalls in some of the stuff he does from time to time to time. That's all. Uh, but, but, uh, like I said, thanks for listening. Later, y'all. Peace.